Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast hosted and distributed by GrandTheftWorld.com. This is November 7th, 2021. This is episode 53, A Year in the Flu World Order. It's uh, the official year anniversary of this podcast. We started it last year right before the election was going on. And here we are a year later. Still two weeks to stop the spread. It's still going on. A lot of people out there still confused about the dynamics of a medical situation that has been heavily politicized in the past year. We have left a whole lot of breadcrumbs over the past 52 plus episodes because there's another special edition episode in there where we expound upon the copious amounts of evidence and documentation from official sources, CDC, WHO, United Nations, FDA, that contradict what is the common health policies out there that are being mandated for children now, ages five and up, experimental authorizations that uh, are experimental. They're authorized, but the people they're authorized for are very, very low risk. So low that you'll hear Jimmy Dore later say, it can't be measured by science. It's so small. So we're going to be talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Who's that? He's a professional NFL quarterback who has come out and started to speak a little truth back to power, the power of the mandates, the power of all these special uh, rules for people who obey society, a different set of rules for people who may might be thinking for themselves a little too much. And that has to be discouraged. That has to be beaten out of them. So to speak, <clears throat> various uh, chastisements, uh, peer pressure, these sort of things, a lot of uh, mainstream media focus on demonizing, not just, you know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but people who might explore or have reasons not to just, you know, get the jab without thinking about it. You know, they do need to think about it. People have health. It's part of our human beingness is an individual situation and one size does not fit all. So we're going to learn a lot about that in tonight's episode. We're also going to have a special guest coming up in about an hour, but first we're going to dig into the, <clears throat> the Fauci flu and the Wuhan crew. We're going to kick it off with Luke Rudowski from we are change and the best political t-shirts.com. He's going to give us a little hint to the Aaron Rodgers story, which we'll cover later in this episode in depth. Here we go. Hey, is that the Great Reset over there? Or are people really getting excited for Black Friday this year? Who knows? Because the mainstream media lies about everything. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Okradowski here of WeAreChange.org. And oh boy, do we have a lot of important news to get into today. As many people are turning their backs to the presidency of the United States, along with their insane draconian policies, which more and more people are speaking out against, including even Democratic governors, federal judges, 
And of course, even Aaron Rodgers. What's happening here? What's going on? There's a new anti-parasite pill. We're going to be explaining that plus a lot more all in this broadcast. And the video that we started off today with is, of course, from London, where people there celebrated the 5th of November recently. Looks like a, a pretty uh, wild time, to say the least. But hey, it's important to remind everyone that there have been massive protests all over the world that have not been gaining significant media attention like this one where you're seeing an endless crowd of protesters in Melbourne, Australia going against a domestic passport system implemented against them. While in the United States, there's still wild cheers for Brandon almost at every sporting occasion. Why are people protesting so much? Well, obviously, we have an out-of-touch bureaucracy in charge with the national security state that's doing the bidding of the multinational corporations that truly run things around society. And hey, a lot of people were realizing that. Another perfect example of a runaway national security state that has no invested interest in protecting or serving the American people is the latest developments that just happened to Project Veritas. As we're learning today that the FBI has raided a number of Project Veritas journalist homes over the alleged diary of Ashley Biden. Now it's important to note here that Project Veritas held off on publishing the contents of this diary that they were given because quote, they couldn't verify its authenticity authenticity. The FBI now intervening here, according to some validates that this diary was real. According to many sources, there was extremely eye-opening revelations in it. But with the FBI directly intervening here and looking the other way when other documents of other administrations and other private information was, of course, stolen, um, definitely highlights how the FBI is an extremely political body that is acting more partisan by the day. In related absolute failures of U.S. intelligence agencies, along with criminal misconduct of the national security state, we have this revelation coming out today that the U.S. Virgin Islands just served a subpoena to a major banking institution of the world, Barclays, so they could fully understand what was happening with Jeffrey Epstein, a man that over 30 years, according to many criminal experts, was being protected, aided, and abetted by the federal intelligence agencies, was able to, of course, harm thousands of children in unspeakable ways. He was able to do this with cooperation from major banking institutions like Deutsche Bank that looked the other way many times and was even fined $150 million for illegally helping Epstein move his money, which of course was used for his international trafficking and extortion operation. How was Barclays involved here? Well, we're going to find out. And of course, we're going to be keeping a close eye on this story. Now, as the politicians in your government that you pay for with your tax dollars are protecting individuals like Jeffrey Epstein, it's also important to note that they're implementing a great reset as we're speaking right now with, of course, cheeky slogans like Build Back Better, that are leading to absolute devastation for the average human being, especially if you own a small business or are even considered being a part of the ever-shrinking middle class. Prices have skyrocketed. Travel has been limited and restricted in many ways. There's some airports warning that it could take up to eight hours to fly internationally. The prices of energy have skyrocketed as of course the global supply chain has been shattered. But of course, all of this is in the name of 
progress, as of course many influential billionaires like Bill Gates say things like people are living beyond their means, as of course he flies around in his private jets, has of course super yachts, and lives on beachfront property in a mansion. And that's why to celebrate such stoic, important individuals like Bill Gates that are so instrumental in our culture and society, we of course made the real Island Boys t-shirt that I am extremely proud of wearing right now, highlighting of course Bill Gates in his true form with uh, one of his best friends, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, on here. Now, if you want this shirt and many others like it, definitely go check out thebestpoliticalshirts.com as, of course, we have a lot of very amazing t-shirts that we... Now, with the vast amount of protests that we have been seeing all around the world, far more extensive amounts of protests than, of course, the mainstream media like to tell you about, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people feel discontent with their government, with the institutions that are supposed to represent them, and especially with the institutions that are supposed to inform them, which, let's be honest here, have been doing an absolutely horrible job. A perfect example of this is, of course, the Biden administration in Imposing a mandate, a decree that demands that a vast majority of the general public comply with the whims of government when it comes to an intrusive medical procedure that is not right for everyone. This, of course, is being pushed with an internal domestic passport system. And I think it's fair to say that a vast majority of people are saying, hey, um, I really don't like this, and there's some serious implications when it comes to people's civil liberties when it comes to implementing this. To the point where even a Democratic governor, the governor of Kansas, came out and said that these mandates are something that she can't even support, saying that this policy, quote, doesn't serve as a solution for Kansas. This as over 10 states already filed lawsuits against the Biden administrations against this policy as a fifth circuit judge just blocked this mandate because of violations over the U.S. Constitution. Now, this is a, a temporary ban. The Biden administration will be able to respond to this. How will this very important federal court proceeding unfold? Well, of course, we're going to be following it very closely as this is another major blow against the Biden administration and the restrictions, fines, violations, and controls that it wants to implement on the average American. And from my own personal perspective, one of the biggest pushbacks that have been happening against this administration has been happening culturally, as of course many musicians, celebrities, movie stars, and prominent activists have been coming out and speaking about these mandates that have been negatively affecting them in one way or another. One of the latest, biggest superstars to recently come out against these mandates is of course Super Bowl champion and two-time MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers that just came out in a 47-minute interview on the Pat McAfee show where he absolutely obliterated the narrative and agenda that was being forced down everyone's throats by the U.S. mainstream media. And during this interview, Aaron Rodgers spoke very eloquently and he raised many important questions that have been raised before that, that haven't been answered.
monitored by this administration or, of course, Dr. Fauci, especially when it comes to the effectiveness of this procedure being mandated, the lack of liability by the producers or, or pushers of this procedure, specifically even detailing his own medical history with allergies to specific ingredients in this procedure, which, which prevents him from taking it, saying, quote, I believe strongly in body autonomy. Health is not one size fits all for everybody. You have a right to make decisions about your body that should be an inalienable right. And uh, Aaron Rodgers brought up an important point here, an important angle to this entire debate that I think is relevant here. I think should be thought out. I think should be questioned. I think should be at least debated to say the very least, since, of course, his comments and questions were right on the money. Aaron Rodgers also, in that entire 47-minute-long interview, talked about how he was talking to Joe Rogan about how to handle this sickness. He talked about a readily available medicine that we can't even mention here on this YouTube channel, how he was taking this readily available medicine himself, which, according to him, Big Pharma is making knockoff versions of in order to get record profits. And it is important to note here that there are many big pharma agencies that are creating antiviral, antiparasitic pills that have been showing to have breakthroughs when it comes to fighting this sickness. The mainstream media is calling this a new wonder pill that significantly slashes the risk of vulnerable people being hospitalized or dying from the sickness. And again, the debate to be had here I could only really seriously discuss on LukeUncensored.com where it is only safe to discuss this issue and the larger context of what Aaron Rodgers said. I will be discussing that in tomorrow's video on LukeUncensored.com. In a recent previous video, I also detailed how Joe Rogan personally helped me, but we have to realize that the fact that this is being discussed out in the open to millions of people with national media talking about this, this is a major significant step forward when it comes to having an actual real conversation and debate about these issues in a real way that is not constrained, that is not controlled, that is not limited to a spectrum of an agenda that's being forced on a lot of people. Now, what will happen to Aaron Rodgers here? Well, we're getting some information that some organizations are dropping their partnership with him. The NFL announced that he could face fines if there was allegedly some violations related to the sickness, but so far he is not even suspended. And the fines would be if he went out of his way knowing that he was sick and tried to infect people, which I don't think happened here. We do know that Rodgers did test positive for the sickness earlier this week. He said he talked to Joe Rogan. He said he got early treatment, and he looks like he's doing uh, really well. Aaron Rodgers also shared some very interesting insight and intelligence when it comes to the media landscape when he also recently said, quote, the right is going to champion me and the left is going to cancel me. I don't give a S about either of them. Politics is a total sham. I'm not going on Fox News just like I'm not going to go on CNN. And on that note, <laughs> yes, nail on the head from my own personal perspective, from my own personal opinion, absolutely right on the spot. And with someone who is as media savvy as Aaron Rodgers, it's definitely going to be interesting to see the spin that the mainstream media tries to put on all of this.
even if they would dare to. And with the significance and influence of long-form, uncensored conversations like this, making the rounds, getting seen by millions of people, people actually being able to talk like normal human beings without talking points, without an agenda, without a narrative, it's something that's absolutely incredible. And this kind of long-form, real conversation, I think, is definitely the way to go. As it's helping it's people see another side of the coin of the story of the narrative that of course they have never seen before and i think that's pretty incredible that's just my own personal perspective that's just my own personal opinion if you thought i was wrong let me know why down in the comment section below i always appreciate constructive criticism if you like the video click like if you disliked it click the dis i gotta hand it the loop I mean, for a solid decade, I had like 0% interest in anything professional sports, NFL especially. And then he got me to watch a 47-minute interview with this. Bad McAfee show. Rogers a, guy. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of professional First off, sports. Aaron so. Rodgers, good for you, man. Because I didn't yeah. hear Brett Favre coming out and saying anything. You said it. He's a real leader. He's a leader. He's talking about critical thinking in that interview, bodily autonomy. He's very well educated on all the varieties of topics that interviewer needs to work on his listening skills. Cause he's like, you have the floor, do what you want. Aaron's in the middle of like a presentation. This guy's like, can I ask questions yet? Aaron's like, no, you can't sit down and keep listening. I'm the but adult shout, room talking. I, have say, I have to say this. So shout out to Pat McAfee because ESPN and the major uh, mainstream media sports news networks and the departments are furious at him because he basically snuffed them. And said, I'm going to do my own show on YouTube and talk about whatever the fuck I want. And yeah. he, and Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm not going to go on ESPN. I'm not going to yeah. go on these major. I'm going to go on Pat McAfee show. And all of a sudden Pat McAfee is as blown up over the past year and is doing really well. And the ESPN has been taking shots at him pretty, pretty harshly because of his success, because he is attracting a lot of not just Aaron Rodgers, but a lot of athletes to go on and have honest, open discussions and not be, you know, uh, have to, you know, cowtail to whatever the network wants and the talking points they want to talk about. And then of course, what their sponsors will allow to be talked about in the first place. So. And then my other mental note was, <clears throat> Uh, I remember last week or the week before, it's like, there's no, there's no Tim cast tonight. What's going on? There's no Tim cast the next night. Oh, maybe they got strikes or something. Right. And then you hear Tim got COVID. Then you hear most of the people in the house got COVID that Luke got COVID. And then you watch Tim's story. Cause he explains his experience. And then he talks about how Joe Rogan offered. He's like, look, here's the doctor. Here's the treatments. I'll cover the treatments. You're all good. Just get better. Right. I listened to Luke's video about recovery. Um, he talks explicitly about how Rogan helped with the Regeneron and monoclonal antibodies, plus throwing the kitchen sink at these things, right? Cause it's nothing to mess around with. You, even if you have a weak case, you don't want to find out that you have a bad case four days into it, treating it like a weak case, right? So you just want to, you know, if you test positive, have that sort of thing go on, get it, get it out of your system. So that was all very useful. It's sad that in certain parts of America, you can get these treatments readily, easily, cheaply other parts they're next to impossible to the point where people have to resort to basically black marketeering and getting things outside of the system and it's it's a life-threatening illness for a lot of people who find themselves in a situation in a state they don't know what to do there's there's no covid buyers club you let, remember that movie with uh, dallas <laughs> buyers club right uh, dallas buyers. McCon is, is that mcconaughey 
uh, back I in the eighties, yes. yeah, they had, man. they had nutraceuticals and amino acids that they were smuggling in from Mexico because the United States FDA would say, you can't use these things. You have to use AZT that kills you and Fauci's in control of that ironically, you know? So I, yeah. So there's that they idea that there should be other, yeah. people in States where these things are available, maybe can get them to people in States where they're not available, some sort of friend, mutual aid networks like Stefan Verstappen talked about last week in depth if you missed that interview so for i'll just throw it out for those uh, yeah. just in case one comes down with this disease um uh the frontline critical care there's my free doctor app that you can use but there's also you can go to the frontline critical care association and you can actually schedule an appointment with one of their doctors and depending on the state you live in uh once they give you uh, they, they you pay for a checkup and then they also will then ship you not just the prescription but the actual ivermectin depending on the state you live in depending it on the state the, yeah, my so free doctor when it's also expensive I, to do it that way just well, forewarn the, the myfreedoctor.com you download the medici app it's a free consultation they ask for a donation afterwards uh, i went through the consultation and i live in one of the three states they're not allowed to provide service right in states where you do get a script your your pharmacy still might not have it on hand or fill it right so they could say we have it but we're not giving it to you Correct. or they could say they no longer are sending this to our pharmacy anymore because of political reasons which goes back to aaron Rodgers talking about how individual health should not be politicized by these people who have never you know they're not doctors and they haven't checked you out he has a doctor he has several doctors he has some of the best doctors in the world i would bet just like uh Who's the other guy? Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, sure. I do yes. know. I do know more sports characters than Steven Crowder, which is like easy <laughs> to say because he knows. Not you know, this is MMA, but that's about it. So. Speaking of MMA, MMA, look at that Joe Rogan coming in, the philanthropist. Look, right? Whereas Gates and these other guys are pseudo philanthropists, Joe Rogan actually goes around and helps people. Joe Rogan's doing like, a better job of saving lives than a lot of hospitals around the country right now. Well, strong statement with, his, make, self, with, with his support of people like Pierre Corey absolutely. and the other doctors from the uh, COVID frontline doctors Alliance uh, that he's helped. That's uh that's yeah, that's a serious, it's, not it's a strong right statement, direction. but I mean, the hospitals right now are basically saying, Oh, you're sick. Go home until you, you're almost on your deathbed and then come back. We'll put you on a ventilator. So and or we'll no give way. you remdesivir or maybe, maybe some hospitals. Yeah, so you can get renal failure six weeks later. So that's yeah. not a plan. And if you, that's not a plan for you to go out like that, then there's other things you can do. Early treatment, come up to speed. Know that if you, you're going to wait till you're sick to go to myfreedoctor.com, it's going to be backed up for a couple of days. You know that if you want to go get monoclonal antibodies someplace, it's probably going to be backed up a couple of days. And so have some other early treatment therapeutics on hand. So you can have your NAC, zinc, quercetin. I'm not a doctor, but these We're are not things I'm doing for We myself. have shown you doctors for a year now. In their own words, yeah. you know, uh, what's uh, Dr. Zelenko, uh, Peter McCullough, Dr. Bar Dr. Bartley. Bartlett. We're actually, uh, I'm interviewing Peter McCullough this week and he's going oh, to be fantastic. a, a pre-taped guest for next week's Grand Theft World. Oh, that's so fantastic. Cause he had some huge interviews this week that I've on the show card. Dr. Hopefully Fleming. So Fleming, yeah, Who else Richard Fleming. uh, Pierre Corey and the entire yeah, frontline critical yeah, yeah. care organization, um, Bartlett McCullough. Um, Robert Malone has mentioned it as well. Dr. Robert Zelenko. Malone. Yeah, Zelenko as well. Yeah. Um, there's a number of other doctors. Dr. Michael that, Eden. Oh, Eden. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. So there's a whole yeah. bunch of doctors that are knowledgeable on this, uh, ongoing evolving bio warfare experiment on the people of the planet earth. Hold that thought. We got to go to Christy Lee. 
She's got a rundown of the week's uh, misrepresentations in media. So LD, let's go ahead to Christy Lee. How Let's Go Brandon became code for insulting Joe Biden. And again. And oh, same headline. Multiple news organizations all running with the same exact story, same exact day. It's almost as if there's actually very few newsmakers giving the same directives to parrot. This is real. <laughs> Listen to the experts. Oh, the, yeah, this. <laughs> Uh, Delta variant! Delta uh, variant! Uh, the media is losing its mind over. As you can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon! With CNN analyst Joe Lockhart comparing the slogan to ISIS, the KKK, or Nazis. Never mind it was a reporter who created the phrase by covering up what was actually said. Speaking of actually said. I'm gonna say one thing. Trump. France. Listen to it. So again, the MSM will lose their minds over a PG way to criticize the current administration, but gleefully join in during the last administration, not mincing words. So people tuning in to see Blackish will have to watch a racist. Well, Jesus Christ, of course he's racist. He's been racist from day one. I don't think that should surprise anybody given how virulently racist he is today. He is a vile man. Take note, if you're not looking outside of corporate-controlled media, then you're not getting news, you're getting propaganda. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360, brought to you by Pfizer. And after the upset in Virginia, MSNBC anchor Tiffany Cross blames white supremacy for the win. This is about the fact that a good chunk of voters out there are okay with white supremacy. Let's call a thing a thing. Actually, scratch that. They are more than okay. CNN echoes the sentiment. Let's be clear. Some of it was dog whistle. Yeah. Right? Some of it was uh, dog whistle racism. Is this white supremacy? A historic win for Winsome Sears, Virginia's first black lieutenant governor. Or the Cuban-American Jason Miares, the state's newest attorney general. And since it was missing from the media, let's give this the celebratory coverage it deserves. I'm here because you put your trust in me. That's the only reason I'm here. What you are looking at is the American dream. I want to finish up by thanking you, Jesus, how sweet it is. So how does Sears react to the negativity? They're dangerous to our national security because stoking that kind of soft white nationalism eventually leads to the hardcore stuff. I wish Joy Reid would invite me on her show. I'm, let's see if she's woman enough to do that. I'd go in a heartbeat and we'd have a real discussion without Joy speaking about me behind my back, if you will. She talks about white supremacy. Does she know that I ran against a white supremacist? I mean, Joy, come on, get your facts straight and then come talk to me. And while Rochelle Walensky is MSM's fave jab rep, did any of those talking heads ever ask her what percentage of those in the CDC itself have been injected? What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? 
We're actively encouraging vaccination in all of our employees and doing a lot of education and outreach in order to get our agency fully vaccinated. And the, but the percent? I, I don't have that for you today. Let's circle back to this media hoax. The U.S. Border Patrol agents whipping Haitians. Horrified, Secretary Mayorkas said the results of the investigation would be available by the end of the week. That was about five weeks ago. Shouldn't DHS correct the record? Clear the names of the falsely accused? We certainly got no apologies from the media, now did we? Speaking of hoaxes, how the MSM handled the Trump-Russian collusion story might go down in history as its most obvious malfeasance yet. As the source of the Steele dossier has now been arrested, charged with lying to the FBI, and now an unveiled 39-page indictment gives a more clear picture of claims allegedly built on rumors and lies with connections to the Clinton campaign. Bringing you what's ignored, sensationalized, unbalanced, misleading, or just plain false, that's your media malfeasance for the week. For KLIM.News, I'm Christy Lee. Just when you thought it couldn't get any crazier from last week, here it is getting just a little bit crazier. All right, so that's kind of like the uh, the introduction montage. Both Luke and Christy do a good job of breaking down many stories in, in their segments. Uh, the next clip that we had lined up is uh, under the, the uh, let's go to the section title, Fauci, Wuhan, and the SARS-CoV-2. The next part we had was Jason Burmis bringing you uh, Tony Fauci at his best and Rand Paul. And Rand Paul has some prepared remarks and there's some audio glitches and, and whatnot in Jason's footage. So I thought maybe we should just show you, let's just show you like the C-SPAN. Is that what we have, Tony? C-SPAN. Yeah, we footage? have the C-SPAN. We, we have the, the original. We have the original. And then we have Jimmy Dore also commenting on it. If we want a commentary. on. Yeah. It. And then also uh, honorable mention to Jason for yeah, Jason for doing, was doing the it live all the time. He's been traveling. Yep. Right. Yes. He's trying to get a studio set up. He's trying to get some property where he's at. Support him on Rockfin as well. A lot of great consistent content and analysis in depth with Burmas. But let's go ahead to the, the Rand Paul clip itself. Let's go to the source material, as it were, and then uh, we'll dig into it after this. I think it it's, takes eight, eight minutes for it's eight minutes, 33 seconds to the one right underneath the Burmas one. The long round for Fauci. He was hoping for the bell a couple times. He was like, it's funny because his have... corner man. He's like, can you get me out of here? He did better this time, but not that he's correct, but he, he presented himself a little better than the last time where he couldn't even his mic wasn't on and he's fumbling over his words. He can tell he and professionally trained a little bit more this time professionally trained. Here's the exercise. I know a lot time. of people here aren't right or left. Or Try to listen to it from both perspectives. Hear Fauci's responses from the left perspective. You know, hear Rand's going at him from the right perspective. Neither one of those is really the clarity of the entire situation, right? So you want to be able to like see it through those lenses, but also observe it independently and independently for what it is. And for me, it's not like the smoking gun, but it's one in many chain, long chain of abuses. And Fauci has not changed his tack whatsoever. It's like coming out round after round and he's got his left low and he keeps getting hit in the face. Cause he won't, he won't put up his guard. I don't know. Let's just see, let's let it play out and objectively try to screen it through those lenses. Senator Paul. Dr. Fauci, I don't expect you today to admit that you approved of NIH funding for gain-of-function research in Wuhan, but your repeated denials have worn thin and a majority of Americans, frankly, don't believe you. 
Even the NIH now admits that EcoHealth Alliance did perform experiments in Wuhan that created viruses not found in nature that actually did gain in lethality. The facts are clear. The NIH did fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan, despite your protestations. You can deny it all you want, but even the Chinese authors of the paper, in their paper, admit that viruses not found in nature were created, and yes, they gained in infectivity. Your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfeldt of MIT has written, gain-of-function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Yes, our civilization could be at risk from one of these viruses. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with known pandemic-causing viruses are incredibly risky. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with coronaviruses that have as much as 50% mortality could endanger civilization as we know it. And here you sit, unwilling to accept any responsibility for the current pandemic and unwilling to take any steps to prevent gain-of-function research from possibly unleashing an even more deadly virus. You mislead the public by saying that the published viruses could not be COVID. Well, exactly no one is alleging that. No one is alleging that the published viruses by the Chinese are COVID. What we are saying is that this was risky type of research, gain-of-function research. It was risky to share this with the, Ch with the Chinese and that COVID may have been created from a not yet revealed virus. We don't anticipate the Chinese are going to reveal the virus if it came from their lab. You know that, but you continue to mislead. You continue to support NIH money going to Wuhan. You continue to say you trust the Chinese scientist. You appear to have learned nothing from this pandemic. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. Gain, first of all, gain-of-function is a very nebulous term. We have spent not us, but outside bodies, a considerable amount of effort to give a more precise definition to the type of research that is of concern that might lead to a dangerous situation. You are aware of that. That is called P3CO. We're aware that you deleted gain of function okay. from the NIH well, website. Well, I can get back to that in a moment if we have time. But let's get back to the operating framework and guide rails of which we operate under. And you have ignored them. The guidelines are very, very clear that you have to be dealing with a pathogen that clearly is shown and very likely to be highly transmissible in an uncontrollable way in humans and to have a high degree of morbidity and mortality and that you do experiments to enhance that, hence the word EPPP, -P -P, enhanced 
pathogens of potemic, potential So when EcoHealth Alliance took the virus, well, SHC014, and combined it with WIV1 and caused a recombinant virus that doesn't exist in nature, and it made mice sicker, mice that had humanized cells, you're saying that that's not gain-of-function research? According to the framework and guidelines... So what you're doing P3, is defining away gain-of-function. No. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. This is terrible, and you're, you're completely trying to escape right. the idea that we should do something about trying to prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab. There's, the preponderance of evidence now points towards this coming from the lab, and what you've done is changed the definition right. on your website to try to cover your ass, basically. That's what you've done. You've changed the website right. to try to have a new definition that doesn't include the risky research that's going on. Until you admit that it's risky, we're not going to get anywhere. You have to admit that this research was risky. The NIH has now rebuked them. Your own agency has rebuked them. But That's, the thing is, is you're still unwilling to admit that they gained in function when they say they became sicker. They gained in right. lethality. It's a right. new virus. That's not gain of function? According to the definition that is currently <laughs> operable, you know, Senator, the new let's one. make it clear for the people who are listening. The current definition was done over a two to three year period by outside bodies, including the NSABB, two conferences by the National Academy of Science, Engineering, and Medicine on December 2014, March 2016. We commissioned external risk-benefit assessment, and then on January of 2017, the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House issued the current policy. And coincidentally, I, I have coincidentally not the definition any appeared definition. on the same day the NIH said that yes, there was a gain of function in Wuhan, the same day the definition appeared, the new definition, to try to define away what's going on in Wuhan. Until you accept it, until you expect, accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. Th thank you, Senator Paul. And I would like um, to give the time to Dr. Fauci. Yeah, well, there were so many things that are egregious misrepresentation here. Uh, Madam Chair, that I, I don't think I'd be able to refute all of them, but just a couple of them for the listens to hear for. You have said that I am unwilling to take any responsibility for the current pandemic. I have no responsibility for the current pandemic. The current pandemic, okay? Number two, you said the overwhelming amount of evidence indicates that's a lab leak. I believe most card-carrying Viral phylogenists and molecular virologists would disagree with you that it's much more likely, even though we leave open all possibilities, it's much more likely that this was a natural occurrence. Third, you say we We've can tested 80,000 animals and no animals Senator have been Paul, found with COVID. Senator Paul, the time is first. And third, you made a statement just a moment ago that's completely incorrect, where you say we continue to support research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You proved it in August of last year. No, no, your statement says, quote, I wrote it down as you were writing. You continue to support research 
at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You were in committee a month ago Which and said you still trust the Chinese scientists and you still support the research over there. You said it a month ago Senator in committee. Senator Paul, I have allowed Dr. Fauci to respond. You've had your time. I'm going to give him He's a, going to be dishonest. Minute. He ought to be challenged. S Senator Paul, we will allow Dr. Fauci to respond after you've given accusations right. like that. Dr. Fauci. Well, I don't have any more to say except to say that, as usual, and I've, I have a great deal of respect for this body of the Senate, and it makes me very uncomfortable to have to say something, but he is egregiously incorrect in what he says. Thank you. Thank History you. will figure that out on its own. So we will turn. He is egregiously incorrect, but I have no evidence to support that claim. Thank you. That's an interesting way for him to end it. The other part was he was arguing about gain of function is only if they mess with viruses that pertain to humans. And what he was saying is at the time, they, the whole problem they were trying to solve was to get this back coronavirus to merge with humans. So Correct. that's right? where the term so cleavage using, site comes in because that's the way in which it becomes infectious to humans. The, yeah. The PR proteins enzymes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it basically which, breaks down the proteins and then recombines them so they can combine to human cells. So tell like, that's uh, the application of Ralph Barrick's no CM no technique CM that te he brags about from University of North Carolina, and they're all over the paperwork and they're all over the Eco Health Alliance stuff with Fauci. And the fact that NIH came out and said, "Hey, we were doing gain of function," and then Fauci has them go, or someone has them go scrub gain of function from the website. They then they then call it, he calls it EPPP or E. 3P or P3CO. These are different ways he's uh, uh, talked about it in various interviews. But what he was trying to say is enhanced pathogens of pandemic potential. I don't know. He couldn't get the phrase out during the, the during his talking points there, right? right? Enhanced pathogens of pandemic potential. Okay, that's still gain of function work. That right. is right. So gain of function work is them bringing back the 1918 flu virus. It's them digging up stuff, viruses from Antarctica and playing with these things yeah. in labs. Well, they so, are yeah. experimenting and playing and God animals. all over the place. And who are yeah. the ones doing it? It's not good Christians. It's people who believe that they can be God and given enough money and a long enough time period in the dark, they can work up some conjurings or some dark. of those things. And Rand Paul clearly says, Hey, look, it, it came out of that lab. Let's stop talking about the wet market. That's a racist theory. It came out of the lab. So let's act as if. Let's figure out who did this. What is the antidote, right? What is the antidote? Doesn't Correct. seem to be the thing they're passing around that's killing people and causing ADE. That might even be the real payload. The other thing might have been to get people to get the injection, the right. highly specialized whatever. Because I, I read one thing that has like 12 billion particles of mRNA inside mm -hmm. of each injection. Right. And we so saw great. last week with Richard Fleming and um, McCarran uh, what happens under a microscope with uh, the deoxygenation and the blood clotting, which is the thrombocytopenia that people has been reported in bears alongside all the junk inside you of it see that an no one has identified to your point. LD, can you post or at least yeah, to the notes? Richard Fleming, it's fantastic. I had it in the Rich, show notes yeah, a couple I went weeks to ago. The, but yeah. I went to Fleming's site today again, and there's just like doc. I mean, you it's could, getting more and more. Did you see that? Oh man, it's he has I mean, a lot of Has he talked to the now. German lawyers yet? Maybe we should hook these guys up. Cause like his document list, I was, I was like, I was way into it. And I looked, it was only a tiny part of the page. Yeah, well, real quick. I want to, uh, you know, that's, we should actually real quick to answer your question. We should actually get him in touch with the German lawyers. I don't think he has not that I maybe once, but Whitney Webb has now been on there at least twice. A number of personalities have been on there at least twice. Cause she was on there last week again. 
Um, we should hook him up with uh, the German lawyers, obviously. Uh, if he has fantastic information, LD, if you can bring that up, I had it in the show card a couple of weeks ago because it had this was uh, he went on Alex Jones a couple of weeks ago to break down vaccination across the world and spike in cases and um, and spike in deaths as well. And the graphs he had were so interesting and so uh, uh, well preserved that I was like, I need to go through this with a skeptical eye and you know um, sort of consider whether or not the data he's using is correct because it was so unbelievable. But at the mm. same time, like I really appreciate that he's collating all of this data and making it very intelligible for individuals, lay individuals like us who aren't doctors or cardiologists can understand it. So uh, real quick, I just want to point out, um, a couple of weeks ago, we showed this as like a counter argument to the lab leak narrative. This is the reason why I, uh, am not a fan of this article as much anymore. Obviously the intercept has been, they've been the intercept and who is this, uh, MPN news, mint press news have been going back and forth. Intercept is what's released, you know, um, had that major bombshell a couple of weeks ago, um, in regards to fun. Oh, a gain of function research. And this one tries to argue the opposite. There's a leading virologist named Rasmussen. I forget the first name that is against it. So what's interesting as against the, the lab leak, what's interesting is that's the, the same argument that the, um, and this is by a South Korean reporter, by the way, and this is not I'm against bad. it too, but because I think the accidental thing doesn't, it falls apart when you look at the overarching greater reset, how these people didn't miss a beat. It's more like a purposeful timed choreographed release, not a leak. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, as, as Peter Dajic said, right. As you point out by release in his but words, the, to the point email to Fauci, one of the biggest points or arguments and the reason why I didn't take much credence to this article, it's a good, it's the best counter argument I've heard, but at the same time, it didn't take much credence because what they're doing is it's called the fallacy of equivocation. They're taking the definition of gain of function in this article and saying what they were doing wasn't gain of function all over the place. And they're, they're, they're going into specific details and there's some red herrings and straw men built around that, but they're equivocating on what gain of function is. And I think that's the, the most important uh, key uh, essence or theme of that interaction between Fauci and Paul is equivocation. They're changing the definition. I see your move and here's my move. Uh, right. It's a chimera and, and they use chimera in the papers to describe these. Correct. So and so just and they, call it what it is, chimera. My favorite is when they try to argue, oh, there are certain situations where it loses functionality, therefore it can't be gain of function. Or the other argument is that if it was just animal, you're just dealing with animal viruses, it doesn't count. They're the, all those same arguments are sort of re repeated bromides within that Mint News Press uh, op-ed article um, that since then has, well, this is October 21st, 2021, NIH admits to funding gain of function research in Wuhan, says equal health violator reporting requirements. It's a, been a plethora of this since since that article. And of course this is recent and they gave the him five days, whatever happened to those five days to turn over all the files. Anyone, Oops. anyone. So it also wasn't just beagles and monkeys. Fauci's and AI also funded medical experiments on AIDS orphans. We went over that. So we know there's a lot more, that's a separate thing, but yeah. there's a lot going on with experimentation in general, scientific experimentation, the ethics of ex and, uh, experimentation, uh, scientific experimentation, whether it's regards to viruses or therapeutics, ostensibly remember they were saying, well, gain of function research is done ostensibly to be able to produce vaccine technology for an emerging pandemic. And so we can find the pathway by which animal viruses become infectious to humans. We can jump on that. Well, isn't that the perfect scenario they need, uh, in order to push their MRNA vaccines that they've had patents on for how long now? So I don't know. I'm just speculating. That's just my own crazy speculation, but 
interestingly enough. Now there is this last one here. Tony Fauci did say something that is important to point out. He said a lot of virologists around, you know, in, in the sort of scientific community of virology would disagree with you. Um, and most uh, agree or would, you know, probably speculate that it's a natural in origin. Well, that's not necessarily true. This is a science.org. Um, video presentation, lab leak and natural origin proponents face off. There's actually quite a bit of disagreement amongst the virologists in the science community, many of which have taken the side that it might've been a lab leak or release, and, or at least lab manipulated. Actually, the, scrap the leaves. Really, they're not saying release or whatever. They're just saying it's manipulated. Um, and the, so they point, they go into the CDG, CDG entered the amino acid sequences. They go into the furin cleavage and all these various, and can we find these amino acid sequences of other animals and blah, blah, and the virus structure of other animals and so forth and so on. And yeah. What's, what's the host? What was the animal host? Where did we find it in nature? Mm -hmm. It's not found in nature. Right. It's found in the uh, lab they, though. They found along amino with a whole bunch of other stuff they've been working on. So that wall street journal, the CDG CDG article I brought, or the amino acid sequence, those codons that we talked about from the wall street journal, the code for arginine that make it more transmissible to humans. Those have been found in animals, but the fur and cleavage site has not. And it also that, that amino acid sequence has not been found in bats. So, or it's a the bat HIV clade. There's, mm -hmm. a whole, there's a whole, there's a bunch. whole bunch of, yeah. it's not natural, but does meet the, the, the needs of a pandemic planning document with the novel respiratory <laughs> coronavirus. And even in the military document, it said accidental leak, you know, like uh, nature, yes. accidental and, and enemy actions. Oh, right. Yeah. That we brought right? over, so right? it's, you yeah, know, it's no one ruled out enemy action. And I think we came up with a, maybe a title for next week, Chinerica Chimera. Because <laughs> it's a chimera and it's chimerica. chimerica. Hey, that's, a, that's a fantastic alliteration. Chimerica. I gotta get used to saying it. It's a N instead of an M L D when we do that. China and America. China. Together. It's like so. globalism making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We're in the middle. We the jelly. All right. So <clears throat> moving forward, away from Chinerica. Um, we got uh Fauci lying, Jimmy Dore has a take on this. This is a pretty good take. I think I've seen this one. The, the other one in the show I, I saw earlier today is really good. Um, so let's go ahead, LD, and roll that one. And uh, it's going to you know, push it a little bit further, and maybe he'll make us laugh during the time, because Jimmy's funny sometimes. Most of the time. Often. How about that? Sometimes. I like him. He's decent. He's often funny. Yeah. He's funnier than Bill Maher. That's for fucking Oh, yeah, that's right, true. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Mars not getting a jab either. So let's no welcome Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci, are you there? Hello, Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> oh. What what's that sound in the background? Uh Wednesday's off for vocal cord cutting. Oh my god. Little Snoopy. Just another day Oof. in the office. Okay. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> Give me that handy white, will you? Goddamn dog blood. It coagulates. Look at this mess. What is that in here? Yes, uh, wait a minute. Uh, listen, well, there's a new study from the Lancet Infectious Disease Medical Journal. That rack was founded in 1923. Fly by night. 
Yeah, the study shows that people inoculated against COVID-19 are just as likely to spread the Delta variant of the virus as those who haven't had shots. Yeah, I don't really have a strong answer for that, of course. The vaccines are 100% safe and super effective. Well, there's another study out of Israel done through the Tel Aviv University. It suggests that people who were previously infected with the virus benefit significantly uh, strong, they, from significantly stronger and longer-lasting immunity than the immunity provided by vaccination alone. Yeah, I really don't have a strong answer for that. Just make sure to get your booster shots. Well, we just had Professor Richard Wolf on the show talking about the resistance to vaccine mandates by workers. And he says that those are the type of workers we need on the left. He says this is about class and not about science. What are your thoughts? Class, mess. Look, I grew up on 83rd Street, Brooklyn, and Ernest. And frankly, handsome young man delivering my father's prescriptions door to door on a blue Schwinn bicycle. Ah, those were the days, Jimmy. And if they didn't take my prescriptions, I punched those motherfuckers on the nose and jammed the medicine down to our grateful throats. I'm living proof no one is too poor not to be an asshole beholden to the corporations. Capiche? <laughs> Uh, that wasn't really my question. This is about workers refusing the dictates of their boss. Yeah, I don't really have a strong answer for that. <laughs> so you're just trying to push shit from Big Pharma. That's all you're doing, right? You're just pushing the Big Pharma propaganda? You got me there. <laughs> well, how are people supposed to trust you when you lied about masks, you lied about natural immunity, about the herd immunity, and funding of gain-of-function research? I don't really have a real strong answer for that. <laughs> okay. Do, do, you have, do you have a strong answer for anything? Well, look at San Francisco. They just became the first jurisdiction in the world to mandate this emergency use vaccination for children over the age of five. And you're proud of that? What kid won't enjoy being carted at the kiddie pool? <laughs> Gives them a sense of purpose. Children don't need the vaccine or to be carted at a kiddie pool. Look, who are you going to believe, me or Joe Rogan? Uh, on this, I'm going to go with Joe Rogan. Okay, you got me there. Okay, <laughs> then who are you going to trust? Me or Alex Jones? Well, actually, that's a tough one. These are getting tougher and tougher. People <laughs> are really finding out I'm a piece of shit, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and you funded those dog studies where hundreds of thousands of our tax dollars were spent on cutting Beagle's vocal cords. Standard procedure. Yeah, a lot of shit is standard procedure. This drone program is also standard procedure. Standard procedure. And, and yeah, and after cutting the beagles' vocal cords, their heads were locked in mess cages where hundreds of sandflies were freed to feed on them, eating them alive. Yeah, well, the official narrative is that I didn't know about that. Yeah. And Rand Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> what does Rand Paul have to do with this? Nothing, but that's my go-to when I'm in a tough spot. <laughs>
Rand Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he saved me more times than I can remember. CNN eats it up with a fucking spoon. <laughs> you said the U.S. didn't fund gang of function research in Wuhan, but they did. Well, we don't talk about black sites either, do we? We deny their existence too, don't, don't we? We cover up torture, whether on animals or people. So you now admit the U.S. did fund gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Rand Paul does not know what he's <laughs> yeah. talking about. What? I don't have a strong answer for that. Okay. So instead of admitting the cruelty and corruption of our government, you want me to turn on my fellow neighbor to deny them work or housing or to freedom of movement or to shame and scapegoat them, to deny them autonomy over their own bodies, even when there are alternative treatments to the vaccines available? That's what you want me to do? Don't take the horse pace, Jimmy. Take the jab. Again with the horse pace bullshit. James A. just shut up. 200,000 lives would have been saved from COVID if we had Medicare for all. Why don't you ever mention that? I don't have a, really have a strong answer for that. <laughs> no, you don't? Why? Why? Because you're bought by big pharmaceuticals. That's why. Yeah, it might be. Why aren't you telling people that everybody's going to eventually get the COVID disease? Is It's going to circulate forever. Why don't you tell people that? Because they're fooled just like you were. Remember how paranoid we made you, James? Yeah. <laughs> you should have invested in Clorox stock before you had, when you had the chance. No shit. Yeah, now you're, now you're not going to tell people that everyone's going to get the disease? I'm just busting your balls here. So you're not you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna. I don't have a real strong. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna end this then, I guess, huh? And Rand Paul doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> okay. about. All right, Doctor Fauci, thanks, and go fuck yourself. <laughs> Arriva Dancy, fuck face. I want to let you know and. All right, so uh, yeah, that was an uh, interview with Dr. Fauci by Jimmy Dore. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to, like a good quarterback, I'm going to call my audible loud to the, the control room. The next clip I want to go to is this uh, top scientist warned against COVID jab, and I have it highlighted in the outline. It's Alex Jones' clip, LD. And while you're looking for that, you're going to have ample time because I got, I got something on the book cam here. First off, they mentioned torture, and they do call it torture. This is the Senate. Intelligence Committee report on CIA torture. Senate, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, the official Senate report on CIA torture. Committee study of the Central Intelligence Agency's detention and interrogation program, which included torture. So much torture, they put it in the title and they put it in red. Now, this is not uh, like a Cliff Notes. This is a, this is a pretty big, thick book with lots and lots of all redactions. those redactions yeah look how much they're telling you in the official Christ, report man. of course they tell the senators the whole truth they have the truth on your behalf you the citizens right like john mccain feinstein this is like from the people who brought you torture we're gonna give you the official report we did the investigation too but that's not what i'm here to talk about what i'm here to talk about 
they just brought up torture. I just wanted to show the artifact. This is from October, 2021. It's recent. This is the world health organization. Who exactly United nations world health organization considerations regarding consent in vaccinating children and adolescents between six and 17 years old. Now, why do you think the world health organization has all this sudden interest in vaccinating children. It's not a sudden interest. The World Health Organization had a goal by 2030 to have every child on the planet fully vaccinated with all these pharmaceuticals from all these various companies, because that's their job. They are the sales and distribution arm for like tax exempt uses from these phar pharmaceutical companies. Now what's the schedule today? Of Out of curiosity, do you like know? 60 or 70 doses of 50 plus vaccines for kids. Jesus, but again, man. let's go back to this document because this is really interesting. I'm just going to flip into it. A lot of people are showing you page three, right? I'm not the first person to discover this. People who talk about it, they talk about page three, number three, and that is important, but I want to add context. It's part of the value of this show. So there are a couple parts here that I'm going to dig into. Just laying it out because this is about freedom. This is about young people losing their informed consent and the parents being tricked into it. And uh, they just don't do it in our country. They do it in other countries too. The principles of consent, consent and assent. Consent is the principle wherein individuals must give their permission before receiving a medical intervention or procedure. According to the laws and regulations in place in most countries, consent is required for a range of medical interventions or procedures from simple blood tests to organ donation, including vaccinations. In only very few well-described circumstances, such as life-threatening emergencies, may consent be waived. Consent derives from the principle of autonomy. So now Aaron Rodgers has used that word in tonight's clips. Jimmy Dore has used that word. And now the WHO is using the word autonomy. Consent derives from the principle of autonomy and forms an important part of medical and public health ethics, as well as international law. For consent to be valid, it must be informed, understood, and voluntary. And the person consenting must have the capacity to make the decision. Then they talk about the, le the age of legal consent, saying in most countries it's 18. In a number of countries, it doesn't have to be 18, right? And they give some examples. Some countries have fixed age of consent to allow for HPV, which is one of their concoctions out there that they peddle. It's a more kids. recent one. Yeah, it's a more recent one. Well, in the past 10 years, I'd say. So they cover what most people are comfortable with, a formal written consent process, right? Health authorities inform the parents about the vaccination and written consent from the parent is required to opt in, i.e. give permission for the older child adolescent to be vaccinated. Alternatively, a written form of, uh, is used to allow parents to express non-consent. This is refusal to vaccinate your child. This is known as an opt-out procedure. Okay, that's all well, fine and well. In a couple of cases, if the parents are there, they can give verbal consent. Okay, this is the one that really concerns everybody. Number three. Page three, an implied consent process by which parents are informed of imminent vaccination through social mobilization and communication, sometimes including letters addressed to the parents, but not all the time. So they could put a sign up in the hall. They could put a sign up on the door. They could send you an email that goes to your junk bin that you've never seen. And if you send your kid to school that day, you have consented. So let's read more. Subsequently, the physical presence of the child or adolescence with or without an accompanying parent at the vaccination sense, uh, session is considered to imply consent. This practice is based on the opt-out principle, and parents who do not consent to vaccination are expected 
to implicitly, they have to just guess, to take steps to ensure their child or adolescent does not participate in a vaccination session. This may include not letting a child or adolescent attend school on a vaccination day if vaccine delivery occurs through schools. What does occur through schools are the vaccination days being scheduled so parents know, and if their kid goes to school, they might get vaccinated. I don't think that's clear in a lot of countries, especially the United States. Let's continue on. Uh, let's see. Uh, this may include if a vaccine delivery occurs through school. Implied consent procedures are common practice in many countries. However, when children present for vaccination, a present for vaccination unaccompanied by their parents, it is challenging to determine whether the parents indeed provided consent. Therefore, countries are encouraged to adopt procedures that ensure that parents have been informed and agreed to the vaccination. So even though they kind of say down here, this is how it's going on. They're also saying, oh, buyer beware, the parents should know. But, you know, what kind of knowledge is being given out to the parents right now as far as implied consent? Uh, let's see. There was more talk about consent being required and not required, which if it's a mandatory vaccination, uh, consent may not be required, right? Which is why they're pushing for the mandates because it takes parents into decision-making over their children out of the picture. Which they know is unconstitutional, but they're hoping that interim in between will get most vaccinated before that goes through. Right. They say the, schools the can't give consent for legal. you. Communi they, they can authorize, but they can't give consent. There are practical challenges to this. This is a boring section. And then there's uh, consent and immunization coverage. Right. And then programmatic considerations and country responsibility. The alarming parts you want to read are on the uh, first three to four pages. So taking and collectivizing the next generation starts ironically with this accidental bat soup thing that happened from the wet market. And these kids after vaccination will have to have COVID passports for the rest of their life. And uh, it'll be blade, blade runner 2049 before you know it. Like before, if you ever got on a prescription drug, I haven't well, had prescription drugs like this century. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you were to get on one, if a doctor told me you need this prescription drug, Okay, this is how to get on it. How does one get off of this drug? Because I'm not taking it for the rest of my life. And if you can't tell me that, I'm probably not going in. It's the same principle of Robert De Niro, God bless him, before he had derangement syndrome, back in the movie Ronin. The opening scene is him yeah. casing out this bar and having an exit before he entered. And you're like, this is a man of experience. And you learn a lot during that movie about people of experience and the, the fakers out there. And Fauci and these other characters, they're faking and they're hurting children. You'll hear later tonight that there's like scientifically unmeasurable, like out of millions of children, there's like 700 cases, deaths. It's not a good ratio. But if you listen to like Good Morning America, they're like, this is the most lethal thing to children right now, this COVID, and they need the vaccination. It's a huge disparity between what people are being taught. Yes. through mainstream toxic media and what the actuality is. And I just sense that there's a lot of children in jeopardy from that. Yeah. And parents uh, too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I don't the show card a couple of weeks ago, but there was a breakdown that the majority of the children who died had comorbidities, mainly like severe comorbidities, cancer, leukemia, which is a type of cancer. Well, the Jimmy so, door like, clip that I was thinking from, uh, from earlier today, he goes over all these, you know, official references and shows mm -hmm that the, the the regular flu is more dangerous to children yeah. than COVID. Yeah. And we're Matt not giving Walsh them experimental the anything wire. for flu. Right. 
Right. Matt Walsh and the daily wire said the same thing in front of the school board. And he came out and said, he like, went over the numbers. We had that actually we did get on the record that on the record a couple of weeks ago when he went, he's like, the, yeah. he broke down the numbers for the flu and he broke down the numbers for COVID-19. And it's like, clearly, um, especially knowing that you can have robust immunity potentially for a lifetime, but at least extending for possibly years, there's no reason to vaccinate children, especially with myocarditis. But by the way, they just re- uh, approved a pill for children for heart issues and blood clotting. So no, or is either blood clotting or heart issues. It's later on the show notes. Young hockey players are dying from heart attacks on the ice, you know, 24 years old, but that happened before, you know, they got NBA, the one NBA player, blood clot sees his career is normal for 24 year olds to have heart attacks. Now they're normalizing it. Thank you, Tony Fauci. Number of soccer players too have had serious yeah. issues recently as well. Yeah. So people it's, who it's, yeah, are running. Got to remember these things. sports leagues are small. I think the NBA what 250, 500 players altogether. So a couple affected. That's quite a percentage. If you scale that to the the larger population. Anyways. LD, did you manage to find that clip? Did I buy you enough time? That gave me ample time. Plus, I found the uh, the documents you were going over. I shared those out. And we I had got time, the documents. I had time to contemplate with gratitude that we steered clear of any Steven Crowder and locker room talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> ready I want for the some more. Clip. I want some more alien transmissions. Well, All right. So, uh, yeah. So, let's, let's roll this InfoWars clip. And when we come back... We're going to have our guest. He's the author of a couple books here, and we're going to talk about him right after this next clip. Three points. Well, we've got a lot of news here, obviously, to cover, but I happen to have some information here that is a pretty big deal. And if I don't build it up, people are just going to hear it and it's just going to kind of float over their heads or in one ear and out the other, including myself. I mean, I'm really thinking about what is the proper action for me to take concerning everything that's going on. And it's all tied together. You know, the UN came out yesterday or came out last week. We were the first to learn of it and put out new policies saying globally, you can inject children without parental consent. And they labeled that the new informed consent. If you send your children to school, you know they're going to be injected. Wow, what a, what a statement. It's like saying you wear that short skirt, you're going to get raped. Or uh, you go outside at night, you're going to get mugged. Or, uh, I mean, they're just saying we're going to do this to you. And I've got more news on that today. It's a pretty big deal. And an article on Infowars.com that needs to get out there. Revealed you and plan to vax children without parental consent. Kelly McBrain article. But... That's only a part of the story, the destruction of parental rights, the fact that the U.N. is the group running it and we're under U.N. control, the fact that all these major sites admit, like Yahoo and AP, that, well, we get our fact-checking from the U.N. And if the U.N. says, you're not allowed to talk about having a heart attack from the shots, you're not allowed to. It's true, they make you have heart attacks. But we're not going to let you talk about it. It could scare people. I mean, that's a real quote. I made a big deal about three weeks ago when the young sports uh, college student, full scholarship, great shape, had a microcarditis and almost died. And doctor said it was the Pfizer shot. And the UN said, well, we're not going to allow him to be in the news because it's true what he said. The doctor's not lying, but it scares people. I mean, think about that. It's true. It made you have a major heart problem. 
We know it's real. You're a, they would say he's a good person, but he's not allowed to scare people. The UN says, I mean, you just wake up to that. But none of that even compares in magnitude to what I'm about to cover. Because the fact that they're announcing they're going to come and inoculate your children forcibly is just the highway. What's coming down that highway is a bus on fire going 200 miles an hour, and it's going to run us over. The question is, what's in the shot? Yeah, the UN runs it. Yeah, it's out of control. It's a total parental power grab by the state and bureaucrats. It's over the top. On a scale of 10, it's an 11. But it gets a lot worse, folks. I now have video out of Germany, out of France, out of the UK, out of England and Scotland and Ireland, and out of Hawaii, and out of New York, and from Texas, and Arkansas and Florida. I mean, I've got it all right here. Got all the clips, all of it. With them saying, oh my God, the hospitals are 25% their biggest record now. Previous hospitalization was, I think, 2017. And it, a few weeks ago, it was 20% the record. Now it's 25% the record and growing. And they think by... January, it's going to be 50% more than have ever been in the hospital before with mystery illnesses. And they list them. Well, they don't know why there's all these heart attacks and heart swelling and blood clots and people having horrible autoimmune diseases where their lungs fill with water and they die, but they don't have COVID. Gee, what could it be? Well, what did every scientist worth their salt come out and say? I mean, a who's who of Nobel Prize winners and chief scientists and university heads. And now the head of the British Medical Journal came out. I've got video of that in Senate hearings, but it's a total blackout on it. And said, we got mass ADE taking place. So we didn't, we're not warning of ADE like we did a year and a half ago. It's, it's going on and it's premeditated. And sure enough, people go, hey, ADE happens really bad with cold virus vaccines, but we never had one. This one's really souped up. We're probably going to have ADE and half the people that take it. A lot of them are going to die. In fact, around half the people that develop ADE die. We're talking about 25% of people, if you look at just the first numbers coming out, that have had the shot are going to die. 50% are going to get sick conservatively. And now that's what we see. It's ADE. ADE is way more prevalent, the evidence shows, than just the myocarditis, the heart swelling, and the, the heart attacks, and the strokes, and the rest of it, and I've got a stack of news from around the world where they've got prime ministers and premiers and senators and governors and hospital heads going, we just don't know why the hospitals are so full. These people can't breathe. Their lungs are turning liquid. And by the way, they're all double jabbed. They should be healthy. We, we and It's not COVID, though. It, it, they're just dying. And, and And the statistics are, in the UK alone, you're twice as likely to be dying of the super cold, as it's called in the UK, it's been going on for two months now, if you've had the double jab. And you're also increasing it if you've had one shot. And they've got all the numbers. I mean, this is all public. And now I've got stacks of news articles, stacks of them, two stacks of mainstream news going, we don't know why everybody's dying. <laughs> No one will say it. Everyone knows. Gee, why is the champion basketball player having a heart attack? Why the other one have microcarditis? Why the top uh, 
Hockey player just have a heart attack on the ice and die at 32 years of age. Why are the football players all having heart attacks? What the hell's going on? What's going on with the, with the soccer players? And, of course, it's the injections. I mean, it's off the chart, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to go to break in a few minutes. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to play the premiere of South West Australia. Of West Australia, as that province is known. And he just says, we don't know why everybody's so sick. We don't know why they're dead, why they're dying. He goes, but we think it's we think it's a delayed onset of something to do with COVID. Oh, it's 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 something to do with COVID, all right. And and, and they're gonna try to gaslight everybody now. Now, now this guy looks so freaked out, he may just be stupid and not know what he's involved in. But brother, you're the front man in a major state of a major country, a major province of extermination with soft kill weapons. You've helped carry out a biological chemical. People say, why call it chemical? It's really synthetic nanotech chemical biology. It's a merger. That's, that's really what all this is, is synthetic viruses, they admit. They put simulants with the H1N1 10 years ago the year before in the vaccine of H1N1, and then it mutated the next year and caused the illnesses. They'd already done that in the labs. That was their plan. They've been doing this for a long time. They didn't just start putting nanotech in there this week. And I've got a stack of articles that just came out where the news is all, oh, it's so wonderful. We've got a new vaccine that makes children behave. It's a behavioral vaccine, and now we need to give it to the boys with ADHD. Oh, this will settle Junior down. It eats certain receptors in the brain. It's a viral lobotomy. This isn't Alex Jones saying, hey, they're putting stuff in the shots to lower your IQ or make you more controllable like a science fiction movie. They're actually proposing it at the American Medical Association. I got an American Medical Association. Like, oh, where are you getting this? We're not just getting this from the news we're getting it from the american medical association and the american hospital association behavioral vaccine for teen depression oh yes it works so well on the troops they've been giving our troops for 15 years this crap you see what it's done to them man they are just murdering us in live time gee we don't know why everybody's dying why everybody's having heart attacks gee what's going on jiminy crickets but I just want it to really sink in, and I don't want to get lost in all the other clutter, that all over the world, mainstream news is saying, and, and this isn't a lie like last year where they said the hospitals were full and they weren't. That was just statistically not true, and you could go there and see it. But now whatever they've released and whatever's going on, and, and the fact that Pfizer admits that they are shedding and that that created the Delta variant, that that's a real thing. I mean, Tim Poole got it, almost killed him. He said he's never been this sick in his life. Uh, same thing with me. I, I got it, and it was rough. I see how the average person would panic and go to the hospital. It feels like a, a gorilla's on your chest or, or a horse kicked you in the chest. Almost killed my dad. This is very, very real, ladies and gentlemen. And they got a bunch of different projects going on. But we know that when you take the shots, you're way more likely to die when you come in contact with a regular cold virus. That's called ADE. You've been harping on it for over a year and a half, harping on it and saying that within six months of people taking the shots and then the winter coming, when that's when the coronaviruses are able to spread and expand because our bodies get weaker from lack of sun. That's how they're able to replicate in the cells. That's just a fact. Vitamin D deficiencies, you're not getting sun. 
Most people are vitamin D deficient. Over 90% of people that die of COVID were vitamin D deficient. Over 86% that get COVID when they do the blood test were deficient. So um, most people are, again, dying of a vitamin D deficiency. So, and, and that happens. You know, we, we got clothes on, we're inside, we're down in the sun. I mean, you got to get 30 minutes of direct sunlight, good sunlight a day for most people to have enough sun. If you're black, it's triple that. If you got brown skin, again, it, it's a gradient, but probably double. And so you, you, everybody should get the blood test done. It's, it's, I mean, unless you're getting a ton of sun, you're going to have low D. Anyways, I'm digressing. Everybody knows this already. And they're trying to suppress it because they're the ones that are killing us. So they know full well what they're doing. Antibody, ADE. And this antibody dependency enhancement is what all the experts said they were most worried about. They said, if this shot causes that, which we believe it will, you're going to see large portions of those that take it die. And it's here. And they know it. And they did it. Let me read you some of these uh, headlines dealing with this. But before I do that, here is the premier in Western Australia talking about the situation and saying they don't know why this is happening. Here it is. Look, our hospitals are under enormous pressure. This is the same in Tasmania, South Australia, New South Wales, Queensland uh, and Victoria. Enormous pressure. This has uh, been something no one has ever seen before, uh, the growth in demand in our hospitals. Uh, why it is, is hard to, hard to know, uh, except that there is some um, evidence that some sort of delayed re reaction to COVID, uh, but there is uh, huge um, numbers of people coming through the doors. So we're doing everything we can to try and manage. So that's Mark McGowan, uh, one of the premiers in Australia. Just doesn't know what's happening, doesn't know why. Then you go read the local news, it's blood clots, heart attacks, heart swelling, myocarditis, uh, platelet counts going down to almost zero, uh, strokes, embolisms, Lungs filling up with liquid uh, ADE. Can anyone from Australia please clarify what's going on in the hospitals? Robert W. Malone begs the question, MD, the inventor of mRNA technology, who predicted ADE would happen. But let's not listen to the billionaire inventor of something. Why listen to Nobel Prize winners? Why? No, 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 no. I mean, come on. You're going to listen to the inventor of something? That You never listen to the inventor. I mean... Are we going to listen to Tom Brady about how to play football? Of course not. You want to just go ask the janitor that never played football. They'll know. Or maybe your wife. Or whatever. You know, honey, tell me about football. Well, well, honey, you probably want to ask Tom Brady. Oh, oh, no, we don't ask Tom Brady. Now, the Tom Brady of mRNA says this, that it was going to cause ADE. But I don't want to listen to the Tom Brady. You're like Mike Tyson in 1988. Uh, who are we going to learn about heavyweight boxing from? Let's just go ask uh, that little skinny guy over there. Have you ever boxed? No, never been a boxer. Well, what sports do you play? I don't really like sports. I'm a bookworm. Okay, will you teach me how to heavyweight box? I mean, this is the level of the gaslighting, ladies and gentlemen. The experts said it would happen, and now it's happened. They are literally killing us. Look, I got stacks of articles. Look at this. ERs are now swamped with seriously ill patients, but many don't have COVID, NPR. Record level all over the country, and it describes ADE. Weird. Western Australia reportedly has no COVID vaccines. 
vaccination continues. Again, Western Australia reportedly has no COVID and vaccination continues, but hospitals are overwhelmed with COVID-like symptoms, which is what the scientists said. So they have no COVID. They're still locked down, though, so no one gets sick, but then everybody's sick at record numbers. Let me read that headline to you again. Weird. Western Australia repeatedly has no COVID. Vaccinations continue, but hospitals are overwhelmed. Why are hospitals more full now than during last year's COVID-19 peak? D Magazine, Dallas asked. Worst allergy ever, meaning disease, is spreading across UK, complete with horrible symptoms that are described as ADE. That's in the BBC, the Mirror, the Sunday Times. They're all reporting it. And they all go, we have no idea. And here's the Australian premier. We have no idea what the hell's going on. Record numbers, of people sick, hospitals full. We just know they can't breathe. Is that the right clip? Because I had a different one highlighted that covered the UN white papers you were doing. No, that was that was that was the exact right clip because okay. he was talking was about the sure. UN World Health Organization oh, okay, paper there at the beginning. Okay, good. That's what to make sure. Okay. Welcome back to Grand Theft World Podcast. Here in episode 53, we have a special guest. He is the author of many liberty-based projects, such as uh Thick Red Line Project. He's here tonight to talk about his latest book. His main primary theme in life right now is all focused on distribution of the message in this book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed. He writes under the pseudonym of Etienne Delabueti Squared. There, I said it for you. How are you doing, Howard? Good evening. Thank you for joining us here on Grand Theft World. Good to be with you and your audience, Richard. It is a pleasure. Oh, look at you. See, I told you your white balance changing, changing colors already on you. That's all right. It's going to be like uh, a color themed circus over there as you change in the lighting. That's good, man. It's what's important is your book and your message, not your technical skills at adjusting the white balance on your webcam before an important interview like this. You're going to be <laughs> fine. Our audience is used to doing it live. We have plenty of things that don't go perfectly, but again, it's not about the messenger. It's about the message. What is the message in this book? Why did you create it? And uh, is this the first, like this edition that I have here that I got recently from you at Porkfest, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, didn't I have an earlier version of this book that had like a liberator drive in it and stuff like that? So is, is this been going on a lot or is that a different book that you had? Yes. So the, the original book was entitled um, Understanding Your Slavery. Yes, that was the original book. Okay. So I have that upstairs too. I forgot to grab it. I apologize. And then that focus grouped into understanding our slavery. And then it further in the fourth edition transformed into government, the biggest scam in history exposed. And uh, for the upcoming fifth edition, the subtitle is going to change it again. And it will be how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. And I will be, uh, adding and academia to the sub uh, the subtitle, and really the thesis of the book is that government was never intended to protect life, liberty, and property. Government has always been uh, illegitimate, undesirable, and unnecessary. And uh, the best way to think of it is a technique used by what I call intergenerational organized crime to rob and control populations. And when I say intergenerational organized crime, I take it back to monarchy being the original intergenerational organized crime. We're going to take your money. You're going to give us your money or we're going to hurt you. 
And when, uh, when monarchy and the divine right of kings fell out of uh, uh, favor, uh, the rulers gave us democracy, um, which is always illegitimate, unnecessary, and undesirable, um, and kind of tricked the population into thinking that they had a, you know, a say at the big table. But uh, because it's intergenerational organized crime, robbing and controlling society, they're always going to win these elections because they've got a disparity of campaign funds. They control the media. Uh, they own uh, the voting machines. And whether it's choice for government A or choice B for government B, you're always going to get government in the government system. And that government system is kind of tax farming the population for 50% of their income and overt taxes, covert taxes, and inflation. And that those, uh, those enormous uh, illicit pro uh, profits allow them to control the media through a monopolization of the old school media and uh, the algorithmic censorship of the new media. And that system of controlling the information that the population receives has been going on for a very, very long time. And in the book, I take it back to the quote unquote founding of the, of the country uh, where, you know, the anti-federalists were openly compl complaining about media censorship and this control perception program, even going back to the quote unquote founding of the country. Well, and uh, one of the things that I noticed, because it is, it's a history book. You're going back to the founding of the country. You're providing context. It's like a, not, a, not just American either, history either. It's mm -hmm. kind of world history in some aspects, at least 20th century world history. And it's a, it's a profound coffee table book. It inspires conversations, even mm -hmm. without you picking up and saying, hey, check out this book. The cover and title alone make people incredulous, and yet they probably feel there's a little bit of truth to it. So they pick it up and they start reading and they're like, you know, what, what, what is this book? Oh, that's my buddy's book. And let's mm -hmm. check it out. And let me just show the audience real quick, a couple of the, so it's a, it's a format for easy discussion. It's got comparisons and contrasts between other governments and regimes that have existed. And there's uh, a lot of uh, bringing it back to culture today. And when you start to see how, uh, you know, politicians are glorified and uh, deified through the imagery and iconography. And these are not new tricks. This has been done, you know, this has gone on in history. And so as you break it down section by section, uh, there is just a ton of useful information in here for discussion. And that's what it is. It's not saying this is the end and final result, but this is like a great beginner step for having conversations with people who might not be on the same page to, to just, you know, stimulate energy, energy exchange, information exchange, conscience back into it, instead of people just thinking they already know and arguing from their predetermined kind of ignorant positions, this gives like something for mutual discussion and something to actually refer to and talk about as far as examples and evidence and case studies and these sort of things. Right. So how did you come to format it in the way that you did, as opposed to like other people just, you know, they write a book and you, you read it. This is more like based around people having discussions from the content. Well, the book is really designed, you know, is how do you take somebody from that's maybe never have, have been exposed to these ideas and how do you take them from zero to 60 in the shortest amount of time? And how do you accelerate what I call the, the, uh, the, that moment of insight where they kind of get it that, oh, wait a minute, maybe government isn't legitimate at all. 
maybe that the system that we call government uh, has been illegitimate from the beginning and they've been using it to, uh, to rob and control the population. And uh, most people are visual learners and they come to insight much quicker when you show them a visualization or a historical photo or a meme than they do if you were to, you know, you know, just kind of lecture them for 20 or 30 minutes. And so really the goal of the book is how do you take what's really, really important information and how do you make it easy, easy to digest? Because most people aren't going to, if it's a text only book, they're not even going to engage in the book versus, you know, I can toss this book in front of somebody that is just a little bit intellectually curious and they pick it up and they thumb through it and then boom, they are hooked. They are what is going on in this book. And so, uh, so I, so I'm using a lot of uh, tools and techniques to bring the reader into that moment of insight, to accelerate that moment of insight. Uh, you showed the comparison between, you know, the, in the 20, in the first part of the book, there's 20 plus techniques that we break down and we show what that technique looked like in Nazi Germany, the Soviet union and East Germany. And very, very quickly because of something known as, uh, you know, repetition of the method, beings are really, really good pattern recognition machines. And when they see that pattern, uh, that historical pattern, then they come to that insight and they're like, hey, wait a minute, that's, that's a playbook. They've been running game on us. They're using the exact same techniques as the Nazis, the Soviets, and the East Germans. Hey, maybe I'm not being uh, told the truth about what government really is and why the United States is using the exact same techniques as the three most despotic regimes in, uh, you know, essentially modern history. And so, uh, so that's really the, the, the gist of the book is how do you take somebody kind of from zero to 60? Uh, how do you take uh, uh, concepts that were invisible and make them visible through visualization? And how do you bring somebody to that moment of insight to where they're able to kind of abandon this belief in government, uh, you know, because they realize they've been tricked and indoctrinated into it their entire lives. And I found it a good um, synergistic book with Michael Badnarik's book, Good to be King, which teaches one about individual rights and these sort of things. And you can see that there's now a comparison contrast. It's like, there's what you are as an individual. And then there's this other structure that has been created to harness and control and deprive individuals of freedom and uh, the wealth of their actions. Right. And historically it's been a popular theme through societies. You can trace it in the Western world, the power to own other people, the power to tax and all these other sort of things that have been used to colonize the planet and not wanting that to go into the future uh, books like, uh, what was Larkin Rose's book? The greatest superstition. Yeah. Most dangerous superstition. Most dangerous superstition. Right. Yeah. So some people read that book, but that's not a, like a book you pass around and share as much. It's like, you just read the book, you know, whereas this is like, <clears throat> I could see some guys, you know, ice fishing. There's nothing biting. Somebody's reading this book. Oh my goodness. Did you know that? Not uh pass it around. You start having a conversation, social situations. This book can be useful for. And that's the thing that I think is missing. That, that thing between us that we can talk about that's objective and we can dig into as opposed to people's predetermined ideas, depending on what channel they watch. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, 
what are the other goals that you have for this book? Tell us about your launch, how, uh, how easy is it to do things like this in a world that doesn't, uh, really want this message to get out? <laughs> well, so I'll tell you, so like I said, we're, we're in the fourth edition of the book and it's been the best selling book at over a dozen plus Liberty conferences and events over the past two years. Mm -hmm. And the book has really taken off and really the past six months. And I, I think we sold about 200 copies in 2019. We sold about 800 copies in 2020. This year we sold 3000 plus copies to 20 uh, plus countries and one of the interesting things is about 4% uh, of our clients, customers, they order what we call a friends bundle, five copies, 10 copy friends bundles where, where a donor to our Art of Liberty Foundation has made it cost effective to buy the, these, you know, these copies in bulk is essentially price supporting, uh, you know, price supporting the cost of the copies in bulk. And so, uh, so uh, over 950 copies have been sold in Friends Bundles, and people are taking the book, and they're donating them to libraries. They're putting them in little mini libraries in neighborhoods. They're making them coffee table books and Airbnbs. We're getting, you know, reports from as far away as, as Australia of cafe owners putting them out in their, uh, in their uh, cafes. And so uh, it's been incredibly, incredibly successful in the sense there's very, very few, you know, books that people are buying in fives and tens and, you know, donating to libraries and giving out, you know, to their friends. And these are some of the pictures that people send us in from, you know, uh, 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 people, uh, you know, um, uh, donating these little mini libraries or libraries and laundromats. But we're coming up on uh, we're, we're working on a fifth edition where we're going to update the book in the COVID age. And a lot of people don't realize, but we did a, uh, a, a multi-investigator investigation into the COVID in uh, May, uh, April and May of 2020. And we found massive evidence of foreknowledge. We found massive evidence of disaster capitalism. We actually went into uh, hospitals and what the LA Times said was the epicenter of COVID in California, Santa Clara, uh, California, when the epicenter of COVID in the California, and we found empty tents and empty waiting rooms and hospital employees openly speculating the whole thing was a hoax. And so we had built up a massive amount of evidence of foreknowledge and disaster capitalism. And so for the upcoming fifth edition of the book, we're going to be weaving this evidence into what we call the one pagers and the kind of the center and we're going to do a deep dive where we're going to uh, present the best evidence uh, so far that COVID was a manufactured, engineered uh, event that we believe was the reason for the bailouts and the quote unquote stimulus. So the goal is we're going to hand trillions of dollars to private banks and private companies, and we're going to engineer and manufacture the reason for these bailouts and stimulus. And so what it looks like to us from our investigation is that they spent billions to steal trillions. And then among the other crimes of COVID, there is a bank robbery uh, where the treasury is now being allowed to participate in the treasury auctions. 
uh, and uh, trillions of dollars with a T are being handed to private banks and private companies while the people get, you know, essentially uh, chicken feed, $1,600 stimulus checks, while the airlines and the hospitals are getting hundreds of billions uh, to go along with uh, what is obviously not really a pandemic. So you're saying it's like Grand Theft World? I'm saying it's like Grand Theft World. And one of the things that we're doing is we're using the phrase intergenerational organized crime because we find that to be uh, especially uh, um, helpful and descriptive, uh, you know, uh, to describe what's going on. But this is a, uh, you know, this is a robbery. You need a better acronym. It's IGOC, intergenerational. Well, I guess it's hyphenated, though. IOC? Yeah. Intergenerational. Generational organized crime. I had called them intergenerational uh, kleptoparasites. Uh, well, I, you know, I mean, it, it is a oligarchical or kleptocracy. They're, they're intraspecific, yes. intraspecific of our own species. I don't think it's aliens doing this. Yeah, I like to use I like to use uh, oligarchical kleptocracy is <laughs> the you know the specific way to describe our issue. I like that. Yeah, it is That's, an oligarch. Yeah, uh, is an oligarchy that we're. Doing. I would uh, I would uphold your uh, motion with the Princeton Princeton oligarchy study that says the United States is an oligarchy. And to your point about the democracy part, Democrats wanted democracy. Republicans originally wanted a republic. The United States is a constitutional republic. Democracy is two wolves and a chicken deciding on who's for dinner. That's right. I complete. I concur completely, and that's one of the other things that we do in the book is we break down the illegitimacy and the criminality of government. And so, you know, really, when you frame it as it's always illegitimate because you can't delegate rights you don't have yourself, you can't be bound by a social contract you didn't sign, and democracy, well, especially is- government in its present form in America, because if we just follow the Constitution, we wouldn't have all the problems. There would be no Fauci, NIH. These things are not in the Constitution. They wouldn't get funded. They, they wouldn't be government. Mm-hmm. And like us, they wouldn't be allowed to do such things because they're just a bunch of individuals with some pieces of paper, right? But the uh, under the aegis of government, these people can make crimes against humanity look small potatoes against the, you know, 50 times more virulent vaccine or I'm sorry, viruses that they're cooking up, according to Rand Paul. Only until the only as long as the population believes it's legitimate. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be the book that makes that expands the number of people that will engage with any book and widely exposes, widely exposes the illegitimacy of government and the criminality of government that is being hidden by their accomplices in the mainstream media. Um, And that really is kind of the message of the book is that it's the government and the media working together to control the information that the population receives, whether they're controlling that information by forcing you to go to a mandatory government school or they're controlling the, you know, the, the media that you receive through monopolization of the media and algorithmic censorship. mandatory government job as well. Mandatory. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that, but the thing that makes the mandatory job possible is this control of perception by controlling the information, the population receives to trick them into thinking that there's a pandemic going on. When by any objective standard, the hospitals are empty, uh, you know, now they're now they're full because of what's going into the arm. 
But uh, but in the early days of the pandemic, you know, we conclusively went into multiple hospitals. We talked to doctors from around the country. We talked to nurses. We talked to paramedics. We talked to emergency room doctors. Uh, there was not really a pandemic going on only through the lens of the media. And there's a lot of doctors who listen to this show and they write in and text and do these sort of things. Mm -hmm. This is a story that's not just, you know, something that you covered. This is widespread. There are many other sources. My mother works what, as a nurse practitioner right. and she's worked at the same hospital for the past 30 years as a registered nurse and also as a nurse practitioner. And it was crickets in the hospital for months and months, two weeks to flatten the curve became three shots to maintain your uh, employment. Now this somehow. winter is going to be busy, but they fired all the personnel that had yeah. antibodies. Right. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, but that's another conversation. All right, so now getting back to the issue of freedom. This idea of, uh, it, do you think there's an invisible link? I think that's what you're betting on. There's an invisible link between legitimacy and people's consent. And if people see it's illegitimate, they will withdraw their consent. You got it. So uh, in, in many ways, the, the consent is the, uh, is the trick in the sense that um, you're only really, uh, government's only really able to get away with everything that it gets away with because people believe that it is legitimate, desirable, and necessary to have a government in the first place. And so the good news message of the book, which I'm about to, uh, even, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, delve into even further in the next book, Voluntarism, uh, How the Only Ism Fair for Everyone Leads to Harmony and Prosperity for All, is that we don't need government. That everything that government does that is non-redistributive, you can't be robbing Peter to pay Paul, but uh, if you take a look at the government as a, as a provider of goods and services, a monopoly provider of goods and services, whether that monopoly services armed protective uh, services that they call the police or whether it's dispute resolution that they call the courts, whether it's the roads, whether it's air traffic control, every single thing that the government does could be done better, faster, cheaper by the free market, by nonprofits, by mutual aid societies, by real charity. And that once people understand that and that, that they understand kind of the basics of the market mechanisms that make that possible, whether it be capital creation, spontaneous order, the invisible hand, whatever it is, uh, once they realize that number one, it's illegitimate and number two, that it's undesirable and unnecessary, then all of the sudden people are trying to solve problems outside of the government paradigm. And now they're on the right track versus as long as you're trying to solve problems trapped in the, you know, the rigged poker game of, uh, of government and it's rigged elections, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be successful because the system isn't designed to be successful. The system is designed to extract the maximum amount of money out of its tax slave victims as humanly possible. It's not trying to solve problems. Now, there are people who can hear what you're saying and they say it makes a lot of sense. And then there's other people who are ignorant to this message who say, uh, you know, because what I'm saying, I guess the observation is you, what, you're what you're expressing is a very educated perspective that you're trying to help build for others. And some people might have the excuse to say, it's too hard. 
it's too hard to learn how to do these things. Government just does them for me and they pay the taxes and they get the services, right? However, there's a lot of bureaucracy with government. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things that they do, right? And I would argue that trying to fit in with that which they don't show you and follow invisible cues of there's this law, but you didn't know about it, but you're guilty, but you didn't have a chance to read it and you weren't there when they made the law. There's a whole bunch of problems with that, right? Seems a lot simpler just to stick to freedom and not try to make this wealth redistribution system cloaked as government because that's what it, it's what it is. It doesn't create, the, you know, it doesn't, it takes from people and puts it over here for stuff that they want with their cronies, right? Government can't produce. It can only take. Right. Good. And these are facts. And if these facts were more widely recognized, then when they want to sign another couple trillion dollars to our children and grandchildren on the debt and just like add it on, there'd be more pushback. Right. So what you're hoping for, or what are you hoping for? I don't want to assume. I was about to assume. What are you hoping for as a function of people reading this book? What is the future of America and the world with you know millions of people understanding these concepts? So, I mean, we, like I said, we'd like to be the book that widely exposes the illegitimacy and the criminality of government because we've broken it down into a format where most people can easily absorb and understand it. And so the goal is to free the population and to free the planet by being the, the book that, uh, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back and widely exposes the illegitimacy and the criminality of government. Um, once you realize that government is inherently illegitimate, once you realize that it, you can never have a good government, that it's an impossibility, you can't delegate rights. You don't have yourself. You can't be bound by a social contract you didn't sign. And democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. And once you really internalize that, well, that is a revolution that's only going in one direction. And so what I've discovered is that once most people get that kind of key concept that government is inherently immoral, inherently illogical, inherently, uh, you know, um, uh, unnecessary, and they realize that the market can do all of that, well, then they very, you know, rarely, if ever, go back to believing in government. And so really that first step in freeing humanity is creating, uh, uh, you know, a book or, you know, um, a way of, for them to understand how the system works that brings them to insight uh, so that you, you know, once you understand how the magician does the trick, you can't get fooled by the trick. And so what we're doing is we're pro providing the most effective uh, publication that will take your friends, relatives, and colleagues from zero to 60, expose how the magician does the trick. And then we can begin uh, talking about how do we fix these problems, not through the lens of government, but through the lens of nonprofits, uh, you know, private uh, action, um, uh, real charity, mutual aid societies, um, things that do have an impact once we get the corrupt, uh, you know, inefficient uh, criminal middlemen in Washington, D.C. out of the picture. I'm going to throw you a curveball now because I need to trigger your complexity. It's good for you. Where do you come down on the side of John Galt because Ayn Rand, she had objectivist epistemology that's tight, but she doesn't apply it to government. So they all 
you know, rah, rah government and all those types of books. Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's a very Liberty based non-slave based uh, method of logic and reason that is offered there and exemplified by John Galt. So like, there's this, there's a, there's a contradiction there. And I just wanted to see, like, do you consider yourself, uh, what, how do you see the world? What kind of epistemology are you rolling out against the metaphysics of things? Well, how do you see it? I'm an anarcho-capitalist voluntarist. And so uh, I think I've, I've got a real good understanding of kind of all of the market mechanisms that make government um, unnecessary from spontaneous order to capital creation to the invisible hand that, uh, that uh, improves the lot in life of the average person when you get government out of the way and you allow the economy to flourish. And so it's a, it's a kind of a market-based approach to liberty, you know, not just arguing that liberty is the most, the, you know, the most moral of all of the choices, which it is, but there's also a utilitarian argument to be made that liberty delivers the good goods. It produces uh, the greatest potential wealth for the greatest number of people in society. And so if you want to, you know, if you believe that wealthy is healthy, if you believe that, uh, that, you know, that, that there's, you know, there's, there's kind of two different ways of solving the population problem. Number one is we kill everybody on the pop, you know, on the planet until we get down to 500. uh, Bill Gates is already doing that. You got to come up with something. Right. Right. But the other way is having an understanding and, and market dynamics that once the population reaches a certain, you know, uh, uh, prosperity level that the, that, uh, their, uh, that the birth rate falls off naturally. And so if the, if the powers that shouldn't be were focused on liberty-based solutions of creating the greatest amount of wealth for the greatest number of people on the planet, that would stop these population issues that they're menacing, uh, their friends, family, and colleagues with to, you know, to get this eugenics, you know, uh, system moving well why don't we just uh, address it on the other side of the ledger and make people healthy wealthy and wise and that's going to uh, naturally reduce the birth rate as has been proven in a variety of different you know civilizations around the planet that when once you hit a certain you know wealth level in in society that the that the birth rate drops off and goes negative um we're trying to uh, uh expose uh, this, these market mechanisms that produce the things that people want without government, everything that you, that, that you want government to do would be done better, faster, cheaper by the free market, by real charities, by mutual aid societies and by nonprofits versus, uh, the crooked middleman of government. All right. Well handled, but I got a couple other questions because, uh, Hit me. I, I'm more of the, the, you know, when you label yourself, you negate, you negate a lot of your best aspects. So you were a narco-capitalist, libertarian, voluntarist, right? So that's what you are. You're in that box, right? So you put that label on, that's cool. Why are you not a minarchist? Uh, because you, a minarchist would mean that you'd have to have a government. And so if government is always illegitimate, always illogical, and always immoral, then you can't have a government. So there's no way to have a little government. There's no way to have a big government and it still be moral and legitimate. 
So it's fractal, regardless of size, not a good idea. Okay, next one. Why are you not anarcho-communist? Uh, so I really don't understand what anarcho-communism is. I I'm there with you, man. I'm there. And I know I that it, it is yeah. out there. As far as I can tell, it's it's meant to uh, to d- divide and conquer and confuse people as to what anarchy is really all about which is also a common denominator that I found in my research where that the word anarchy, which just means no rulers, uh, but because the rulers don't want the population to know that there's an option on the menu called no rulers, because if it was between no rulers and rulers, most people would probably choose no rulers, that the powers that shouldn't be have used control of this you know media manipulation system to actually change the word anarchy over time to to not mean no rulers but to mean chaos and dystopia and dogs and cats sleeping together in the street and that that is a way of 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 of, you know kind of uh controlling the parameters of discussion by changing the definition of the words that people use in the discussion. So we're literally going to change the meaning of the thing that would free you uh, uh, to scare you away from that one thing that would actually free you. That's pretty cunning and um, on purpose. It's purposeful what what has gone on. Right, we people think anarchists. Oh, those are the guys that started World War One. World War One was bad. Well, it had nothing to do. That was a whole bunch of other shenanigans going on. Got blamed on anarchists, right? Wasn't uh, the guy who did the the Reichstag uh, in for Hitler's uh, Germany thought he was supposed to be like a uh, uh, a mentally disabled uh, dupe of that sort? So there, there's yeah, when they burned the things. Reichstag, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That the yeah, so, supposed communist. Plot. I don't know if he was also anarchist, but I thought I thought it was like uh, without political association, right? The next th- next closest mm-hmm. thing in our world to anarchist is a Palestinian, right? Who are they going to blame? RFK? Oh, that's a Palestinian. It's kind of like someone who doesn't believe in your way of life. Not someone from Western culture, right? Sirhan Sirhan, and he definitely didn't shoot RFK. Yeah, uh, and that didn't go on. So, um, it bringing it full circle. What can the audience do to help get this fifth edition out there, coffee tables, in people's conversations, and uh, aid and abet your your marketing endeavor? So I I would say that we're coming out with a uh, the fifth edition in the next week. We're going to launch this Indiegogo campaign that will get you a little bit of uh, savings over what you would pay after the Indiegogo campaign is over. So if you'd like to get yourself a fifth, fifth edition, then visit us at government-scam.com. Drop us your email address. We'll put you on the mailing list. Uh, it's government-scam.com is, uh, is where you can discover the book and all about the book. And, uh, and uh, drop us your email, and, and you're, we will keep you uh, in the loop as we begin to uh, release uh, some of the content from the fifth edition to folks on the mailing list. So you can sign up and you can get, uh, uh, those, uh, those, uh, updates as they're posted. And, uh, uh, the, our, our think tank, uh, startup think tank is the art of Liberty foundation. And that's at art of And whether you're signed up 
uh, with us at government-scam or artdelivery.org. We will definitely uh, keep you uh, in the know. All right. Well played. That's a good URL. <clears throat> Easy to remember. And when you're talking about your, uh, your, what was it? Uh, Indiegogo that's going to launch. I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh, I invited you too early, but then you came back with the strong, there's an email list, get on it and you'll get notified about the Indiegogo this week. You can get in early on the fifth edition. You can have it as a stocking stuffer. It rolls up. You could probably fit this in stocking pretty nice. Fit it in there like Santa dropped it when nobody knows where it came from. Could make for some good holiday conversations, especially if there's another lockdown. You got to have these ideas in place. Also, if we want more freedom in our lives, we have to understand like how and why and when and where and who and what took it away. These are ideas to start those conversations. Howard, I really want to congratulate you on morphing the project to the place where you're like getting audience feedback and really sharpening your game to make sure that this message gets through. Cause I think it's one of the most important messages of the freedom variety. It's how does it happen? How do we get out of it? And where do we find ourselves finding out about this information, being able to spread it to others? Thank you so much for dropping in. You're welcome to uh, continue to sit in the control room, observe the show. If you have any comments, feel free to unmute, speak up. Otherwise uh, as you were, continue on. I know you have a hectic schedule. You've been traveling recently. You lost your phone. You got your phone, all these different things. Congratulations on overcoming those obstacles without any excuses. And I wish you Godspeed progress. Uh, thank you. And I, I definitely ride shotgun a little with, uh, with you. Yeah, right on. Let's, let's, let's ride. Let's do it. All right, Tony LD. Mm -hmm. You want to dip into this vaccine section? Cause that looked like one arduous path of clips that we had to tackle tonight on the journey. And I know that last clip, I took us like three quarters of the way down the outline. Sorry about that. So okay. let's get, get back to vaccines, therapeutics, lockdowns, and uh, this brilliant speech against mandates. All right. So this is the uh, EU uh, member of parliament. Her name's Christine. She does a very powerful speech. And I thought, wow, people here in America need to hear this because this is how people in Europe think, and they didn't fight for their freedom. She speaks like an American who knows about her self-worth, her self-ownership, her bodily autonomy, her rights as an individual that nobody gives her her rights. Nobody tells her what to do. I'll let her say it. She says it much more eloquently than I am. Uh, and then uh, Darren McBreen took a, from InfoWars took the footage. He put some B-roll on it. He really shined and polished it. And then I saw Christine tweet it and she thanked Darren. So there's people over there, you know, uh, members of their uh, ruling body in the EU and they're thanking InfoWars media producers because these clips wouldn't otherwise get so widely circulated. So let's go to Darren McBreen's version of uh, what's her last name. I only knew her as Christine, Christine Anderson. Anderson. It was so easy to remember. I should have just remembered that. Christine Anderson. And uh, let's hear this inspiring speech as the kickoff to this section. Whenever a government claims to have the people's interest at heart, you need to think again. In the entire history of mankind, there has never been a political elite sincerely concerned about the well-being of regular people. What makes any of us think that it is different now? If the Age of Enlightenment has brought forth anything, then certainly this. 
never take anything any government tells you at face value. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. Always question everything any government does or does not do. Always look for ulterior motives and always ask cui bono, who benefits. The voluntary phase is over. It's time for mandates. Whenever a political elite pushes an agenda this hard and resort to extortion and manipulation to get their way, you can almost always be sure your benefit is definitely not what they had at heart. It was a case of asking people to go home and if they didn't, arresting them. As far as I'm concerned, I will not be vaccinated with anything that has not been properly vetted and tested and has shown no sound scientific evidence that the benefits outweigh the disease itself and possible long-term side effects, which to this day we don't know anything about. I will not be reduced to a mere guinea pig by getting vaccinated with an experimental drug. And I will most assuredly not get vaccinated because my government tells me to and promises in return I will be granted freedom. If you have travel plans, there is one more thing to add to your packing list. Proof of vaccination. Let's be clear about one thing. No one grants me freedom for I am a free person. No. Screw your freedom. There's nothing to do with freedom. There's nothing to do with liberty. So I dare the European Commission and the German government throw me in jail, lock me up and throw away the key for all I care. But you will never be able to coerce me into being vaccinated if I, the free citizen that I am, choose not to be vaccinated. Her speech itself is plenty inspiring, but accompanied by some contextual clips to give you pause, to make you stop and think about what she's saying, that juxtapose her words to our reality, this ever-growing tyranny of uninformed consent and loss of bodily autonomy. You know, it's not um, unlike the people doing this to do something before events like this that would lead people to more in-groups react the same. To these events would be something like predictive programming. So as an example, if you wanted people to believe the official story of 9-11, you might have like a conspiracy show, like a spinoff from the X-Files uh, show like that. Maybe Chris Carter's directing it and they would have something like the lone gunman where terrorists hijack airplanes and drive them into the world trade centers, you know, uh, maybe a year, like March, 2000, we could do that. And then now we kind of like see it. It's not close enough to the event where people really see it, but it's in their culture. They've, they did this with, what was that movie? Uh, 2007 V for vendetta. There was some global virus, the St. Mary's virus. Cause back then they named mm -hmm. viruses from where their origin was. That's a racist thing, by the way. Saint and uh, the St. Mary's virus, yeah. when did it happen? It happened in 2020. Go figure. It's not predictive programming. It's not on purpose. Everybody and they were experimenting people. on people. Oh yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Created V. Yeah. There's yeah. an interesting, that's an interesting graphic novel by Alan Moore. 
Yeah. And movie, hand movie. I forget who produced the movie. But. Yeah. I think the, the movie is a very, compa- like it was speaking truth to power at the time and it still resonates to this day. It was one of my favorite movies when I was in college. I loved it to death and I loved Except it. Except Guy Fox I, is a socialist. So I'm not telling you. Yeah, I know. I know the history of Guy Fox. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's an issue. Um, And also anyways, but it was one of my favorite movies in college. And at the same time, also it was one of my favorite graphic novels by Alan Moore, who also did the Watchmen. And one of my favorite lines from the Watchmen is, well, who watches the watchman. So, you know, it's, it gets into this idea of the paradoxes of who's really in power and uh, who's really running the show and who's, in I control. think that comes from the seventies uh, intelligence investigation or something. I think that's a phrase in American political history that oh, okay. comes from the seventies that got worked into. Mm, a, that got worked into. Yeah. 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 All okay. right. So uh, very well played Christine Anderson. I hope the EU does not take, you up on that offer to lock you away and do all that stuff it was very courageous and brave of you to say that in front of them though knowing how nazi like it is over there good for you keep trying uh i'm interested to see you know are they going to try to call for her you know to step down is there going to be consequence from a comment like that or do not enough people watch infowars even realize that she said it that could be a thing too um uh predictive programming oh look at this next story uh, TV show exposed uh, engineered pandemic takeover of society in 2007. They were up to their ears in predictive programming. It seems back then I could be wrong on the year of V for Vendetta, but I thought it was 2007. Let's go ahead and check out. Yeah. We could check out this clip on predictive programming. Cause I, you know, if they're doing that sort of stuff, it's good to know about it. So you don't, uh, f- uh how, what's that? Uh, the 21st century philosopher, George W. Bush said, fool can't give, be fooled again. That's what I was going for. Let's go ahead and roll this clip. (laughs) Just after the government instituted the whole isolation policy, we began hearing reports of a mass epidemic, some unknown disease sweeping the country. The details were vague at first, nothing on the cause or transmission of the disease, only that it was highly contagious and in most cases, fatal. Before the general public even had time to react, the government declared a state of emergency and ordered a mandatory vaccination program for our protection, they said. As it turns out, that was the beginning of our nightmare. The disease was a complete government fabrication and the supposed vaccine they were injecting into everyone. In reality, it was a cyber virus developed by Daiwa. The virus has a mutating effect on the cells of the body. It alters their molecular structure and converts them into biometal, essentially turning us into machines from the inside out. There's no way to stop it. And to make things worse, the cyber virus was still early in its experimental phase. You have lived to witness it. Where in the. <laughs> What's this show again, Alex? I thought year 2021 and there is a scientific world government tyranny taking over that I know that part, but what show is, is this human world in fact another high level member it, of the Davos group it? has come out and said you no, will be useless in the digital matrix that's a quote and they are saying that you will accept world government and that through vaccines they will build robots in your brain and that you will be part of a hive system or you will be eliminated these people are so creative they they rip off star trek next generation borg episodes 
Maybe what are we doing one next? Japanese Let's make anime. a collective. God's sakes. Yeah, right. It says uh, it says Vexville on the in the notes here Vexville. on <clears throat> on that video. I think a lot um, of big anime. I don't know if that was a big one. Yeah. LD, send that clip to Muhammad. So next time he asks me about anime, I got that to show him. All right. So uh, predictive programming, uh, whether it's V for Vendetta or that anime clip you just saw, what was it? There was another example. I was just thinking about something else that they did recently. Cause first when I was listening to that clip with the anime, I was like, Oh, they just took the spars pandemic video and they made some anime, but it's different. It's a little bit different, but there is a, you know, similar narration and it's almost as if they're painting a future society that they wish to create, but then they turn people off from thinking it's a real thing. Cause they saw it in a sci-fi movie. Right. What is Terminator five or whatever the last one it's all biometal engineering. Like that's the whole movie has mm-hmm. been going toward that since they had the technology to show you the guy in Terminator two turning into liquid since right. they had that as they improve their ability to show you these things in these, uh, CGI, uh, you know, created, uh, you know, gra- graphic arts animations at this highest level as they evolve their ability to do these things. They're also evolving the picture of what they're trying to paint out there. Right. And that is not to... so crazy as opposed to the ferromagnetics that all those NIH papers and all those experiments that they're doing in mRNA world, you know, that, that those are real things too. So how do you reconcile these two things that exist in reality? You know, a claim back then about that, you know what? I got a better one for you. <clears throat> Here's one from 1982 um, author, novelist, uh, Dean Koons. He wrote a novel and it had a virus that I think broke out from Wuhan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think we ever covered it, it on the show. Cause I, I bumped into that before we started doing the show and I probably just tweeted. It was like it. one of the first things I remember when the, the pandemic first started was um, people clipping that on Twitter and other places that, that excerpt from that book. Um, and I forget the name of the book. You just said it, but yeah. And they, 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 they talked. And they just built the Wuhan lab in the last couple of years. So it's like, Correct. there wasn't Wait. even a lab there when a the guy wrote the book. These guys read the book. No, let's put a lab in Wuhan. That's, that's literally a, make this come uh, true. Uh, union sort of synchronicity there. So Coons the concept behind it. Uh, but it seems like they're trying to take us from being electrochemical beings to silicon based beings or something of that nature. So how fast like could they do forward. that without government? I don't know. Technically government usually makes things more inefficient. So there's an evil corporation. That's not a government, but it's own private thing that wants to do things like that. I guess they could move faster. Theoretically, theoretically, they'd probably be taken out by competition. If the government didn't come in and give them an artificial monopoly to become this 800 pound gorilla behemoth, right. That could exist outside of government. Right. Cause like mm-hmm. if the government didn't exist, Google and alphabet still exist now. Right. So yeah. they've created super and, and the governments themselves. Like if you look at world war one, it was all about, let's get the royalty to the back of the room. Let's put proxy government in front. So we don't have what happened in France. Again, people were getting antsy over there in Europe. They're still pretty that feisty. Was long before Christine Anderson. She's that plenty was, feisty. I wonder yeah. how many other people over in Europe, like they've been seeing it for too long. They haven't fought for their freedom yet and they might be ready to provide, look at all the yellow vest resistance in France that's been going on. Look at Did the you Hong see Kong the protests, protests outside the French Rothschild mansion. That was interesting with the huge water cannons. I mean, they made sure to take, take care of that pretty, pretty well. So Rothschilds are good to go. It's going to continue 
to unfold. All right. So uh, next up is from uh, the Tim cast castle saga of COVID. We're going to dip into Tim pool's experience going through the illness of COVID. Uh, this is, I'm assuming coming from YouTube and not from his members only Tim cast where he spoke more frankly and you know, these sort of I, things. And if you want to also get Luke Rudowski's more in depth stories, subscribe to Luke And then you can see his members only content where he doesn't have to speak in YouTube friendly terms. And, uh, but I'm assuming for sake of not infringing on their, their intellectual property that we're pulling it from YouTube. It's right? from YouTube. It's not, it's not the, um, subscription base. So excellent. So people know both are there in case they want to check it out. Uh, the, Oh, it's an RT story, but do, don't, we do have the whole video from, yeah, no, it's yeah. the one above. That's right. That's right. Okay. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and roll Tim pool's video, uh, recounting his COVID experience. Again, this is what he's willing to say on YouTube and he does like he's holding cards back. He's not, you know, he's playing it close to the vest. You might have to read between the lines a little bit and go see his members only content for that. Um, and then I remember most of the content because i don't want to roll the whole half hour here we'll let yeah this first 10 or 15 yeah Yeah, first 10 or 15 minutes so he can set the scene we'll do the same for uh aaron Rodgers later we can't play the 47 minute interview but i thought the first 15 minutes so what i did with aaron Rodgers, we could do that maybe we should do that but i did take a different sports commentator i do like that broke away from espn and he sort of broke out excerpts from it. So we can either play that or Aaron Rodgers, McAfee clip. We'll, we'll ESPN's based here in Connecticut. I haven't watched ESPN this century. So I don't know. Well, he was, his name is Jason Whitlock and he used to work at ESPN and uh, he left and started his own thing and has since been sort of going against big time, the narrative um, of what's going on. So, all right, let's check in with uh, the cast castle. Let's see how Tim pool conquered his COVID. This past week, I have not been producing videos because I tested positive for COVID-19 on Friday, and I had an extremely serious case. Now, I don't know how far it would have gone had I not gotten medical intervention, which I did. I don't make it sound like I wasn't intubated or anything, and uh, I wasn't rushed to the ER or anything like that, but I did have to go and seek treatment. And I received what one would refer to as the kitchen sink. But before I get into all of these details, I want to start with a a special thank you to Joe Rogan. And um, legitimately, from the bottom of my heart, here, uh, me, everyone here, extremely grateful uh, uh, to Joe and his support. And I'm going to, I'll break all this down, but I just wanted to say that right away because it really does mean a lot. but uh, I'll explain everything that happened, and I think it's a really important story that people should, should know about. So on Wednesday, we did a show on TimCast IRL. It was just before the show, we got word that one of our employees here had, they had just tested positive. And we're not 100% sure with these things. Uh, I was told by you know a nurse that these at-home tests are not that good. And I was like, okay, well, look, you know, we, we got to take this stuff seriously. Um, so you may have noticed that Luke and Ian didn't do the show because, well, for safety reasons, we're like, we're going to minimize everything. But, uh, you know, we, we explained it to our guests and then said, uh, we're ba- you're basically here. It's, it's up to you. Um, everybody seemed fine. We did have uh, uh, one person who was, who, who was sick at the house. But we didn't know exactly with what, and it didn't seem like COVID. 
So it just seemed like a cold. Now, we definitely want to take things seriously. So, you know, Luke is very adamant and he has all the protocols. Like, no no joke. Like, Luke legit was like, here's what we're going to do. Disinfect. We're going to open up the windows, get ventilation. You know, he, he did a really, really great job. Um, but at the same time, my attitude was, we'll do this. Absolutely. And also, let's not be paranoid, you know, because look, colds still exist. There's there's still illnesses that are out there. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm not going to freak out and act every single time someone gets a headache that we're going to, oh, it's COVID, shut everything down, you know. We can't live that way. We can't. Um, but so we did take it seriously. I was feeling fine. And this is the crazy thing. I was like, I didn't feel sick. I was like, maybe, maybe I'm sick. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I just felt fine. That night. Wednesday night, uh, I went to bed and I woke up feverish, drenched in sweat. And so I was like, well, look, the only real symptom I had after I woke up was a headache. And I was like, if I am getting sick and it is COVID, you know, maybe it won't be that bad. But I'll just say right now, as we get into all of this, this was the worst experience I've ever had with an illness. And uh, I, I genuinely believe if I did not get uh, the, the, the treatments that I got, the kitchen sink, if you know what that is, uh, monoclonal antibodies, um, I got prescribed ivermectin, uh, I did, uh, Z-Pak, and some emergency, and, 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 and some other emergency, like if you are not breathing stuff. So um, I, I truly believe the monoclonal antibodies are what... Uh, it, pulled me out of everything, but I, I just wanted to make sure that was in the forefront of the video, but, but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll explain. I'll, I want to go through everything. So, uh, you know, I wake up, it's Thursday. You may have seen the post I made on this channel, my other channel saying that I had a headache for the most part, but I was going to play it safe. And that was, that was it. I mean, I had, a, I was drenched in sweat, but when I woke up, I didn't feel like I, I, I that night I slept, I woke up drenched in sweat, but I didn't feel bad. It was just like, I was like, wow, I'm sweaty. What? This is crazy. You know, I didn't feel that sick. And I, I got a headache and I was just like, I'm going to have to take a day off. Right. And I was like, maybe I'll be fine tomorrow because I don't know how serious it's going to hit me. And here's genuinely what I thought. Look, I'm 35. So I'm under the high, I'm nowhere near the high risk factors for, for COVID-19. I exercise all the time. I mean, you see us watching, we, we skate. I've been skateboarding for a couple, for a couple decades. I've been rollerblading more. And uh, I, I like, you know what I like about it? It's, it's a, with rollerblading, it's more of a full body workout too, especially. But so I exercise all the time. I mean, we're in the half pipe. My heart rate's through the roof. My, my blood's flowing. I've been eating way better over the past several months, cutting out, I know, bread, sugars, garbage, just eating, you know, meats and veggies. Got to eat more veggies for sure. But, and so I'm thinking like, even if this, you know, look, I'll probably be fine. So I figure I'll take Thursday off. We'll see how I feel tomorrow. Thursday night, it escalated so quickly, the, the illness from being fine Wednesday to waking up drenched in sweat uh, in the morning of Thursday, but still not feeling sick, to Thursday night, I, I, I felt like death. Um, I didn't feel like I was dying. No, I'm just being like, I was like, oh, like it was excruciatingly painful. And so I'm like, take some ibuprofen and uh, I'm gonna go to bed. And hopefully when I wake up on Friday, I'm feeling a lot better. And I couldn't sleep at all. That night, it was impossible to sleep. Uh, my head started throbbing. My fever uh, went way up. I uh, wasn't coughing, but I, my body started to hurt. It was pretty bad. And I thought to myself, 
Still not as bad as when it it didn't feel as bad as when I had the flu. But let me just say that uh, it was substantially worse than the flu. And uh, wow, wow, wow. So let me just we'll just keep going. Okay, so Friday um, now it's into Friday and I'm not sleeping. Uh, I, I, I was close my eyes and then I'd wake up in agony and uh, drenched in sweat, just feverish. So Friday, it started to get really, really bad. And I called uh, a local, I decided to call a local urgent care clinic. And I asked them, look, I don't know what I should do. I know I, 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 re, I, I know a lot about, uh, you know, COVID. I'm not a doctor or anything, but I, I've read enough about it. And um, I'm like, what should I do? And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a terrible experience. Um, calling this urgent care facility. It was a bad facility. Uh, I, <laughs> that's all I can really say, I guess. They were just like, why don't, why don't you come in for some tests? And I was like, well, I just took a COVID test and it came out positive. And they were like, uh-huh. Well, you know, well, why don't you come in and we'll take some more tests? And I'm like, for what? You know, I, I, I was like, okay, I mean, sure. Absolutely, if that's what you think I need. But um like, what would we do after this? Like, if the tests just come back and say, you know, that I am positive, like, oh, well, you know, we don't do anything. We don't prescribe anything for this. And I said, okay, so is this, is this like a stay home and get to bed rest kind of thing? And they were like, yeah, it's a virus. And I said, okay. And now I, I, I got to keep a lot of the, some of the details um, for, for privacy reasons, going through the story, especially... Um, you know, the people who are sick and things like that. So I got to be a little vague, but the, the issue of ivermectin did come up. And as, as you all know, ivermectin is not approved by the FDA for, for treating COVID. And uh, uh, so when this, when, when this came up, I was talking about potential, uh, is, there, is there anything I could take? I, I mean, would you recommend vitamins? Is there something I don't know? And it, it was expressed to me by the urgent care that their understanding was that there have been several studies showing ivermectin has helped people in uh, dealing with with COVID early on, and I said, and that was that, that's what they said. That's what that's what the, the, what I was told. And then I said, okay, is that something I should get? And they said well, the FDA has not approved this for use in in treating COVID. And then they just stopped, and I'm like, okay, and like, what does this mean? And so I was like, does that mean that, you know, people are asking their doctors for it, like to opt in or, and they said, no, uh, they will not prescribe it. And I was like, okay, now here at this point, look, I've been skeptical on, on, on ivermectin. I understand the data. I understand, um, was it Udar Pradesh? I think I'm getting the name wrong in India and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I think the, the issue with it was that, you know, there are studies that have been positive. There are studies that have been inconclusive. And I think that really is the simple answer. I don't tend to believe in big conspiracy or anything like that. And I still don't. And what I think, I think people are worried about is that if everybody just assumes this is some kind of, you know, they assume it's more effective than it is, then they might forego other other potential treatments or maybe even ignore their doctors or things like that. And so my attitude is, and now still is, talk to your doctor. And I'll tell you why, because I did find a different doctor. So I'm feeling miserable and I end up um, like, it's it's getting really, really bad. It got so bad that I, I uh, uh, 
just started, you know, I was talking to friends, you know, I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty worried. I'm feeling extremely bad. Um, I had a, I started, I, I didn't have like a strong cough. I started getting a cough and I'm like, it, it escalated so rapidly that I was concerned that if I, if, if, if I didn't do something, like I was on the verge of hospitalization, of like emergency room. I, I'm not saying that I was at the point where I was like, oh no, I better go to the hospital. I was like, if this does get worse at this rate, by the end of the weekend, I'm probably going to be rushed to the ER because I'm I, I'm not feeling it getting any better, and that was strange to me because I've gotten sick before, and I I have, I understand how these sicknesses go. In fact, I I usually don't get sick. We we take everything seriously here. We we we've got hand sanitizers. I wash my hands. Plus, you understand we got the Chicken City, so I'm always washing up and 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 making sure we're we're you know things are being kept clean, and we we have a cleaning service that comes in because we don't want people to get sick. I mean, especially with COVID. So, you know what? Um, I talked to some friends, and one of those friends was Joe Rogan. I know that Joe Rogan got what I think he referred to it as the kitchen sink. He got monoclonal antibodies. He got ivermectin, azithromycin. And I believe he also did NAD, nicotinamide, adenine, dinucleotide with a, vit- with, with a, uh, with, with a vitamin drip. And that seemed to me like a lot. But I was also, uh, I, I, I'm, man, it was, it was I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to overreact. I'm not that guy. I'm not the kind of person to, to do NAD. You know, you know, Joe Rogan is very much that he talks on his show about this stuff and, 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 and about like DMT. And I don't, I don't do any of that. I don't drink. I don't smoke. No tattoos. No piercings. I'm not the kind of person who's going to, you know, get uh, these, these kinds of treatments. And, uh, but... It got to that point where I, I talked to Joe about it. Joe encouraged me not to, to, to ignore it. You know, basically, look, man, you got to take this seriously. COVID is extremely serious. And he encouraged me to talk to, to, to find a better doctor, uh, to, to, to put it simply. And so I said, okay, okay. Um, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not calling Joe for medical advice on, um, you know, what he thinks the appropriate treatments are. I think that would be silly. But I do think that he received medical advice that made him feel better. And that's what I'm interested in. And so that's what I wanted to talk to him about. And I uh, ended up calling up, uh, uh, looking around, finding a private practice who I, I talked to them and, and told them how I was feeling. And they shared the concerns that I actually did, too. So this is why I tell people talk to a doctor, because I had a bad experience with one doctor. And they said, sleep it off. Have a good day. And then I said, maybe I need to find a better doctor. Uh, and I did. And they said, look. You know, if this progresses the way you're explaining it, this could be worrying and we don't want to see you end up, um, you know, in the emergency room or anything like that. So we want you to get treated. And I I also think that um, for a lot of I think money drives a lot of this. I don't care if they're a good doctor or a bad doctor. I think, they, you know, the, the, the one hospital was like, why don't you come in and get the tests? Because they're like, we're going to bill you. And I think these other doctors who are great and, and prescribed this stuff for me were also thinking like, we're going to bill you. It just, it's like, so I think there are two sides to that coin. So when uh, I talked to this, this, this doctor, um, I actually, you know, said, look, uh, you know, we've got other people who are getting sick and we want to make sure everybody you know, gets treated uh, to the best of the, to, uh, they, they can get treated. And um, so there were a few other people, um, the people on the show, you know, who got treated. And um, 
I'll say, I want to say, uh, man, this is a crazy story. So let me say a few more things. We had four negative tests, four negative tests. So when I'm thinking on Friday, you know, I'm like still not sure I have COVID because it was like the symptom was a headache and fever. And I'm like, but it could be. We had some, some of our employees and some of our friends had tested negative for people. And I said, okay, we got, we got, a, we got a cold, you know, it's, it's, it must not be COVID. And then it turned out to be COVID. So then, you know, Friday afternoon, I said, all right, well, I better be sure. And then I took a test and it came up positive. And I was like, okay, so I have COVID, right? And so then, um, anyway, back, so, so this, is, this is, man, there's a lot to talk about. So anyway, um, I, I talked to this doctor and they say they want to get me in immediately for these, for these, for these treatments. And um, I said, you know, absolutely. Uh, I talked to Joe a bit more about it, told him like, Joe, like, they want to give me uh, uh, monoclonal antibodies. They want to give me uh, uh, ivermectin, uh, Z-Pak. They have some other emergency uh, medications in the event that it goes south. And I got to be completely honest. I, I, I did not want to take the ivermectin or the z pack. I genuinely believe, and I said this before when Joe got sick, that monoclonal antibodies it is, it's the Regeneron therapy. That's the company. It's what Donald Trump got. It's, it is under emergency use authorization as a treatment for COVID. It's what Ron DeSantis is giving out. And I was like, this to me sounds like legit. And because I'm still that trust, I'm still trusting and I'm still, you know, skeptical in a lot of things as much as everybody in the world might be, you know, uh, all the people on one side might be saying ivermectin, other people might be saying you know, something else. I'm like, you know, far be it from me to criticize the wisdom of Don Lemon. I mean, certainly if the doctor prescribed it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so the doctor prescribed it. And uh, uh, so I ended up getting the treatment. And this was on Saturday. Saturday night was the most excruciatingly painful experience I've had of any illness. And I mean this from I got hit the worst out of anybody that that we know. And I've heard the horror stories. I've talked about them on here, you know, with Alex Jones. Uh, no, I don't, maybe it wasn't Alex Jones. Um, it might have been. Now, someone, we've had guests on the show talk about how they've had very, very, they've had, they had it before and it was a very, very bad experience and it was terrifying and they went to the hospital and stuff like that. I don't think that, that was Jones though. Um, but so, yeah, so I got it really, really, really bad to the point where I was like, I will, I will do anything, please help. So anyway, I got the, I got the treatment. Um, I ended up receiving immediately uh, monoclonal antibodies, NAD, uh, that's nicotinamide, uh, adenine, dinucleotide. It's like a B vitamin derivative. And I ended up getting a vitamin drip and um, some painkillers. That night, it was, I was delirious. I was hallucinating. I hadn't slept properly in days. I hadn't eaten in days. I had tried eating soup. I was doing like a emergency, you know, the vitamin drink. And uh, so it was bad. And I was uh, struggling to breathe. I was, and, and I was like, if this treatment didn't work, I'm in serious, serious trouble. At 4 a.m., that was it. I stood up and I wasn't sick. I mean, I was sick, but I was just like, what just happened? All of a sudden, I just felt better. The, 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 the pain started to go off in waves. I... Like my balance was back. I was breathing deeply and uh, I was just like, wow. And uh, I sat down, started binge watching House MD, 
because I've been I've been watching that for the past several days, and then I was just like, I feel better. I feel I feel way better. At this point, I had not taken ivermectin, just the just the uh, um, monoclonal antibodies, the the uh, uh, NAD and the vitamins, and I think those all played a substantial a significant role. Uh, now I will stress. In order to get these treatments, I called a doctor. We did a health screening. They explained to me the risk factors. When I, when I was getting the treatment, they checked my lungs. They said my lungs were bad, and, um, but not, not bad enough that I couldn't get it. I had moderate symptoms, but um, eligible for, for, for the therapy. And, you know, it's a good thing I got in when I did. And then um, Sunday... It was, I was feeling better. I was, I was feeling better, still sick, uh, but, but feeling better. And so I decided that, you know, I still needed some time to, uh, uh, to you know, recover. And, and obviously we, we can't do the shows and stuff like that until everybody is starting to feel better. So I think we should have everything back to normal starting today. But uh, I will say something else. So I, 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 I talked to my doctor again saying, hey, look, I feel fantastic. Like, do I really need to take the Z-Pack and the Ivermectin? Because I kind of don't want to. And they said, yes, you have to. And I said, okay. But now the media is going to start claiming I'm taking horse dewormer or something. I don't want people uh, to think that uh, uh, I'm certainly not encouraging anything. And I was hesitant to even do this because I know that, look, I can, I can come out and just lie and say I never got it. But I think it's important uh, to know exactly uh, uh, what's out there that helped me get better. And they told me I have to take it. They, they, they were concerned about, um, I was told that there are people who, it, it comes in waves, right? People will get sick with COVID start feeling better and then say, hey, I'm all good. And then a couple of days later, bam, get hit again. And they were like, you need to finish off the entire treatment. And I said, okay. So I've been taking, uh, uh, so I am now doing the full, you know, kitchen sink regimen. Uh, I've done the, the uh, we did a follow-up NAD. Uh, uh, okay, again, it's nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. I, adenine, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, follow-up and vitamin drip. And I really do think that helped. All I know is I can say, all I can say is that, uh, you know, I talked to a doctor about it and they were the ones who said, these are the treatments. Now, here's what you gotta, what you gotta understand. This, this, this therapy the, the mon monoclonal antibodies. This is what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida for people. And when I, when I got sick and, and experiencing how bad it was, and then when I got this treatment, I realized how amazing Ron DeSantis is. I, I know, you know, I've talked about him doing a good job before, but this is an expensive treatment. And they've been providing it to regular people who are getting sick and experiencing how, how much better I felt so quickly from it. I'm impressed that there is a governor who is prioritizing regular working people to this degree that they would receive this. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you know, I talked to Joe and he was like, you got to get better, man. You can't ignore it. You got to find a doctor. Here's the therapy I got. You know, I felt better. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find this. Like, I'm going to I'm going to call a doctor. I'm going to talk to him about these things. And uh, I'll, I'll just say, uh, Joe... I have no words for the gratitude that I feel 
to to Joe for his support because not only that, but after I called him back and said we're getting the therapy, he was like, "I'm gonna take care of it for you," and I was just like, "You sure?" He's like, "Bro, bro," he's like, "Get better, man." You know, this is something very, very serious. I think uh, it's absolutely disgusting. You know what the media did. We talked about it a lot on IRL. What what the media said about him. What CNN they, they, how they lied about it. Now it was one thing for sure. When I'm like they're lying about Joey. Like he, he went to a doctor. I experienced it firsthand. I I I called a doctor and I'm like, do I really got to do ivermectin and ZPAC? And they're like, we're going to prescribe you medication and trust us. And I said, okay. And then even then, I still said, do you still think I need to take this? I don't want to be, I don't, I, isn't it silly? Why, why are we in this position where I have to say anything like that? I should just be like, thanks, doc. Uh, thanks for the advice. YouTube could ban me for, for, for telling you. It's, it's absolutely insane. It's, it's absolutely completely bonkers. But um, I don't want to say, I'm not going to speak too much about the other people here. Because we did, a lot of people get sick, got sick and, um, you know, we did a full, uh, uh, like, windows open, disinfecting, cleaning out. Uh, employees were told not to come back in because we don't want to get anybody sick. And uh, again, we, 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 man, let me get into the, to some, some of the very, very important details about what all of this means. For one, again, man, Joe, you are a lifesaver. You are a great guy and I am eternally grateful. No joke. This is, you know, just. He didn't, he, I, I, he didn't give me medical advice other than to t find a doctor who's going to talk to me seriously about what's going on and stuff like that. And uh, I think it's kind of funny, you know, that like he, he, he has like, talk to a doctor, man. You can't, you got to take it seriously, dude. And I'm like, okay. Because my, my alternative was like, well, I called the urgent care and they said I'd be fine and just to sleep it off. And, you know, but I was talking to friends about it. I'm like, hey, you got, like, did you get this? How did you feel? And I know Joe went through it. So here's, here's some of the very important things about what, 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 what we were doing. Uh, we had an event on Saturday. I don't think it had anything to do with the event. Uh, uh, I don't think the, the employee who, who got sick, this was on Wednesday. And uh, so, you know, and this individual wasn't anywhere near the event, doesn't have any, didn't have anything to do with the event. At that point, Tim is just going into the contact tracing of how it might have gotten into their house, that sort of thing. But I think he's uh, gotten the useful parts of the information out there as far as what an, what a walk-in clinic is likely to tell you, unless you live in Florida. I have been in Florida recently, uh, August, September, I was in Florida. I have seen for myself, from my own eyes, st uh, like signs outside that Still say mono picture. monoclonal antibodies this way. It's like, it's free. Um, for those of you in states where your governor is not sponsoring it, they're sometimes trying to say you have to have two or more comorbidities to deserve it. I think that's uh, withholding useful <clears throat> so therapeutics from people. But friend. it's like about $2,000 from what I understand. And yeah. so there's a website where you can find what places in your state have these, these life-saving infusions. Um, that information is available. We can put that in the show notes that was circulating earlier in the chat. What were you saying, Tony? Oh, see, sorry for interrupting there. That was going to give some context. Um, it depends on the state, I believe. But I know in Pennsylvania, it depends on whether or not uh, my buddy's dad, who's a gastroenterologist, um, to worked in healthcare forever as a doctor. And he uh, contracted COVID. He's been double jabbed with Pfizer and uh, still got COVID and he got it pretty badly. And he was just eligible 
for the monoclonal antibodies. I forget if it's as it a mixture of both age and comorbidity. Um, I, I guess they factor into whether or not you're eligible because his wife uh, got sick as well and she wasn't eligible. And so it was just, that's the game they're playing right now. The federal government is rationing uh, the monoclonal antibody therapy um, for the states across the country. There's more than enough supply. The free market could take care of this, no problem, but they're rationing it yeah. really as a... All right, so well, we, what's the pattern? I know I mentioned this I mentioned this with Dell Big Tree a couple weeks ago, but hydroxychloroquine and zinc, they take that off the market. Yeah. Ivermectin, Trump, Trump repurposed. They demonize it, take it off the market. Monoclonal antibodies, not as politicized. They limit its use. Correct. Uh, budesonide, I don't know. Maybe that's still widely available. They haven't taken it out of pharmacies. If you had a prescription for that corticosteroid, uh, you might be able to corticosteroid. Thank you for the question. You might still be able to get it readily. But these other things are like taboo. Even <clears throat> because of the Rogan horse paste thing, there's uh, complications in the equine community because the mules and the donkeys and the horses can't get their, they call it wormer. It's like you would look for worming medicine on those sites if you were to have to resort to the 1.87% ivermectin that is used for animals, where you would double your body weight plus add a little bit. According to those who talk about such things, I am not one of those people. I'm just letting you know that these things are out there. They're making them very hard to find, and uh, lives even, are important. Even something as simple as N-acetylcysteine which is an amino acid. Um, I just took some of that during the break. I just yeah. took a bunch of vitamins and ate a sandwich while earlier I was listening today, to that clip. <laughs> yeah, earlier today I did the same pretty much. I took NAC. I mean, I do, I've been doing that forever. NAC and vitamin C together produce glutathione in the body, and there's been glutathione yes. treatments that Dr. Richard Bartlett, I believe, has used as well. Super antioxidants about, inside yeah, the number, body from number your one immune system thriving. Yeah, so, so you're creating a, a harsh terrain for that type of thing to try to come in and replicate. Correct. That's the idea. That's like, right. and uh, also have you ever heard of a flu or cold. I just have to point this out. That I have heard in, of those. No, 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 no. But comes in waves. Comes in oh, waves. Oh no! no like, no, 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 the, no, no. and you get hit with respiratory conditions that severely. I mean, this is truly. I've had friends and family get infected similarly. Some are just a normal cold and flu test positive. COVID. Others, they get the whole nine yards with it, where they really develop that dyspnea, that that lack, the inability to breathe properly. And that's Here's how they could predict the wave, though. They could know that the vaccines are going to cause uh, antibody-dependent enhancement, and that's going to take a, a realm of time. So they can predict that there's going to be a wave, but then they can say that yes. wave's not ADE. That ADE that 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 wave is a cold or a flu that we predicted, and then they gain more power through their corruption. Oh yeah. ADE actually plays more into their hands than anything else because most of the population is not aware of it, which is very scary actually with how this, this is going to be an, an interesting and possibly very dark winter with what happens in regards to, I got something to lighten the mood. I got something to lighten the mood. It has Joe Rogan in it. It's a clip that circulated today earlier when I was doing the autonomy Q and a with students, this topic came up. I posted the playlist in the autonomy class chat LD. It's the one right above what you've been missing. I think in part one, there is a trailer for a film that features Joe Rogan. I forgot he was in this. I did a meta documentary. I did a documentary about a documentary. There was a premiere of a documentary. It was a very interesting premiere. You'll see the clip in a second. This is uh, 11 years ago I made this. And um, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a whole thing 
it's it's long, but we just wanted to see the part with with Rogan in the black and white trailer. I think it's in the first part one of ten in that playlist. Let's see if we can do it live. I know I threw him a curveball. LG scrambling. I've got oh, look, a ten got minute something. clip up there. You said it's part one. Yeah, I think it's part. Well, if you just scrub through to the middle, let's just see if it's. I'm pretty sure because the first part's right. boring. Scrubbing, scrubbing. What did oh, you see? when the footage oh, right there, there's black there and white. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogan with the DMT, the spear mullet. Yeah. All right. So to set the scene, set the scene. Once upon a time, this gentleman named Dr. Rick Strassman wrote a book called or titled DMT, the spirit molecule. And then a couple years later, a guy named Mitch Schultz, a filmmaker from Austin, Texas, had read that book, had some experiences. And Mitch said, I would like to make a movie. He put together a 50 page business plan, which I have a copy of. And uh, it's in that first 10 minutes where I show that. And he went to Strassman and said, Hey, Rick, I'd like to make a movie. And it took a couple years for it to kind of flesh out. And in 2007, Mitch went out, he filmed all these interviews. And then I had some podcast listeners in 2008 who flew me down there for my birthday. We had this big party. There was a lot of cool things that went on. One of the cool things was Mitch came to my birthday party. He showed us a bunch of footage, which was really exciting for me because I was a new filmmaker. And here's a, you know, a, an accomplished filmmaker who has funding for his film doing things that, you know, so I was learning a lot from watching the raw footage. And then uh, a couple years later, 2010, I think is when this, or maybe 2011 is when he did the premiere of DMT, the spirit molecule. He did it at Alex and Allison Gray's Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, upstate New York. And I got to go film that premiere, film inside the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, get a lot of Alex Gray's artwork. I filmed Strassman and Schultz in interviews with big pieces of Alex Gray's behind. Did you get to go them. in Chapel Sacred Mirrors? Yeah, yeah. I was all through there. And I was oh, the first man, person they allowed in with a video mantle. camera. Like I have these cards that adorn my mantle of all the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, all his illustrations. Yeah, I have the Transfigurations book too. Actually, LD, just roll this from the beginning. I, I know it's well. I know it's slow for the first 30 seconds. It's one of my first films. Give me a break. This is my show. We can have 10 seconds of oh, where's he going with this? Let's see. Let's see how this uh <laughs> unfolds. And in this clip, you'll see a, a younger Joe Rogan talking about uh one of his now favorite famous, infamous topics. It's not COVID, the horse tasty. This is the portal. So, you take, let us assume, a third toke, long and slow. You vaporize, and you take it in and in and in, and there is a sound. Uh, like the crumpling of a plastic bread wrapper or the crackling or the flame and a tone a tone a then there is this and there is this a cheer. The gnomes have learned a new way to say who. Is that Spongle? Spongle, I know Spongle. 
You guys were just ahead of your time. It's in the credits right here. <laughs> this story begins eight years ago in 2002. When I first became aware of Dr. Rick Strassman's work on a curious little neurotransmitter called dimethyltryptamine, better known as DMT. After reading Dr. Strassman's book, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, my conscious awareness expanded, leading me to another book, which introduced me to the incendiary work of an extraordinary artist. A few years later, I became aware of someone taking up the mantle of being the unofficial spokesperson for DMT, and I'd like to thank the caller from Ohio for catalyzing the following message which brought Dr. Strassman's book to an even wider audience. What's up, Ohio? Stan Hope was on Raw Dog not too long ago talking about you guys back in the man, the man show days. So you guys are out there and he's some kind of drug or something's totally spacing out. Oh, DMT. Yeah, it's called dimethyltryptamine. It's the most potent psychedelic known to man. Literally, it's but the craziest thing is about it is it's natural and your brain produces it every night as you sleep. And very few people know about this. But it's been documented. There's a great book on it called DMT the Spirit Molecule by a doctor named Dr. Rick Strassman. And he did all these clinical studies at the University of New Mexico on it. This story would end there had it not been for a friend and colleague who has interviewed everyone involved with this story who related that there was a brave young filmmaker endeavoring to make a film based on the book. My curiosity led me to meet with filmmaker Mitch Schultz back in 2007 and he showed me some of the first building blocks of undertaking a project this magnitude. Over the past three years, I've followed the progress of Mitch's persistence, patience, and eventual perseverance. So I was pleased to be invited to cover this momentous event in nearby Wappingers Falls, New York, with special thanks to Allison and Alex Gray for hosting the screening of DMT, The Spirit Molecule. This is the story of DMT, or dimethyltryptamine a molecule with a complex name and the simplest ability to unlock the door to another dimension. DMT, the spirit molecule, you know, it's a conundrum, it's a paradox. It's amazing that we have a molecule in our brain and throughout our body that is the most potent hallucinogen that we know. Why is DMT in our bodies? Why is it in plants, in all sorts of mammals? What is the role it plays in humans? Between the inhalation and the exhalation, they were then transported into, you know, whatever it is, or wherever it is that DMT leads people. I would have expected that I would see angels and fairies and not alien life forms. Are these experiences spiritual experiences, or otherwise are they created by physiological processes, or is the brain itself responding to something that's going on? What do these experiences say about the nature of reality, the nature of our minds, or the function of our brain that we can so quickly shift into these alternate realities? The frames we use to understand our world are arbitrary. DMT is a forcible reminder that there's a lot more about reality, the universe, ourselves, the biosphere, whatever, that we, uh, there's a lot more to it than we, than we imagine. So Mitch, what made you want to make a movie? 
Bad name movie or DMT movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that movie goes on for quite a long time. There's uh, the interviews I did with uh, Schultz and Strassman. And then at the end, there's a, they're all on stage. There's a huge audience. They're answering questions. That goes on for a while. And then I, I take you through. I had a steady cam rig. So uh, I, you got nice, smooth footage through there uh, showing off Alex Gray's art. Uh, one of the secrets I learned was that even in the chapel of sacred mirrors, uh, they had moved to, uh, making these huge silks of his works. So the originals were no longer like in the, in the public where you could touch them. Some of them were, but at that time they had also taken some and made sure that, uh, they're being preserved or maybe they were sold, but a lot of the, the art was, uh, on silk at that time. So hey, in the video. Uh, yeah. Richard, I'm actually, I've been there too. It's amazing. I've been there for one of their solstice parties. Which was oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. If but you look he, at that property from the, the aerial view, it's like in a big shape of a Kabbalah, that farm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it's like an esoteric farm from back in the day that they repurposed after they moved out of the city. Did you walk the trails? I did not. I was busy the whole time I was there. I was like working, like rigging up microphones and changing batteries and doing the, you know, tripods and all that good stuff. There's all kind of art in his woods. So oh, like really? The trail, oh, that's pretty cool. There's art all throughout the woods. It's, it's off the hook. It's amazing. Next time I'll have to check that out. That's badass actually. Didn't they build some sort of other structure? Maybe that was them when you were there. I thought specifically. Well, they were the building chapel the chapel mirror. of the sacred mirror. Yeah, and that's so it. When I was there, it was still under construction. But mm-hmm. uh, what year were you there? Uh, I want to say three years ago, probably. Yeah, All right. Yeah, so I when I was there, they just had the main yeah. house and then like the the carriage house over the garage. Yeah, they started a project after you filmed that they yeah. wanted to house his his works in this like which was similar chapter, probably to the place that they had in New York City because they used to have the place in the city oh, before okay. they moved out there. So the yeah. when I filmed it, it was like in its transition. It sounds like it has metamorphosized metamorphosized over uh, the past decade. Yeah, it's got super cool. Yeah. Right on. And what did That's you think ass. of uh, my early film work, Howard? Uh, all pro, man. So you got some skills. I mounted a camera I'm gonna to the hood of my car bit. to get that drive in. I was so proud of that. I spent <laughs> money on a Manfrotto uh, hood mount so I could have my camera on the hood and drive up the driveway. Yeah, it was a good time, though. And it was good learning experience. <clears throat> that was a really good... Um, the only critique I'd give is uh, the music was mixed a little too loud, but that's normal. For well, we'll just editors. blame that on Zoom. We'll just blame it on Zoom. We'll just blame it. Yeah, there you go. The whole playlist, LD will put that in the uh, the show notes. If anyone has a entertainment education of that persuasion, you check it out. What do we got left for clips here as we move forward? Because we're not even, we haven't even really dipped into the outline. We have so much in here. It looks like we haven't made much progress. Oh, we're the Aaron Rodgers story. So how do we want to do that? Uh, there's people talking about it, but let's go to the you, Pat McAfee. That's fine. Let's That's play fine. 15 minutes. Can, of, 15 minutes. We'll get it. He, and if he, he goes he, past 15 minutes. You know, we'll let him go past. If he's still talking about the interesting stuff that people need to hear and be preserved in this time capsule, his main dissertation, his presentation was really in the beginning. He was reading from, you know, papers he had presented or notes he had written down. So that but he does go on after that guy interrupts him. He does mm-hmm. go on for quite a while after that before, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he says a lot of smart things in there, including talking about uh, bodily autonomy. 
Yeah, he does. It's a really good interview uh, throughout for those who are interested. It's about 47 minutes long. So if you get a chance to check that out, it's worth checking out. It's and again, for those of you around the world, he's a quarterback. He plays in the American football or the, you know, he plays in the game national of football yeah. uh, in the NFL in America. Yes. And it's not American soccer. Football. So right. He plays American football. Player. He's part of the, he's a MVP, two-time MVP, uh, also Super Bowl winning quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Um, and he plays for the Green Bay Packers. He's 37 years old. And um, yeah, so that just gives a little bit of background. He's always been a bit of a contrarian, a bit of uh, someone who marches to the beat of his own drum. I think that's what he said. And so he does his own thing. And you're going to see a, a bit more of that. Uh, he's Good. been excoriated all by mainstream media. You should see what they have been saying. It's unreal. Well, he doesn't uh, buy into the right or left circus either. Mm-mm. Like He's like... But no, I'm just talking about like the mainstream like uh, sports media. Like what they're oh, saying yeah, yeah. in the sports. They're trying media. to make an example of him. Oh they're yeah. Trying they're gonna, to, they're trying know, to crucify him now. They're, they're trying to Julian Assange him for this. Oh yeah. I the mean, NFL is already, I mean, Luke Rodowski in it's softer this, way. But... I don't want to say that because they tortured <laughs> Assange for that's real. That's true. So. They did. That's, and that's fucked they up. Do. He's still being tortured right now. Yeah. I'm sure. What am I saying? You're right, 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 right. So then, but the NFL is coming down and trying to find the Packers and him. They're trying to find anything they can. Cause he said some bad words. Like, well, it's about control. It's about so. control. Like I could at least have a, a conversation with Kaepernick about that aspect. Cause he made that comment about, you know, slavery. It wasn't, it, you know, he, said yeah, it's he like claimed a slave trade. that the NFL is like the slave trade. If you take away the, the racism to the argument, there's a lot of objective evidence to that effect, but like his slant on it, where it has to be like wokeism and showing the clips as he like, that's no, no, well, it's slaves back in the day did not get the best of everything and millions and millions of dollars a year. Correct. I agree that there is a harnessing of talent in a sale of people and a trade of people going on, but to make it more woke than what it really is, is doing a disingenuous disservice to the people that are all involved in that. Yeah. It's not, it's nothing to do with the bigger issue is the Muslim come from inner city poverty. So they feel like the only way in order to make money or to be successful is to sell their body to the end. That's where the slavery component comes in. But otherwise they get handsomely compensated. So it's hard. You can't equate the two. That's a false equivalence. It just, but you can provide context and say, I get from a contextual standpoint, the similar, there's certain similarities, but they are two different things in kind. Um, that's an unfair equivalence by him, but your point is also right too. I mean, most of these individuals come, that's why Andrew Wiggins, in my opinion, bailed on, uh, and took the vaccine. And then when he said he didn't want to is because he knows he's never going to make $32 million again. Um, and this is his one opportunity and he's not educated or he's not college educated. You know, he's not, he doesn't have a, I don't even know his high school situation, I assume, but he's not the, he knows he's not the brightest guy. Well, I and think he's been lamented is- for that in the NBA for not being the brightest guy. So he doesn't have much going on afterwards, but as most of these athletes don't like the same, you know, I met, it reminds me of Scotty Pippen. He was uh, Michael Jordan's number two. He was grew up in a super poor Arkansas backwater town and he took a shit deal early on and he got fucked for really the rest of his career for not getting paid. Um, and so a lot of these athletes are pressured because this is like the only way they can make big, at least in their minds, they think it's the only way they can make big money and they essentially have to market themselves out to these organizations. But at the same time, it is a bit of a market. You get to market yourself and, you know, get, there's a sort of like a free market edge to it. You get to go and show your talent. And if it works, you get to sign a contract, you get to compete for offers. So it's not totally the same, but there's similarities certainly. But also you really do sign your life away. I mean, you sign away your, uh, your ability to be photographed uh, for, you know, uh, 
you sign away your you, like they control what you can and can't say they control where you have to be physically um i mean it is it is you really there is uh there's quite a loss of freedom in some of those contracts well even in roger's case super bowl hero mvp listen to the list of rules and and things he has to look like after a game he can't see anybody after all these things where he has to be isolated Mm -hmm. and and uh insulated from you know because they're they're trying to punish him at the same time as like make an example and like do all these sort of things in a situation so whereas there's a lot of pro sports players on the left who are vocal there's a few sports players on the right who are vocal there's a ton of sports players who have opinions and don't say anything because they're kind of cowards so far. We'll see how they turn out overall. And there's this one guy, Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't believe in left-right paradigm, and he's shooting straight down the middle real, real fast. So I, and there's I really... this to point out. There's other individuals in the NFL, major stars within the NFL that have not taken the vaccine, and they're being pretty quiet with them. One is a, a black quarterback from uh, the Baltimore Ravens named Lamar Jackson, who's a, he's a great quarterback. He's not a great thrower of the football, but he's an incredible athlete. And so he, he's, he's, you know, they're on a six and two team now. Like he's been doing a great job and he's not, I, I, with our woke culture, considering this is a black quarterback, that's not vaccinated. I wonder how different the narrative would have been because they're really going after Rogers, but I wonder if they would go after Lamar the same way. I'm just curious, especially with the vaccine hesitancy that exists already within the black community. Well, they couldn't because the media wouldn't focus on it. So they can only well, yeah, go after exactly. Rogers because all the media that's is willing point. to turn yeah. and aim at him at the same time. That's, well, that's kind of what it is. It's the common target that they'll all fire at. Well, it's a world culture too. There's also, there's a huge component of not just the pro sports teams, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, talking to friends of mine that are reaching out from fortune 500, 100 companies, and they're just walking into a Walgreens and throwing down five $100 bills. And they're saying, you know, just sign this card for me. And so I guarantee you, I would, yes, there's an enormous, enormous amount of, you know, of, uh, uh, of people that have fake cards and the team doctor is signing off on the fact that they've been vaccinated when they haven't been vaccinated. And so they, they're, they're not having to play by the same rules. And so I think they're just shutting up and just, it's not going to last very long. Let me tell you, I'm glad we covered over a year ago, the, the commons pass the Rockefeller foundation and world economic forum. It's like the QR code for everybody. It's like the next version. It's the step up from the vaccine passport. So they get you on the QR that can't be really easily blockchain uh, QR counterfeited. And then they're going to roll it out to the commons pass. And there's uh there's yeah, that's uh, the, but even then I, so we, we talked before the show started. I'm glad you brought that up at the end. Um, because it's very interesting that like Tom Brady, he's like very much into sort of like a, a paleo diet, naturopathic style of life. And yet you tell me this guy took a vaccine or LeBron James, who expressed hesitancy, spent a million or a million and a half dollars on his body, his greatest asset, which makes all this money. You tell me he took a vaccine after expressing some hesitancy. No, these guys are super rich. They went through back channels. I'm speculating, of course, I don't have any direct evidence, but I would speculate much to your point that people are finding Side, you know, uh, sort of black market, black like sideways um, avenues in which to get these, you know, vaccine cards or maybe eventually passes. To Rich's point, you know, I think it's right here. I'm showing it to you. We talked about this last year. I think they'll even manipulate this for the rich and powerful. They'll just upload some sort of fake. This is made by the rich and powerful. The dude is just that. The common pass for global travel and trade. 
to return to pre-pandemic levels. Travelers need a secure and verifiable way to document their health status as they cross borders. Countries will need to be able to validate a traveler's record of a COVID PCR test or vaccination administered in another country. Right. So there's a common health. There's a common pass. We can learn more. We can, oh, look, QR codes, everybody. Oh, you want to get on something? This isn't just your vaccine, vaccine passport. This is like your passport. Do you see how it works? They explain how it works. Why? They explain why. And then a commons project out of Geneva, Switzerland hmm. and New York City. Right. And who are these people? Let's click about because this is what you do. You click about, you learn about these companies. Nonprofit what do they say? Oh, Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's just a conspiracy theory, though. When you talk about what they fund, you know, uh, World Health Organization. I'm not some sort of rich. World it's Economic for the greater Forum. good. It's for is everyone else's go health, not yours. Look, Tony, Common Trust, <laughs> the Common Trust Network is a global network of public, public and private organizations committed to empowering individuals with digital access to their health data using open interoperable and verifiable standards. Did I ever tell you the story? And who's about, about let's who's about over here at the common trust network. Do they mention the world economic forum? Let's see about us leadership. Leadership. We'll check out leadership. Too. Yeah. yeah. We didn't check out leadership yet. It's the yeah, leadership. Check out that one. And leaders. Oh, let's see. Hmm. 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 Where do these people sure. work from? Where are they from? Who's the advisors? Oh, just a bunch of people you don't know. Right. Oh, there's a global board. Okay. And we don't know what their backgrounds really are. They're not clickable. Have to do some general grammar. They have a U.S. board. Right. But it's the World Economic Forum and the Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, the World Economic Forum has been pushing for, I believe, the common pass. They also want it to, um, it's something about wanting to take your blood samples every so often as well for international travel that will be associated with the common pass beyond just COVID which I guess has to go with other diseases or other issues. I don't even know what the point is at that point. They just want your DNA, I guess. That's probably what they, at this point it's, so uh, anyways, there is a, um, so I'll tell everyone a story very quickly. When I, um, first started working, uh, for the ERP forum I worked for, I was flown down to new Orleans for a Microsoft partner conference. And there, uh, this was back in 2011, 2010, 2011, they brought out this individual, the scientist who'd been working on the Microsoft surface, which is basically, you have this, the iPad and the surface as the two competing sort of like technology, you know, touchscreen technologies out there right now for the commercial markets. And he came out and said, been working on this technology since 1984, looked like some crazy hippie surfer, dude, hyper intelligent. He comes out with a card, right? He puts his card on this Microsoft surface and the card is a, uh, a, it's sort of like a, a biomedical card. So he puts the card on there and it brings up you and it brings up your entire history, your vaccination status, all these things. Like, look how great we'll be able to tie digital identity to this biomedic biomedical card that then you can put on top of a surface and it'll give your full readout for those interested parties that need that information, doctors or so forth and so on. You know, at the time being, I was naive, but still skeptical because my, you know, my first thought is like, what about individual not only freedom, but, um, private, private property and right to privacy. And, um, yeah, that was not at all addressed. So that was back in 2011. So this stuff has been, and they've worked on that since 20 or excuse me, 1984, according to him, that's just Microsoft. God knows what's going on with DARPA. And then the other major Google at the time was, you know, doing its thing and building up. I'm sorry. I'm just over here having a moment of irony. I made the mistake of clicking from this page of the commons project onto the Rockefeller foundation. I clicked on their commitments 
to nourish all people on the planet, to achieve health for all, to end energy poverty, right? They have pictures all over their pages of people of color. And I'm like, these are the real institutionalized racists using these people to take everything over in the name of these people that they oppress. Yeah. This is really crazy propaganda. People should like, uh, I don't know, spend a couple minutes on that Rockefeller Foundation site. Everything's perfectly inverted. I think Look, uh, guys, if, colleague... if, if, if you don't want to deal with all this stuff, you can just hang out in the metaverse. And these people, all right. <laughs> these people, look, look, they got a pandemic prevention institute here on the Rockefeller Foundation. Did they stop funding that? I don't think it worked. And Rich, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the main um, speculation that it was going to be a coronavirus? No other type of virus. It was going to be a it had to be a coronavirus, novel respiratory a novel coronavirus, coronavirus. not one that yeah. infected your toe. It had to be a novel respiratory <laughs> coronavirus. How convenient! During the de decade of the vaccine, what was that? 2010 through 2020. From the people that brought you Event 201. Yeah, we present the new future, the Great Reset. We have a German guy. He speaks with an accent about taking over the world. No problems here. All right. <clears throat> Let's continue to move forward because the story yeah. we're supposed to be covering is Aaron Rodgers. And uh, yeah, it's it's good for even for myself for a second. So play the Pat McAfee one. Oh, you probably have it up already, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll highlight it for you. Okay, perfect. Okay, and uh, we wish that, uh, you know, Mr. McAfee stays in good health, that he's not uh, into any John McAfee type activities. He should be fine. And uh, he won't get Epstein. No relation, we should say. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> don't think. That should be a sound clip. There you go. I was still waiting for Alex to re realize what show this was. He speaks in the apophatic, the opposite, mm -hmm. the, the negative. Yeah, it's a negative, the, uh, the negative. He would never say, this is Grand Theft retro. World. He would just say, this isn't Grand Theft Auto, folks. This isn't a video game. There you go. Thank you, Alex, <laughs> for keeping it, helping us keep it real. Let's go uh, dip into the reality of Aaron Rodgers. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now, a man you might have heard of, the current reigning, defending, undisputed MVP of the NFL, Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Hey, hey Rod. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. First things first, uh, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Or how, how are the symptoms? Do we feel good? What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, big thanks to... Everybody that reached out, checked on me the last couple of days, uh, felt really good. You know, heard from so many teammates, former teammates, uh, coaches, members of the organization, friends, uh, both yourselves. Thank you guys for that. Hey, no problem. Uh, so definitely, uh, definitely appreciate all the love and support. Okay, good. Let's get right to it. All right. I feel like uh, what we have been able to. You know, I don't want to say build with you in your incredible, you know, just how nice you are with your time with us every single Tuesday. People have learned a lot about you through this show, and I'm very thankful for that. Every Tuesday, I think a lot of thoughts were potentially changed about you. People that once thought something about you changed after hearing you speak. So whenever all this information came out, there was a lot of haters out there, obviously, that immediately started bearing you, but there was a lot of people that listened to you on Tuesdays that say, hey, he's actually 
an incredibly deep person, an incredibly intelligent person, uh, somebody that you would actually like. There has to be reasons for everything that we're hearing about right now. So I appreciate you so much for this incredible honor that we have uh, to potentially allow you to have a platform and a floor to explain your side of this whole thing. And uh, I can't wait to hear it. We're incredibly lucky for it. The floor is yours, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> uh, thank you, buddy. Um, good water, good water drink. It's going to be a I, real, I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. So before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture uh, casket, I think I'd like to set the record straight on so many of the uh, blatant lies that are out there about myself right now. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to tell my side of the story on here. First of all, I didn't lie in the initial press conference. Uh, during that time, it was a very, uh, you know, witch hunt uh, that was going on across the league where everybody in the media was so concerned about who was vaccinated and who wasn't and what that meant and who was being selfish and who would talk about it and what it meant if they said it's a personal decision, they should, shouldn't have to disclose their own uh, medical information or whatnot. And at the time, my plan was to say that I've been immunized. Um, it wasn't uh, some sort of ruse or lie, it was the truth. And I'll get into the whole immunization in, in a second, but uh, had there been a follow-up to my statement that I've been immunized, I would have responded uh, with this. I would have said, look, um, I'm not uh, you know, some sort of anti-vax flat earther. Um, I, I am somebody who's a critical thinker. Uh, you guys know me. I marched to the beat of my own drum. I believe strongly in bodily autonomy and the ability to make choices for your body, not to have to acquiesce to some woke culture or crazed, you know, group of individuals who say you have to do something. Health is not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. And for me, it involved a lot of study in the off-season, much like the study I put into Host and Jeopardy or the weekly study I put into Playing in the Game. I put a lot of time and energy and research and met with a lot of different people in the medical field to get the most information about the vaccines before making a decision. And in actuality, it was pretty easy in the beginning to eliminate two of them. And it didn't involve going into the questionable history of some of their uh, criminal activities and fraud cases or any of that stuff. Huh. It was simply the fact that I have uh, an allergy to an ingredient that's in the mRNA vaccines. So on the CDC's own website, it says, should you have an allergy to any of the ingredients, you should not get one of the mRNA vaccines. So those two were out already. So my only option was Johnson & Johnson. At this time, in the early spring, I had heard of multiple people who had had adverse events around getting the J&J. Nothing that was no deaths or anything, but just some really difficult uh, times and physical uh, uh, abnormalities around uh, the J&J shot. And then in mid-April, the J&J shot got pulled for clotting issues, if you remember that, right? So the J&J shot was not even an option at that point. So then my options became, okay, what can I do to protect myself and my teammates um, if there's not one of the big three options for me in my own body? And so I looked into and talked again to a lot of medical individuals um, and professionals and found that there was an immunization protocol that I could go to to best protect myself 
and my teammates, and it was a long-term protocol uh, that involved uh, you know multiple months, and um, I'm very uh, you know proud of the research that went into that, um, and uh, you know the the individuals that I met with, and we felt like it was what was best for me. It was not again something that the league didn't know about. The league was fully aware of it uh, upon my return uh, to the Packers, and it was at that point that I petitioned them to accept my immunization status uh, as under their vaccination protocol. Now, um, at the time, they had only had the, the big three was what they're going to do. And if you weren't uh, in the vaccinated category, you were uh, you were in a different category, which involved uh, some draconian um, measures and protocols that you would have to adhere to. Um, which, in my opinion, were not based on science. We're more based in a shame-based environment to try and get as many guys to get vaccinated as possible so that the league looks better uh, to the rest of the world. That was the focus um, of these you know, protocols, which I'll get into um, in, when, I, when I finish this diatribe here um, about the petition. So I petitioned the league. Uh, initially, they returned and said, no, you'll be in the unvaccinated category. And I also said, how come there's no exemptions for medical exemptions, uh, religious exemptions, pre-existing conditions? And they basically said, look, those are all basically exempted, but you would be put in the non-vaccinated category. Uh, I'll get into what that meant from a scheduling standpoint shortly, but uh, there wasn't any way of getting around that in their mind. So after they came back and said, no, you, you're unvaxxed. I said, okay, I'm going to appeal this. Um, and so we went through the process, uh, which was a multi-week process, um, where I asked them for time to gather information. I gathered over 500 pages of research um, on the efficacy of immunizations, uh, all the latest research um, surrounding my case, everything from mask wearing to... Um, to uh, the efficacy of the vaccines and the duration of the um, antibodies, just all the latest research, right, that, that I was getting uh, from my medical team. And in that process, we had many conversations. I enjoyed the conversation with the league. It was, it was good sharing. But one in particular stood out when I knew I was not going to win this. I had a meeting and they said, one of the main docs said, it's impossible for a vaccinated person to get COVID or spread COVID. Well, I... And at that point, I knew that, uh, you know, I was definitely not going to win the appeal. And it was, it was very shortly thereafter that denied, which we know now that's, that information is totally false that was given to me. Um, you know, my desire to immunize myself was what was best for my body. And that's why this is so important to me. Um, my medical team advised me that the danger I'd be in to get of an adverse event was greater than the risk of getting COVID and recovering. So I made a decision that was in the best interest of my body. You know, I don't, not telling somebody to not get vaccinated or to get vaccinated. I think you should do what's in the best interest of your body. If you're scared of, of, uh, of COVID or if you have uh, comorbidities, then getting vaccinated is probably in your best 
option. But if you have immunocompromised system, or if you have pre-existing conditions, then make the decision that's in your best interest. And that's what I did. I made the decision that was in my best interest. Um, and the, the other part to it is that, and I've talked about this, on I think, on the show before, but the next great chapter in my life, I believe, is being a father. And it's something that I care about a lot. And to my knowledge, there has been zero long-term studies around uh, sterility or fertility issues uh, around the vaccines. So that was definitely something that I was worried about. Um, and I went through my mind. Now, obviously, having uh, you know an allergy to an ingredient it took me off of being able to, to take the mRNA anyway. But that, even if I didn't have that, that would be something that would give me a little bit of pause because we don't know what the long-term effects of these are. There's still clinical trials going on through 2023. So to just like, when people just say, oh, just get the jab, just get the jab. Well, um, first of all, everybody's body is different, number one. And second of all, there's a lot of things we don't know about this. So, so that's, that's just one thing I really want to stress there. And again, the organization knew exactly what my status was. My teammates knew exactly what my status was. There was uh, nothing that was hidden. Um, during the time uh, of preseason was during the time of the appeal. I thought actually at various times I was going to win the appeal. Um, uh, and I think that people have said I'd wear a mask during the preseason. Um, but I don't, I mean, some of the rules to me are not based in science at all. They're based purely in trying to out and shame people, like needing to wear a mask uh, at a podium when every person in the room is vaccinated and wearing a mask makes no sense to me. If you got vaccinated to, you know, to protect yourself from a virus that I don't have as an unvaccinated individual, then why are you worried about anything that I can give you? And let me let me hit on protocols now because that's obviously been out there as well. I have followed every single protocol to a T, minus that one I just mentioned, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, but my my daily routine is the routine of an unvaccinated person, which is I have to you know test early before you know starting the season. Vaccinated people test once every two weeks, non-vaccinated once a day, which, again, that's not based in science at all. You know, you can have vaccinated people who actually carry and spread the virus, uh, not testing for two weeks, and non-vaccinated people are the safest people in the building because we're the ones who are testing every single day and wearing masks the entire time. But instead, we're being made to think that we're the dangerous ones, we're the super spreaders, uh, when in fact we're the most in touch with our body every single day, but these protocols that we have, to, we we uh, we've had to go through a test every single day, 5 a.m. on uh, noon games as well. Which I don't understand why 5 a.m. But 5 a.m. in the morning on noon games, uh, you test in the morning, and before you can go in the facility, you got to wait in your car uh, for 30 to 40 minutes until they give you the okay to go in. Non-vaccinated or vaccinated people test and just go right in. Uh, so we had somebody test the other day. Vaccinated person, test, goes in, has breakfast, test positive. Uh, and then, oh, shit, bummer, he just had breakfast with five people. Um, wait in my car, mask every day in the facility. So I mask up every single day in the facility. Physically distanced from, from everybody else. I have major travel restrictions, so I can't leave the hotel. Um, can't have dinner with teammates. 
even though I tested negative that morning to even get on the flight, um, the only people I see at the hotel are uh, vaccinated people. Good catch. Happy uh, COVID hasn't caught your uh, instincts. Yeah. Only people I see at the hotel are vaccinated people. Still got um, but uh, I have to wear a mask the entire time. I can't see anybody. Can't see anybody after the game. Uh, I work out off to the side in the weight room in a mask. Again, there's been any studies about the efficacy of uh, masks uh, for workouts or the higher levels of CO2 inhaled during workouts and how it affects performance and body function. Um, not allowed to use the sauna or the steam room. I have to wear a yellow wristband at all times, basically shouting to the world, I'm uh, uncleaned and I'm vaxxed. Um, and in this situation now, I'm 10 days off regardless of tests or symptoms. So I'm sitting here uh, two days in. Uh, I had some symptoms Tuesday night, tested positive Wednesday morning. Not didn't feel great yesterday. I'll get into what I've been doing, but I feel really good today. Um, this is Friday. Uh, but 10 days off regardless, where a vaccinated person um, just has to have two back-to-back -back, uh, negative tests. When it comes to the science again for non-vaccinated, it came up last week because Alan Lazard was a close contact to uh, Devontae Adams, and Alan uh, is, is not vaxxed, and yeah, obviously tried to cancel him for that, but they also didn't bring up the fact that he tested negative every single day. So just because he was close contact and not vaxxed, this is what the league has done is they've made it, you know, hard for people, uh, you know, to, to have a decision because, well, well, you're, you know, you're a close contact. I means you're out for five days, not based on any science other than we're going to just keep this propaganda narrative going that unvaccinated people are the uh, most dangerous people in society. Um, so uh and again can i ask know. some can i ask some questions here now can yeah, i let me finish up here got thing. it got it i just want to say you know that is what the media has been trying to do they're trying to shame and out uh and cancel all of us non-vaccinated people call us selfish yeah i mean that's the propaganda line too now you're selfish for making a decision that's in the best interest of your body now i've already spelled out which i shouldn't have to but i've already spelled out the issues of my own personal body and my own personal health, right? That, uh, you know, I have issues related to ingredients in the, P in, in the, uh, in the mRNA vaccines, uh, that the J&J &J got pulled, not to mention the numerous issues with the J&J &J vaccine to this day, um, that I went out and on my own paid for and did research and, and went out and did um, an immunization protocol that's been used, uh, homeopathy has been around for centuries and uh, the doctors that I consulted with have been doing this for decades. Uh, the same type of stuff for children and, and, and adults who have immunocompromisation. Uh, they have pre-existing conditions or reasons that they cannot take traditional vaccines. Um, the league didn't offer any opportunity for uh, you know, alternative uh, medicines uh, or treatments, as I'll get into. but but. But um, I think the thing that, that is so disappointing is that it was not just that, but it was the coercion and the collusion, you know, of GM saying they're not going to they're not going to sign non-vaccinated players, and the coercion for player 54 through 90 who thinks if I don't make this squad that I'm on now in training camp, I'm and I'm not vaxxed, I, my my career is over. 
Um, so there wasn't even opportunities. Workers in those same environments had no opportunity. Workers at the facilities, and it's happened all over the country. You're seeing these mandates for firefight- firefighters and policemen and government workers who are saying, well, no, it's, you know, what about my body, my choice? You know, what about making the best decision for my own circumstance? And that, that, that again, that health is, is not a one-size-fits-all thing. I think that's the thing that's, that's most disappointing. Look at our squad. We've had, you know, I'm the second uh, non-vax player to test positive. It's pretty evident I tested positive being around a vaccinated individual. I mean, that's the majority of people I spend time with. Um, there's been dozens of individuals that work at the facility that are vaxxed that have tested positive. So this idea that it's the pandemic of the unvaccinated is just a total lie. And I go back to like these two questions for the, uh, you know, for this world mob, like uh, number one, if the vaccine is so great, then how come people are still getting COVID and spreading COVID and unfortunately dying from COVID. Like, if the vaccine is so safe, then how come the manufacturers of the vaccine have full immunity? So let's just step back and realize, like, this vaccine is revolutionary, the things that they're doing. However, we don't know a whole lot about it. And to just say that it's a blanket for all that ails you in my opinion, is wrong and reckless. And for the media out there taking shots at me, like, you don't know my story, now you do. So quit lying about me. And personal health decisions, in my opinion, should be private. And they shouldn't have to be, like, gone through the ringer and over-scrutinized by, you know, people who are just pushing their own type of propaganda on the people and, and ideals. You want to have a conversation about it? I'm more than one to have a conversation about it. But bodily autonomy is a right. And the Bodily autonomy is a right for people who know enough about themselves to claim it. Now, I remember somebody else got maligned recently in the media. They were telling lies about him. It was this guy who's a comedian. Hmm. Joe Hogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. He's in this next clip. Uh... I got it outlined here in blue, LD. Can you see it? Uh, Aaron Rodgers blasts cancel culture and woke mob after revealing he's unvaxxed and consulted Joe Rogan about COVID treatments. There's a video in the article, apparently. I haven't seen it, but I'm interested in seeing it. We're going to watch it together. Is that findable, LD? Uh, I'm looking for your your highlight. Give me a sec. Oh, right on. Sorry. Yeah, I don't the, see the highlight either. Um, I called it. It's in the red box right above the yellow. Oh, like you okay. guys had read it out, so you guys went past it. I, that's why I went back and tapped it so we could see it. Because I don't think it's uh, worthy of skipping. It's only five minutes. And uh, uh, the Crowder one? No, it's InfoWars. InfoWars uh, Info posts. Oh, the InfoWars. Aaron Rodgers right there, yeah, plus yeah. cancel culture woke mom. Um, I, think I didn't hear the part honest, where he talked about consulting Joe Rogan. That's the part I was interested in because it tied back to the Tim Cast and Luke Radowski story with philanthropist Joe Rogan. Sure. He, um, I think this is just they extricate various timestamps from, I'm bringing it up now, from the Pat McAfee show. Um, I, but think, I think I've got it here. Here's one. There's a Twitter clip. 
Aaron Rodgers says he's listening to Joe Rogan's oh, okay. advice on how to battle COVID nineteen. This looks like it. Oh, okay, so it was in there. Okay, good. Yeah, let's check the them bottom. Out. Let's give it a try. Spin the wheel. Oh. I'm forty hour, forty eight hours in, and I consulted with a now good friend of mine, Joe Rogan, after he got COVID, and I've been doing a lot of the stuff that he recommended in his podcasts and you know on the phone to me and i'm going to have the best immunity possible now based on the 2.5 million person study from israel that the people who get covid and recover have the most robust immunity and i'm thankful for people like joe stepping up and using their voice i'm thankful for my medical squad um, and I'm thankful for all the love and support I've gotten, but I've been taking monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, zinc, vitamin C and D, HCQ, and I feel pretty incredible. Okay, so you said a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> he sure did say a lot. You should <clears throat> see some of the shit. Hydroxychloroquine, according to the research, and I can show it to you right right in a second. It works because uh, it opens the door for zinc into the cells, and zinc ends up. Let's do H hydrox hydroxychloroquine right here. It is a uh, zinc ionophore, if memory serves. So let's just go into uh, hydroxychloroquine. New insights into the effects of chloroquine. That's that's the more potent. This one actually is not good for you. It's more toxic. That's why you want hydroxychloroquine, according to the research. Here it is. Uh, NCBI. Zinc inhibits coronavirus RNA polymerase activity. Ionophores, zinc ionophores block the replication of these viruses in culture. This is from NCBI. This is PubMed. This is... A real paper. It is known to Fauci. It's from 2010. So hydroxychloroquine is not magical. It just opens the door to zinc and that stops the cells from replicating. Okay. So if you don't have hydroxychloroquine, the amino acid, it's kind of a cousin in nature from naturopaths would be quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-I-T-I-N. Quercetin, I believe. Yeah, quercetin. Yeah, quercetin. Mm -hmm. And then if you go into other research under uh, some preliminary research, and like dandelion root will open the same, a very similar pathway, so zinc can get in. Um, Here's Oxford, right? Here's Oxford, and this is in vitro antiviral activity and projection optimized dosing hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, Oxford, clinical infectious diseases. Here's the paper right here. It is from March, 2020. 2020. These things are known, but it's politicized in this country. So people aren't getting the right treatments. Yeah. I mean, here just, we've, we've gone over this a number of times. I won't belabor the point, but early treatment studies, um, hydroxychloroquine, 64%. There's been 33 studies done with 50, almost 55, 54,500 ish approximately patients. Um, and with a 64% effectiveness, um, and that's the, who knows what sort of, uh, necessary, if they were using zinc with that and other things, but there's a number of studies with a large population sample size showing that in early treatment, in early treatment, hydroxychloroquine, uh, seems to work quite, quite well. Um, this is nature, nature nature.com 2020 
And it reads hydroxychloroquine, a less toxic derivative of chloroquine is effective in inhibiting SARS-CoV-2 infection in vitro. So, and it's not just, it had been used prophylactically by doctors and third world nations for other viruses. Yeah, it's, um, it's so just common in lupus. It, here's the, right? here's lupus, right? Using it off label or being prescribed off label was not uncommon for that. And also ivermectin, obviously it was not uncommon. Uh, now ivermectin is a totally different mechanism of action. Yes. Um, uh, the zinc is really stopping the cell, the viral replication, of the ribosomes of the cell, whereas ivermectin is actually stopping the ability for the cell to actually like combine or excuse me, the virus to combine with the cell itself and it acts in the protease enzyme. So that's a whole what, different mechanism of action. And what people are looking for is what is this? Uh, is it ivmmeta.com? It's c19early.com. Oh, that, I was trying to read that URL. C19 early doc. It's I am IVM meta.com there, but it's yeah, the I've, same. You're, you're on the same website I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. Ivermectin for COVID-19 real time meta analysis of 65 studies. This is a good place to start when you're talking to, you know, with someone who's making the accusation, there's no, there's no clinical evidence to these things. And start just with that, which exists, show them a new world that might exist if they open their eyes and look. And real quick, like, you know, follow that up point up. Um, this has been updated as recently as November 8th, 2021. You can click on hydroxychloroquine here. There is a link and this will take you to HCQ for COVID-19, 297 trials, 4,763 scientists and 413,546 patients, 64% improvement in 33 early treatment trials. Uh, 75% improvement in 13 early treatment mortality, 46% improvement in eight early treatment RCT and 19% improvement in 201 late treatment. So hydroxychloroquine works particularly well in early treatment, whereas ivermectin seems to work at any point in the, then here actually just real quickly, November 5th, November 7th, November 2nd, October 25th. These are all the studies that are continually being released in regards to hydroxychloroquine, either meta-analysis or new studies from around the world that are um, currently being conducted. Uh, in regards to using this as a potential therapy, because obviously there are a lot of places around the world that have not had any sort of vaccine rollout, especially in the third world. So this is still very much a except for Uttar option. Pradesh. Uttar well, Pradesh yeah. had a rollout. What the, what what was in the was ivermectin? It is a little bit of Z pack ivermectin, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and some other stuff. But that was basically a little go package they gave to all those people. What's that way over here? Well, there's documents. People can read them. They can choose to explore. Well, the or, point is, you know, kudos to Aaron Rodgers. I always just love listen to Don Lamont. Don Lamont's got your back. Well, actually, look and, at uh, this, Rich. Look at look at this. Fredo like, Cuomo, they love you. This is uh, this is what they're saying about Aaron Rodgers. Here's the Daily. Sh oh, it's the Daily. Sh that's Trevor Noah. I thought it was Don Lamont. My bad. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers trying to prove that COVID is fake, or that CT is real? CT is the big scandal when it comes to um, head injury and concussions in the NFL. So he's trying to equate that he must, you know, must have taken too many concussions because this is ridiculous what Aaron Rodgers is saying, all these other, you know, that's funny because I think that people that think that Trevor Noah's funny has also had too many concussions. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> it's just funny because not just Trevor Noah, it's the whole woke culture virtue signaling mentality. I'm punching on. up. Isn't that the popular thing to do? <laughs> It brings you more notoriety for better. I think they watched that that he he show. H the H three H three. There's a saying, isn't there? Is no is is it where the saying comes from? 
The one about using your your brain too much? You don't have to think about it, dude. That's <laughs> the one we're talking about. That's that one. one. I'm ordering another stream deck, so uh, so this this should get easier at some point. But yeah, uh, hey, Bill Gates do you is know in the about house folders? too at some point. Do you know about folders on the stream deck? You can make your stream deck unlimited depth, so you can create a folder that's just like soundboard. So it's like one button, Damn. another button in the soundboard. I can teach you. How to well, these these by the way, these are these are stream decks. They're little programmable buttons that we use. I bought it for LD and uh, we use these quite commonly. That's how I switch cameras. I go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, stuff like that. You know, live stream waiting, that sort of stuff. That's how we do it. That in conjunction with OBS, which is an open broadcast system. Any one of you can download it for free, the OBS, that is. And you can uh, set everything up. And then the Stream Deck's like a more elegant way to get it so I don't have to like reach for keys and mouse you don't have to click. You don't have to click scenes and then OBS. That's how I do it, which is easy yeah. for me. I'm used to it and I have four monitors. But if you're like standing further back and it's it's or have a different yeah, style. like when i'm teaching in the other studio i got a couple cameras and i hit a button exactly. and the slides come up it's real nice <clears throat> and you can program them so like at my desk yes. upstairs i have a stream deck my my son comes in he pushes a button it launches a browser it launches youtube wildcrats he watches the episode you know uh, you know so these sort of things you can personalize them do basically a lot of things i was wondering today can i use my stream deck to populate my my password for zoom. Cause for some reason on all my computers, zoom now forgets my password. I have to go find it. It's a complex one too. So I was wondering if I could program stream deck to just do that instead of going to other places to get that password. Anyway, first there world problems, eh? you know, sorry about mm. that. <laughs> go from on toxic work when to a uh, stream deck, zoom passwords. That's hey man, this is not Probably. an ad for stream deck, but no, Bill, I paid Gates for them is, all. Bill Gates is on the soundboard tonight, just to let you know. Oh, let's, what's he have to say, Billy Bob, Billy Bob Gates? He, he, uh... Well, he's dead. So, uh, you know, in general, you always have to be careful. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's from... Um, now, was he or... talking about McAfee or Epstein? Epstein. It's Epstein. Oh, right, 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 right. That was that inter awkward interview you had recently. We showed it a couple weeks ago, but yeah, it was gnarly. Any other new additions to that soundboard? Do we have Ethan's wife? She has some commentary occasionally too. Oh, I took her. I took her off. See, that's oh, yeah. why. That's, probably, that's why I'm that's getting a good move. <clears throat> that's why I'm getting another stream deck because I've got I've got controls on one, and I've got to use one of those buttons to switch over to the soundboard. So I get All another right, so one gonna, so that it's right quick, there at my finger fingertips. Quick internal meeting. Instead of a stream deck for that, I, I can yeah. get you one of the panels that has like 48 keys for the soundboard if you want. Oh, geez. That can be like a expense for the show. It's not a stream deck, though. It's like a well, device I, I that might they use, I think, just for that. Might as well think about it. Well, we'll check it out. Yeah, we'll check it out. do shopping out. Yeah, let's. Shopping's a Tuesday activity. Definitely a Tuesday activity. It's not not for Sundays. Definitely on Sunday. We're driving right now on Sundays. That's what we're doing. All right, driving forward in this episode. Not a Rain Man callback at all. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ohio news station censors its own former lead news. This anchor. is actually really good. It's worth checking out. The Ben Swan interview is amazing too. But he covers that seventy eight percent of the deaths. I think in the UK, a new study released were done or by the vac. Excuse me, by the vaccinated. So unfortunately, the majority of the people that are dying um, in the UK. So let's and let's go so to Ben Swan that. first, because fun fact about Ben Swan, he's homeschooled five kids, the oldest being twenty or twenty-one. I was like, whoa, wow, he's he's homeschooling before it was like a thing. 
It's yeah. only become like really people talking about it. Internet 21st century. He's going back uh, 20 or 21 years to the beginning of the century. He's old school. He's original gangster homeschooler. He is. He's All right. Fan- so let's- it's a fantastic interview. We'll play whatever portion until he sort of makes that point. Then Christy Lee. Yeah. Let's get that in there. It's a four, only four minutes for Ben Swan. Also uh fun fact about Ben Swan. He used to cover the, the cartels, like the Mexican cartels, drug cartels. Like he's a legit, aware, aware of, aware he's of a legit uh, investigative journalist. I've kept an eye on his career for many years. And uh, he has a new uh, venture out called Sovereign. Sovereign. LD, can you can you pull that up? It's like a new social media site for freedom related people. And uh, if we are able to show up before the I video or after the video, I have Tony's, it here. Tony's got it though. Yeah. Unplanned so promo. Sovereign introducing Sovereign Premium Video plus social media. It's just like a sort of media slash social networking website he's building. Um, he has pandemic on there. COVID vaccine patents, uh, passports, he's a whole bunch of stuff. So there, there seems like it's still being built, but, or it's, you know, it's built, but it's still being worked on and, and improved upon. So now you can log in here you can set up a password. Uh, I don't know if this is, if they're asking for money in order. Now, to I mean, if we were being fair about this, Ben Swan to do this thing for us, he charges thousands of dollars to do that. We just did it for free. Cause we like Ben. We, we admire his work. We want freedom to continue growing and uh, support his, uh, his new media operation there at sovereign early birds, like grand theft world audience members who are early adopters of this type of freedom. You'll find your way through there. You know, it's beta. It's got some things to be improved. It's not all it can be yet, but with your help, maybe it can be, and uh, it can live to uh, have its first birthday next year. All right. So let's go to this uh, Ben Swan clip. He's also been making the rounds. I think he was on info wars. Where's this clip that we're going to see. Uh, that is from? info wars. Oh, this is his appearance on. Yeah, uh, no, it was very good. This is where Alex Jones praised him. It's like, you do like a 60 minute style you know, investigative journalist thing. And like, I really appreciate it. And love really helps wake people up and, you know, really we've been following your work and it looks great. And, you know, Yeah. I, I caught part of it. We had it, we were working in the woods with the chainsaw and I had him on speaker, but at one point I wasn't able to hear. And this must be that part, parts of that interview. Cause I only caught a couple minutes of it. All right. So let's check it out and we'll let it roll for a good bit. And then we'll give you the source material. If you want to watch the whole thing, this isn't grand theft auto folks. This isn't a video game. That's true. It's grand theft world. Investigative journalist Ben Swan is about to join us live. Here's an excerpt from his hit show, Hear the Suppressed Voices of the Vaccine Injured. An incredible day here in the U.S. Capitol as dozens of people who have been severely vaccine injured turned out to tell their stories. You told me this vaccine is safe and effective, period. And I believed you. In June, I joined the rapidly growing number of young men who developed pericarditis post-mRNA vaccine. It's been more than six months and most symptoms are worse, not better. I've been diagnosed with small fiber neuropathy and an autoimmune disease. Next week is his birthday. You know what, I better celebrate his birthday. It was like playing Russian roulette. My government lied to me. They said it was safe. They need to quit pushing this on their children. I'm, I lost mine. Y'all need to protect yours. Hey guys, welcome to the show. And today we're going to be showing you highlights from this incredible Senate hearing that was held here in Washington, D.C. Essentially people who have been severely vaccine injured coming forward and telling their stories, explaining what has happened to them. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be showing you individual stories. But today we're going to show you some of the highlights from this testimony. Take a look. 
over the last seven and a half months. And again, I wish we had data in the U.S. so we could point to that data, but we don't. If they're collecting it, they're not sharing with the American public. In the U.K., over the last seven and a half months, 80% of their cases have been Delta variant. Of the people who have died from COVID in the U.K. with the Delta variant over the last seven and a half months, 63% have been fully vaccinated. Over the last four weeks in the U.K., 78% of those that have died with the Delta variant from COVID, 78% have been fully vaccinated. They suffered a cascade of neurological systems that persisted for months. And while my life has improved, I still feel like I'm being electrocuted 24-7. For the first several months, I was totally alone. I kept my symptoms and my story completely to myself. I thought that this was an isolated incident. But in the spring, I started finding more and more like me. And before we knew it, there were thousands of us all of us unable to receive medical care, recognition, either from the drug companies, the CDC, the FDA. And now one of the most famous hockey players in Canada just died of a heart attack days after the shot, 30-something years old. All right, well, Ben Schwann is a great reporter. He's done so many you know, huge reports over the years that have been cutting edge. He's now he's launched Sovereign.media, and he's built his own platform reaching millions of people. He just launched the report you saw a piece of. Yesterday, hear the suppressed voices of the vaccine injured. Be sure and share that because nobody's going to cover that Senate hearing if we don't share it. And so that's why I'm glad Ben went there, got the interviews, got the great footage of it. And, and so thank God he's there. It makes us sleep better at night knowing not just OAN and InfoWars and Newsmax or Sovereign.media. I'm not going to go over his whole long 22 years of broadcasting or what he started in the last uh, year with uh, Sovereign Media. You can talk about that later now if you like. Uh, but I'd like to dive right into what he witnessed at this Senate hearing. Ben, great to have you back, my friend. Alex, thanks for having me on. It's been a long time, too long. You need to come on more often. Whenever you're, the door's always open. So, so, and we can catch up later in the interview, but thanks for coming on. Wow, what did you witness uh, at the Senate hearings a few days ago? Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. You know, I had thought, because I did a lot of early reporting, as you probably know, on the gain-of-function research in NIH and, and the Wuhan lab, right? And I thought that was the biggest scandal in modern history. I thought that was going to be it. And, and what I'm now seeing as a result of what was in this hearing and talking to these people for the last few weeks, the bigger scandal, there is actually a bigger scandal that is developing, and that is the vaccine injury that is taking place in the United States and around the world right now. On the VAERS website, which VAERS is very unreliable because it only gets about one one hundredth of the cases out there, there have been 800,000 vaccine injuries logged into VAERS, 800,000. Compare that to the seasonal flu, that gets about 3,000 every year. And that doesn't even begin to count because the, the dozens of people that I met, none of those people are in the VAERS system. They have different conditions, myocarditis, as well as you know, nerve damage, um, death in some cases, paralysis in some cases, very severe cases here, Alex. And what they're telling me is two very important things. Number one, the government will not recognize them, will not recognize that they've been injured. Their doctors gaslight them and tell them it's anxiety that's causing this. But the bigger issue, and I think this is an absolutely stunning issue, is that not only is that happening, but when they gather together on Facebook or some kind of, of social media platform, what they're telling me is that when they go to those platforms, they're being erased and they're being deleted, told that they are themselves either liars or they're not real. It is a growing scandal. 
uh, start laying this out because absolutely you've done some of the best digging into those thousands of pages that have come out the last few months. I want to get into that some next segment of Fauci combining the viruses, ordering in a function, just incredible stuff. And your reports have been you know, some of the best laid out uh, information on that very digestible and extremely viral uh, and hopefully to bring him to justice. But exactly now suppressing the real injury and death numbers, uh, that's that's just part and parcel of this overall evil story. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, they continue to lie. They continue to pretend that these people do not exist. You know, you have people who are so severely injured. And in some cases, you know, you have people who are committing suicide over these these conditions. That video that you were playing a clip of, at the end of that, we, we end it with a letter that is read. The woman, Brianne Dressen, who kind of worked to, with Senator Ron Johnson to put this event together, um, one of the things she said is that she personally knows nine people who were severely vaccine injured who have taken their own lives. And she reads a letter from a friend of hers, and it is absolutely heartbreaking. This friend saying, I can't continue to do this, saying goodbye to her, but also saying, they have erased me. They took my life from me. They pretend that I don't even exist anymore. And Alex, you, you talked about the, the soccer player. It's happening with professional athletes, soccer players, hockey players. It is happening. There's now stories of uh, a rising new surge in young women, 22 and 23 years old, who were suddenly dropping dead of heart attacks. When these things are happening in society, we would normally raise the flag and say, wait a minute, start waving your flag because there's quick, a problem LD. here. Pay attention. But because it's so heavily. Just real quick, um, I just want to show this for individuals that are, he mentioned athletes, are vaccinated athletes suffering uh, heart attacks. And I, I want to give a shout out to Andy Armour our mayor, um, for bringing this to my attention. Um, there's a website that's documenting um, uh, from, you know, major mainstream news media sources, all of the vaccine injuries that are happening in regards to major athletes around the world. You can just see here. Um, I'll just go through a couple the son, ex pharma football player dies to age 29, you know, uh, volleyball. Uh, this is the Hindustan times. Uh, this one volleyball player collapses during game dies, uh, goalie keepers from both teams collapse on pitch and are rushed to hustle. I mean, it could just go on and on. So they've been documenting, and this is huge list. Um, most of which have obviously been covered up. The media has not been covering this at all. I, I you know, I mentioned ESPN and they've been claiming like, has anyone actually been injured from this? They have no idea. And that's what they say. So continue onwards. I just wanted to bring that point home and th thank you, Andy, for bringing that to my attention in the Rockfin chat censored that broadcast media won't talk about it and social media will delete you for even mentioning vaccine injury. That's why we started the platform that we started, Sovereign.media. It is a social media platform so that people can go there, interact, and share content. Well, you're doing a great job and it's exploding, Ben. And, and expanding on that, like Dr. Zelenko says, they've been censoring since they launched this 21 months ago. It's a global takeover plan. Great reset. Yep. Operation Lockstep, and I'd like you to elaborate on that when we come back, because you're a smart guy too, your view on this, and, and, and is it premeditated now that we stop it, but the censorship, I mean, they knew the death was coming. They knew in, in similar vaccine trials that it killed most of the animals, so they knew exactly what they were doing. Yep, they absolutely knew that. And not only that, not only did they know what they were doing, but that's the reason they have rushed to the mandates. Time is not on their side. The longer time goes on, the more that people are able to see what they're doing. They'll also see the results of people getting these vaccines. Two very important numbers before you go to break. In the UK, where they actually are monitoring data, 
Seven weeks ago, we saw 63% of all the people dying of COVID were double vaccinated. Four weeks ago, that number had risen to 78%. 78% of the people in the UK who are dying of COVID are double vaccinated. It does not work as a vaccine. It does seem to work in terms of expediating death. It's the poison death shot, as Zelenko says. All right. Well, Ben Swan has laid this all out in very journalistic, you know, 60-minute style reports. And I just... Why would you inject them with a poison death shot? You know, love sharing with people because it shuts them up real quick. It's one thing to watch like hours of me ranting and showing articles, but when it's put together in a news format, very effective at waking people up. You can say to yourself that we have a lot of bad news on this show, but knowing that your house is on fire is, is bad news. Not knowing is really bad news. Knowing you got a hole in your backyard, you got a full, so you don't break your ankle and you're out there at night is a good thing, not a bad thing. We've gotten where we're at by denying what's going on. And now we have the UN, Pfizer-run, world government, world ID, all coming out to forcibly inject us with something that we know is wreaking havoc and that erases our immune system and triggers cancer and attacks our DNA. That's all confirmed with Big Pharma and the Rockefeller Foundation and Bill Gates, who all say they want to depopulate us, running it. And, and now it's here. And they're calling it the Great Reset to save the Earth and saying we're doing this to stop the virus. The virus is us. And so Ben Swan's been doing a great job as a well-known, award-winning investigative journalist, 20-plus years on air, spearheading and doing a great job at analyzing this. So continue with the big picture here and, and just all this news uh, that's coming out. And then I want to ask you the question. If we know it's premeditated and they're doing it, and, and the good news is folks are waking up, why did they do it? Well, I think the answer is they still thought they'd get away with it, even if they got caught, which it looks like because all the major intelligence agencies and Justice Department systems like our FBI are controlled by these people. So we know that what they're doing, but they're still just moving against us with it. Yeah, I think that's the most incredible part, Alex, is when you when you describe what you just described, which is that all of this has been laid out. They're not even hiding what they're doing, that all of it's premeditated. It's the, the, the plans have been laid bare, but there's no concern. There was even, look, I, I believe today, uh, Senator Rand Paul was questioning once again Dr. Fauci in front of Congress about gain-of-function research, right? And he's, t he's telling him, you keep lying in front of Congress over and over saying that none of this is gain of function, right? But here it is very clearly, and the evidence comes out. Fauci's not afraid. He's not afraid to go out there and sit in front of Congress and lie again and say you're wrong and call, uh, call Rand Paul names. He's not worried about it at all. Why? Because they know they control the levers of power. All the levers of power. They've, they've wrapped their hands around them for about 40 years. We know this has been a long process. People like you, Alex, have been, have been warning about this for decades telling people this is on its way and, and nobody's listening to you, right? They're not listening. Well, not nobody, but you know what I mean? As, as a general population, people aren't listening. And then all of a sudden, all the levers get pulled at once. And now it creates pandemonium, complete panic, where people are like, where did this come from? How did this happen? And so the folks who have been listening to you are able to say, no, we know what's happening because someone's been warning us for a long time that this was on its way. But there's a huge segment of the population that's just confused right now. And so they're so confused by what's happening that all they're trying to do is comply so that life will return to normal. And what they're not recognizing is, is that life is not going back. We are not going back to where we were before, because as you said, this was all planned. It was designed. It was put together. And they know that when they fire large portions of the police, the nurses, the firefighters, the doctors, 
the, the uh, infrastructure workers, the power company workers, that society will collapse, which is exactly what these big mega banks want, because then they'll come in and take control of it. I mean, this is their great reset to destroy the infrastructure because they'll be the only groups left standing. Uh, I mean, it's all or nothing. This is a modern form of war. And, and, and finally, the public's starting to get that. We don't get to have gas pipelines, but Russia does. We don't get to have borders, but everybody else does. I mean, this is we're under attack. How do we counter that? Well, obviously, we have to counter it in part with information, right? So, and, and, and that's what our job is, right? You and I, that our job is to give people the information, let them know what's happening. But then we need action. And I think part of that action is non-compliance, refusal to continue to comply with these kinds of orders. So what we are seeing right now in terms of firefighters, police officers, nurses who were just saying, we're not going to comply, we're going to walk out. I think that there's a shock that you can send back to the system. I agree with you. That is a, a planned course of action. They want to create a collapse. But you can also shock the system by refusing to comply and creating enough panic within that system that they'll that the people who don't have control of it will bring you back. And that's what I'm hopeful will happen. If we can get enough people to walk away and refuse to comply anymore, I think that's a big beginning step in a lot of this. And then the other step to it is that we need more and more people who are just willing to say, we're going to remove from power on the local level the cowardly, uh, deceptive people who are in power right now, not on the national level, forget about the national level, on your local level, who is in control of your city as mayor, who is in control of your school boards, right? Those people, who is your police chief? Let's get those people out, your local sheriff, get them out if they are going along with this, because you have the most power at the local level. Take back that power, and then we'll see it expand from there. But everyone who's worried about where are we gonna be, you know, and the next presidential election, that is getting ahead of yourselves. Fix the local level right now. That is your best chance to exact change in this moment. And Ben Swan, I totally agree with what you're saying 100%. They're trying to use this global mandate as a way to have a purge of those of us uh, that aren't going to go along with the New World Order in their own great reset words. We can use it as a litmus test of who really is good, who's really bad, regardless if they claim they're a Christian or a conservative or a liberal or who they are, where they stand on an issue like health freedom and our children's future is 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 going to be key and what you said just a few minutes ago is, is even more true ontario and quebec back down on vaccine mandate for healthcare workers school teachers government bureaucrats because even their own bureaucrats said screw this we're not going to go along they were more than happy to have regular mom and pops go bankrupt but then finally the bureaucrats said we don't want to take this deadly crap either and so it, the whole government was shutting down the whole so they had to back off so see as long as enough of us don't go along as long as we identify that the globalists are doing this to imprison us then it's going to backfire if they can just do all this carnage and the lockdowns and, and the shots and the viruses and we don't know they'll keep posing as the saviors and get more power that was the plan so they either gain all the power out of this or they all go to prison and now it's starting to shift towards the prison yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely is. And, and you, what we can't allow them to do is this slow drip purge, right? The slow drip purge is the most dangerous if you're standing up for freedom, because what happens is you pick off a few people here and there, and then others will see that and say, well, then there's no hope, right? Because if they can take them out and get rid of them and destroy their lives, they'll destroy mine and no one's going to stand up for me. So our only power is, is in unity and working together. The other thing, and I want to say this, it's not a commercial by any means, but you know, I hear you, Alex, talking about InfoWars stories. Com, right? It is so important. 
that people buy from your store and from other you know small businesses that is so critical and it, and it might not sound like a big deal it's a very big deal when you look at these tech companies like Amazon and what they are doing in the marketplace we we have empowered them and this is actually sickens me a little bit that we empower these giant tech corporations by giving them our money and then they turn around and bludgeon our lives rob our children of their futures you know that i i've been a homeschooling parent my entire life right i have five kids my oldest is 21 but i homeschooled them their whole life had nothing to do with covid obviously it was long before that but i've been telling people for a long time the system's corrupt get your kids out of it right and so then these we watch these big companies that we pump money into just destroy our families and destroy everything around us and we keep giving them our money and that's crazy to me so another way that you can if you want to do something is stop and opt out of these systems that fund and finance the very people who hate you. Stop giving money to people who hate you. Well, by the way, what you're saying is beyond revolutionary. It's the key to how we save our civilization and save ourselves. We have to build our own infrastructure, our own networks, and communications is first and foremost. That's why listeners supporting what you're doing, supporting what we're doing, just spreading the word, just praying for us, but also buying the products, supporting the sponsors. This is a war. That's what they're trying to not just deplatform us, but debank us and take our credit cards away because they understand they've got to silence focal points like InfoWars and like what you're doing with Sovereign Media. I, I, look, I love the work you're doing at Sovereign since you fired it up. I love your previous work. We got, we're going to break in 30 seconds, but tell us some about Sovereign Media. Yeah, so Sovereign is a, a social media platform, streaming video. Obviously, Alex, you guys have your platform, right? So we're not trying to replace platforms. What we're trying to do is bring back to it the communication part of social media that allows for easy sharing. By the way, I'd love to have you come over and bring Band.Video over to Sovereign and have a channel for it there, because that's what we want. Yes, right? sir, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it right now. Situation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we need to see. Sovereign, S-O-V-R-E-N dot media. Let's get people over there so we can communicate with each other and continue to build each other. I totally agree. And you're welcome to get a channel on Bandot Video. Let's do it. Let's all synergistically work together. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. Paul Joseph Watson has taken over in the fourth hour out of the war room with Owen Schroyer. But listen, RT's got the footage. It's being posted at Infowars.com. Here's the headline. Watch election worker allow non-citizens to fill out ballot. In tight New Jersey race, the illegal aliens have been told they're allowed to vote. Democrats have tried to pass laws in what eight states I know of, like California, Illinois, you name it, and New Jersey. Hell, I let illegal aliens vote in statewide elections, not just city elections. I mean, this is just next level. An undercover video released by Project Veritas shows a poll worker allowing a man claiming to be a non-citizen to fill out a ballot for the New Jersey gubernatorial race. It was called for Democratic incumbent Phil Murphy who found 40,000 votes in the middle of the night after he had, uh, you know, the first day it looks like he was losing, but then magically they always find the ballots. So that's just incredible information. You know, Ben Swan, investigative journalist, is here with us. This all ties into the same thing. You're not supposed to question rigging in elections, even though it's just evidence is overwhelming. They're in Georgia and Atlanta saying a water main broke, blocking the windows, looking around both ways and pulling out briefcases and running ballots that turned out to all be for Joe Biden. I mean, this is smoking gun stuff. And then Biden just issues a national security directive that the main terrorists, people that question lockdowns, are election fraud. I mean, it's, it's clear they're trying to brand us as terrorists and roll ahead with this with January 6th. What's your view on how it's going for them and what they're going to do now that despite all their fraud, they've lost basically every election except New Jersey they clearly stole? 
They were right, exactly. I was going to say, and they and they clearly lost New Jersey as well. I think that's that's pretty clear. But they have they they've been decimated in this last election. But that's really not surprising. I mean, you and I both know when you steamroll over the population with radical ideas and completely shift uh, the narrative of what it means to be an American, right? And when you start allowing tens of thousands of people to cross the border unchecked hundreds of thousands, and I think they're on track to about two million new people in the country. It's, it's absolutely incredible to watch it happening. And so there's a natural backlash. The question is, is the backlash able to compensate uh, for what's happened? Because here's the problem. If we're talking about the electoral system, if there's a backlash, you can't just say, okay, well, let's vote out these, these bums and bring in a new set of bums. We can't do that again because that's happened in the past. As you know, you know, remember the, the Tea Party, when the Tea Party came along in the first, uh, um, the first era of the Obama administration, and in that first term, we thought the Tea Party was supposed to come in and fix some of this, this tax situation. They didn't, they became big spenders as well. So one of the things that's so critical is that we get principled people who are very clear about what they want to do to change things to run for office. And that's gonna be a, a big part of this. And you know, I'm not a big fan of the left, that left-right paradigm. I know you're not as well. Just because someone calls themselves a Republican does not mean anything or a Democrat doesn't mean anything. You gotta look at the character of these people. We need principled people, the best people in our country to run for office with clear plans on how to not just uh, push back against what's been happening, but to remove some of this bureaucratic state, to actually carve it out, because that, that has to happen as well. You're absolutely right. Ben, I just admire your work so much, and I know you've got a thousand stories out there, so I could ask a lot of questions. I've got five or six questions, but in the time we have left, the last five minutes or so, what else is big on your radar screen? What else are you focused on right now? Well, there's a couple of things I think that are especially important. So as we were talking about this vaccine injury thing, it's a very big deal. But but people need to continue to be reminded and shown the evidence of the fact that none of this is by chance. It's not reactionary. There are two very important reports that we have up uh, right now at Sovereign.media. One of them shows that, you know, Moderna actually claimed that the, they had a right to the vaccine patent. They needed it because there was going to be a huge COVID outbreak, a huge coronavirus and SARS outbreak in the next few months. They literally told this uh, to the FDA when they were trying to get uh, the patents for their drugs. And then the other thing that's very important is that when we look at the story of the uh, excuse me of coronavirus itself and where it came from in the Wuhan lab, there is a new part of that story which we've been reporting on that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, and that is the fact that EcoHealth Alliance wasn't just running a gain-of-function program, which they absolutely were, but it was more than that. Part of that program was a vaccine program, and it's all laid out in about a 76-page grant application that was sent to DARPA just two years before COVID came along. And essentially, it says, not only are we going to study coronavirus, but we are creating a vaccine through who? Ralph Barrick over at UNC. We've heard his name a lot of times. And they were creating the vaccine that was supposed to go along with the virus they were creating. And I think that's incredibly important because it's not just an issue of we have corrupt uh, pharmaceutical companies who have tried to take advantage. We, that was the reason we had a vaccine, it seems, that came along so quickly. No, this was a long-term premeditated globalist depopulation operation with yeah. thousands of pages, as you pointed out, uh, Fauci saying merge these five viruses out of the jungle, add HIV delivery system to it, get the Pentagon's permission to spray it open air in China. I guess so they could try to blackmail the Pentagon. I mean, you can just all of this is like SWAT teams should be grabbing and they should never be seen again. I mean, this is just like 
the worst this is like 12 monkeys for real and then they're all into depopulation bill gates and fauci go to depopulation summits and give each other awards i mean this is freaking ridiculously obvious well, and, and the one thing I would say is, no, I, I disagree. They they shouldn't be grabbed and never seen again. They should be. No, I mean, I'm joking. Compare, I mean, in their system, no, no, I totally no, no. agree. They should be put right, on trial. Everything should come out. We should know what happened. Yes, yes. See it all. Let's let's show them for exactly who they are. And every single one of them should be publicly tried. I just saw you had Roger Stone on before me. Listen, what happened with Roger Stone is disgraceful, but it was made into such a show. And yet you have these people who are some of the worst people on the planet who are in these incredible positions of power. Those people need to have cameras outside their house when the FBI goes in at five in the morning and takes them out. And those people need to sit on trial for the entire world to watch and be found guilty. And, and I totally agree. I was talking fast as yeah. I do. Real quick. Um, I just want to get this on the record. I meant to get it on the record. We're in the Fauci section, but um, over, this is from the national pulse uh, exclusive over 20 Fauci funded researchers have served at the Chinese communist run at Wuhan lab. So just real quickly, first sentence, I'll let it go over 20 American scientists who have received taxpayer funds from 637 grants by Anthony Fauci's NIAID have also served as visiting lecturers and researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the national park pulse can exclusively reveal, and it goes into all the evidence therein. But I wanted to get that on the record as well because you mentioned Fauci and funding and, and uh, the anti-Chinese CIA propaganda, Tony. <laughs> Nothing. Well, to you see know there. what's funny? Look it's at the wet market. Look at the wet market. Come on, just look at the wet market. <laughs> well, you have a America. Come on, look at the wet market. <laughs> Damn you! Well, you know what's funny is it's America, France, and. Uh, China, all implicated in this. So they can play the blame game if they are. All right. Well, if you're closing so an open government, loop, I'm going to close another open loop, bad. and then we'll cover Ben Swan's story in a second. Mm -hmm. I knew that when um, Aaron Rodgers said, drove the last nail into the cancel culture, I was, I was guessing coffin, but he said casket. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this quarterback thinks in alliterations because he – he threw the third C out there, right? Like he's a cancel culture gasket. Yeah. Right. So I thought that was a mark of intelligence early in that conversation. Now let's go back to Ben Swan. Um, coincidence or premeditated <clears throat> was mentioned several times throughout the Alex Jones, Ben Swan interview. When I started podcasting in 2006, it was the nine 11 synchronicity podcast synchronicity. There's all these, uh, you know, overlaps right so the subtitle of the show was coincidence or premeditated because there's a lot of coincidences and if you have enough of those and there's this other evidence that shows that they're talking about beforehand maybe they made it happen on purpose not let it happen on purpose right maybe they stood to benefit and wanted it to happen on their schedule and not wait for these guys to hijack some airplanes maybe they wanted to facilitate and aggravate that whole situation there any Wouldn't symbolic be... meaning to 9-11 itself you know maybe they wrote about it in the pnac document and said we need a new pearl harbor like the yeah. world trade center in 1993 and all these sort of things that they were talking about back then right all right so ben swan he's talking about fbi raiding and like doing justice and we do have a story the next story is about an fbi raid an fbi raid on the bad guys right I'd say if we can FBI get, uh, raid on journalists. Oh, go ahead. That I was, was my segue. We, you got a better segue? Go ahead. 
Is that the same? Well, which one were you looking at actually? Maybe we're not looking at the same. The one where James O'Keefe's organization got raided by the FBI oh, this one, week. Yeah, Instead of them raiding one, the criminals during the COVID, they're they're raiding the journalists covering the criminals, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's no, almost right. as if it's not coincidence, it's premeditated, and they're premeditatively covering up the You know what's interesting about that one, Rich, is that yeah. they've known about that. Like they've been sitting on that situation oh, yeah. for nearly a year. And it's what a, is the Ashley Biden diary or whatever. Is she, how is she related to Hunter? His dad. His daughter, uh daughter in law. What is it's supposed to be daughter? I thought. It's supposed Ooh. to be the daughter Ooh. of Joe Biden. And Ooh. now According to James O'Keefe, um, they couldn't verify it, which is why they never reported on it. Um, but they did follow up on the lead, and the FBI knew about this for well over a year before they followed up. I have makes not me... seen this diary. I don't okay. know how O'Keefe got this diary, but I do know from the Hunter Biden laptop that it's openly discussed. There's a whole bunch of untoward stuff going on over there, and I can only imagine. Did you I, see I don't some even of the stuff imagine. out of the vi- diary? Some of the shit that I was didn't, said? I mean, I didn't. No, I didn't. And I didn't okay. look at any pictures or video from Hunter Biden or any of that stuff. But I just remember quotes from texts that he was sending to his dad about the the granddaughter that he was accosting. That's the most polite word I would use. Yeah. For, that's for the point I was going to. Right. There's a whole bunch. And that's his, like his dead brother's wife's daughter. That's Joe Biden's granddaughter. That Hunter is like fiddling around with to say the very least about it. Cause I didn't see the actual evidence. I'm just alluding to the stories that were allowed to be published on it. Yeah. FBI for you. So what did they do with O'Keefe? Yeah. Let's check that out. It's a small video. Yep. What happened to Veritas? And was Veritas ready? I saw O'Keefe reading the air night from 1984. I want to play that afterwards too. I want to see that chapter where he's like by the fireplace. I was like, good for you, James. Like he doesn't seem to be crumbling under the pressure. It's almost like he's like, he embraces it. He's someone who he kind of, I think gets off on it a little bit. Come on, play that card. Go ahead. Do it. Let's see. Will they Epstein him? Hope not. Hopefully they don't Seth rich him either statement, I am putting myself at great risk because on November 4th, Project Veritas came under attack. I woke to the news that apartments and homes of Project Veritas journalists, or former journalists, had been raided by FBI agents. It appears the Southern District of New York now has journalists in their sights for the supposed crime of doing their jobs lawfully and honestly, or at least this journalist. I had to think long and hard before making this statement. It's a decision that Only I can make. They don't want me to defend myself and immediately try to silence me. That's why the cover letter to the grand jury subpoena we received contains this language. Quote, the government hereby requests that you voluntarily refrain from disclosing the existence of the subpoena to any third party. While you are under no obligation to comply with our request, we are requesting you not to make any disclosure in order to preserve the confidentiality of the investigation and because the disclosure of the existence of this investigation might interfere with and impede Yo, the pause that. I'm Unquote. sorry. Pause but, that. That is crazy. That's crazy. So it's like, we're going to raid your home, but can you still just keep quiet about all this? Like really? We're trying to build a case against you, James. Yeah, we're we trying to build a right. Don't tell people Jeez, <laughs> who might crazy. come to your aid. If that doesn't... It's, 
it's almost like uh, power or Etienne's. It's almost government. Like, I don't know what else will at this point. I'm not it's making a direct like organized crime. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's almost like I don't want to make right. an accusation, but it's almost like when a rapist is like, shh, shh, be quiet. Right. I mean, the, yeah. they're, they're penetrating. It's almost worse like organization. that because it's gaslighting saying like, not the saying be quiet, but you enjoy this while in the act. Like it's, that's how fucked up this whole situation is. It's mind boggling. Excuse me. They language, had a, but, they had yeah. a pool going on over there at the justice department like is o'keefe going to publish it or not like 51 percent were like yeah he's going to publish it what do you have to say etienne delabueti squared uh so again uh you know when you when you look at it through the lens of organized crime then everything in washington dc makes sense uh yeah there is trillions of dollars missing from the pentagon billions of dollars in physical cash you can't find in iraq the Fourteen thousand dollar toilet seats, the four hundred thousand dollar F thirty five helmets, Pentagon's Bishop's Fund, the Fat Leonard scandal. But I just you go on and on and on. When you're like, oh, it's organized crime, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense to everything. Franklin That's cover up, all that it. stuff yeah, kind of makes yeah. drug running, Barry Seal, and the whole John I mean, Podesta. Oh my you know, goodness, went on with That's a little bit more nebulous, but comment ping. I mean, oh, then the email leaks with. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton it also makes and sense the why they would put a journalist like Assange and torture him and lie about him. Yeah, why? Yeah, uh, uh, it is the essence of it that just organized crime. That just it's it nice. It's organized crime, and that really is the key that unlocks all the locks and uh, and makes sense out of everything that's going on. And you know what what's going on with Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like, uh, you know, they when they Michael Hastings people and someone yeah. like Putin says, you know, in my country, you accuse me of assassinating political opponents. And in your country, you have car crashes and people walk out to the woods and have accidents or something to that effect. Yeah, right. And he's just more open about it. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm ex-KGB. Yeah. Like think? if you go to another yeah. country, you might find it common that they will extort you. Police, government. These I have a things, Ukrainian right? friend, and he tells me straight up what goes on over there. It's much There's more just conspicuous not as many and straightforward polish than it is on here. The turd. Yeah, right, that's exactly right. <laughs> They've been shining. Well, I mean, in, in in Russia, you've got the ex head of the secret police, right? Things. And in the United States, with Bush Senior and Bush Junior, you either had the ex head of the secret running things, or his kid surrounded by all of his activities. All the neocon Straussian, <laughs> Leo Straussian, Chicago University type of dudes that all believed in reestablishing a sort of Plato's Republic. Mind and you. there's definitely not people who participated in the assassination of JFK who are still alive. And that's why Biden had to roll back the records from being released again. Uh, mm, still parties involved with that. Sense waiting parties, for a I few guess. people to drop off. So, yeah. A couple yeah. more. Actually, they'll never. They'll they never had an actuary. There's too much of an indictment or... against government itself. They'll never, because yeah, that's my speculation. It's good. It's good. <laughs> All right. So uh, the other Veritas clip was uh, James O'Keefe with 1984. Okay. So now he's like taking him to task with some literary etiquette by the fireplace, like he's Dennis Prager. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Most people would have said FDR, but I know my audience. Dennis Prager, that's fantastic. 
There's no dog. He needed a dog by the fireplace. It would have been all set. Dog and a Bible. And sort of a strong moral. And an American flag or some Betsy Ross type thing in the background. There you go. All right. So did you find it, LD? Because that's an uh, audible. Well, I'm know. searching I don't even know if it's in the it's show not, card. It's not in the title. Just go to Pro- it's a Project Veritas YouTube page. Excuse me. And it's okay. a recent video. It's maybe eight minutes long. And that was totally an audible. I'm sorry. It's not in the show card. We could finish while you're finding that. How much more? How many more minutes are on that other one? We could finish that or just Swanee. go to Yeah, there's Wizzy five minutes me. left of that. Let me let me look for that. Yeah, go ahead and look for that. And you go doing it live. Department of Justice requested us to not disclose the existence of the subpoena. Something very unusual happened. Within an hour of one of our reporters' homes being secretly raided by the FBI, the New York Times, who we are currently suing for defamation, contacted the Project Veritas reporter to ask for comment. We do not know how the New York Times was aware of the execution of a search warrant at our reporter's home or the subject matter of the search warrant as a grand jury investigation is secret. The FBI took materials of current former Project Veritas journalists, despite the fact that our legal team previously contacted the Department of Justice and voluntarily conveyed unassailable facts that demonstrate Project Veritas's lack of involvement in criminal activity and or criminal intent. Like any reporter, we regularly deal with the receipt of source information and take steps to verify its authenticity, legality, and newsworthiness. Our efforts were the stuff of responsible, ethical journalism, and we are in no doubt that Project Veritas acted properly at each and every step. However, it appears journalism itself may now be on trial. Late last year, we were approached by tipsters claiming they had a copy of Ashley Biden's diary. We had never met or heard of the tipsters. The tipsters indicated the diary had been abandoned in a room in which Ms. Biden stayed at the time and in which the tipsters stayed in temporarily after Ms. Biden departed the room. The tipsters indicated that the diary included explosive allegations against then-candidate Joe Biden. The tipsters indicated that they were negotiating with a different media outlet for the payment of monies for the diary. The tipsters were represented by attorneys who handled the negotiations with Project Veritas. We investigated the claims provided to us, as journalists do. We took steps to corroborate the authenticity of the diary. At the end of the day, we made the ethical decision that because, in part, we could not determine if the diary was real, if the diary, in fact, belonged to Ashley Biden, or if the contents of the diary occurred, we could not publish the diary in any part thereof. We attempted to return the diary to an attorney representing Ms. Biden, but that attorney refused to authenticate it. Project Veritas gave the diary to law enforcement to ensure it could be returned to its rightful owner. We never published it. Now, Ms. Biden's father's Department of Justice, specifically the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, appears to be investigating the situation, claiming the diary was stolen. We don't know if it was, but it begs the question, in what world is the alleged theft of a diary investigated by the president's FBI and Pause. his Department of Justice. Pause. A I di- know the answer. What is Watergate? That's what was stolen. It was diary. Do you guys know that there's, there's a story? Yeah. 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 There's, so there's, there's something there and he probably knows that. And that was like a veiled, not a threat towards them. Yeah. I'm they sure claimed it was the tapes, but there was a diary. Yeah. 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 And uh, it was, 
It was Mary. I think it was Mary's diary, and she ended up brutally slain on a yeah, DC freeway. I think Cord right Meyer, Mary Meyer, Cord I mean, Meyer's wife. Yeah. He was one of the ones that ran special ops. He hated JFK. He was involved in the assassination. She had a diary. James Angleton knew she had a diary. He had several meetings with her. She felt uncomfortable. Like the, she was a part of the Georgetown set. She's with all the people that killed Kennedy. Okay. That's what Watergate's really about. It's not about like breaking into the election office. That was just, that was the misdirect. That was the hearing. I got another piece of the story. The diary wasn't in the safe. Somebody took it home that night to read it. And I know someone who knew someone, and this is like the other part of the story they don't tell people, right? So there's a famous diary in history, which led to the downfall of a presidency. Here's the other thing that I just, you know, observed from watching that clip. I kind of seen parts of it, you know, when it came out, but here's the, the essence. When O'Keefe is trying to, like, if he was under questioning, uh, or if the people that found the diary in the hotel, if they're under questioning, did you try to return the diary to the person who lost it, right? Before you went and tried to sell it, did you try to return it? Did you try to do the right thing? They weren't around, so you just went with the other opportunity. And then O'Keefe uh, has this opportunity where he could ask Ashley Biden if it's her diary. Hey, did you lose this? Is this yours? And this could be a question that press asks people. Right. So there would be a statement from the other side and the statement from the other side could be like, we have no knowledge of it. They could totally deny it. Or they could be like, well, we don't know. And there's no authenticity, but what did they do? They came and said, it's a real thing. Yeah. And we're coming after you with a lawsuit because it is her diary a year and later who, after and who can bring, this. who can bring the Southern district of New York to, Oh, it's her dad's the president. Is that how it works? That's justice, right? Where you just phone in and make people your private justice department. How did the New York Times know? I think that's a good observation. That's a really well. good one. That one's Except very if you watch Three Days of the Condor with yeah, Bob Redford, right. he tells you they it's don't like publish. they're part of the CIA. Yeah, right. That's how. 100%. That's why they're coming, you know, because it ain't just the FBI, O'Keefe. You know, the CIA was seems almost a little honeypotish. Not yeah, that I'm saying it, was it is, all, but it is. Watergate's little... all the whole diary story from Watergate. That's all CIA. That's not mm -hmm. just FBI. FBI helps to cover up to the domestic stuff that the CIA. Yeah, FBI does, does the dirty work, right? But the CIA is the think tank. The yeah, historically yeah, speaking, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not. You know, I'm speaking in a generality, not the specific case by case, which is usually that thing. That yeah, no, CIA is some field operatives too, certainly. But you know, the FBI usually does. Just like MI6 work. isn't supposed to operate in America, CIA is not supposed to operate in America either. And if you believe that i can you can believe anything sell you a puppy that i got from fauci they can sell you a vaccine too poor snoopy all right so uh o'keefe did we find 1984 yes yeah i can fireside chat with jimmy o'keefe <laughs> a reading from the book of orwell book two chapter nine and if it is necessary to rearrange one's memories or to tamper with written records, then it is necessary to forget that one has done so. The trick of doing this can be learned like any other mental technique. It is learned by the majority of party members and certainly by all who are intelligent as well as orthodox. In old speak, it is called, quite frankly, reality control. In new speak, it is called doublethink. Though doublethink comprises much else as well. Doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs 
in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. The party intellectual knows in which direction his memories must be altered. He therefore knows that he is playing tricks with reality. But by the exercise of doublethink, he also satisfies himself that reality is not violated. The process has to be conscious, or it would not be carried out with sufficient precision. But it also has to be unconscious, or it would bring with it a feeling of falsity and hence of guilt. Doublethink lies at the very heart of Insoc, since the essential act of the party is to use conscience deception while retaining the firmness of purpose that goes with complete honesty to tell deliberate lies while genuinely believing in them, to forget any fact that has become inconvenient, and then when it becomes necessary again, to draw it back from oblivion for just so long as it is needed, to deny the existence of objective reality and all the while to take account of this reality which one denies. All this is indispensably necessary. Even in using the word doublethink, it is necessary to exercise doublethink, for by using the word, one admits that one is tampering with reality. By a fresh act of doublethink, one erases this knowledge, and so on indefinitely, with the lie always one leap ahead of the truth. Ultimately, it is by means of doublethink that the party has been able, and may, for all we know, continue to be able for thousands of years to arrest the course of history. All past oligarchies have fallen from power either because they ossified or because they grew soft. Either they became stupid and arrogant, failed to adjust themselves to changing circumstances and were overthrown, or they became liberal and cowardly, made concessions when they should have used force, and once again were overthrown. They fell, that is to say, either through consciousness or through unconsciousness. It is the achievement of the party to have produced a system of thought in which both conditions can exist simultaneously. And upon no other intellectual basis could the dominion of the party be made permanent. If one is to rule, and to continue ruling, one must be able to dislocate the sense of reality. For the secret of rulership is to combine a belief in one's own infallibility with the power to learn from past mistakes. It need hardly be said that the subtlest practitioners of doublethink are those who invented doublethink and know that it is a vast system of mental cheating. In our society, those who have the best knowledge of what is happening are also those who are furthest from seeing the world as it is. In general, the greater the understanding, the greater the delusion. The more intelligent, the less sane. One clear illustration of this fact is that war hysteria increases in intensity as one rises in the social scale. Those whose attitude towards war is most nearly rational are the subject of peoples of disputed territories. To these people, the war is simply a continuous calamity which sweeps to and fro over the bodies like a tidal wave. Which side is winning is a matter of complete indifference to them. They are aware that a change of overlordship simply means they will be doing the same work as before for new masters who treat them in the same manner as the old ones. The slightly more favored workers who we call the proles are only intermittently conscious of the war. When it is necessary, they can be prodded into frenzies of fear and hatred. But when left to themselves, they are capable of forgetting for long periods the war is happening. It is in the ranks of the party, and above all, the inner party, that the true war enthusiasm is found. World conquest is believed and most firmly by those who know it to be impossible. This peculiar linking together of opposites, knowledge with ignorance, cynicism with fanaticism, is one of the chief distinguishing marks of the oceanic society. 
The official ideology abounds with contradictions even when there is no practical reason for them. Thus, the party rejects and vilifies every principle for which the socialist movement originally stood. And it chooses to do this in the name of socialism. It preaches a contempt for the working class, unexampled for centuries past, and it dresses its members in a uniform which is at one time peculiar to manual workers and was adopted for that reason. It systematically undermines the solidarity of the family, and it calls its leader by a name which is a direct appeal to the sentiment of family loyalty. Even the names of the four ministries by which we are governed exhibit a sort of imprudence in their deliberate reversal of the facts. The Ministry of Peace concerns itself with war. The Ministry of Truth with lies. The Ministry of Love with torture. And the Ministry of Plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink. For it is only by reconciling contradictions that power can be retained indefinitely. In no other way could the ancient cycle be broken. If human equality is to be forever averted, if the high, as we call them, are to keep their places permanently, then the prevailing mental condition must be controlled in sanity. But then there is one question, which until this moment we have almost ignored. It is, why should human equality be averted? Supposing that the mechanics of the process have been rightfully described, what is the motive for this huge, accurately planned effort to freeze history at a particular moment in time? Hence, we reach the central secret. As we have seen, the mystique of the party, and above all the inner party, depends upon doublethink. But deeper than this lies the original motive, the never-questioned instinct that first led to the seizure of power and brought doublethink, the thought police, continuous warfare, and all the other necessary paraphernalia into existence afterwards. This motive really consists. Winston became aware of silence, as one becomes aware of a new sound. It seemed to him that Julia had been very still for some time. She was lying on her side, naked from the waist upwards, with her cheek pillowed on her hand and one dark lock tumbling across her eyes. Winston had still, he reflected, not learned the ultimate secret. He understood how, he did not understand why. Chapter one, like chapter three, had not actually told him anything he did not know. It had merely systematized the knowledge that he possessed already. But after reading it, he knew better than before that he was not mad. Being in a minority, even a minority of one, did not make you mad. There was truth and there was untruth. If you cling to the truth, even against the whole world, you were not mad. A yellow beam from the sinking sun slanted in through the window and fell across the pillow. He shut his eyes. The sun on his face and the girl's smooth body touching his own gave him a strong, sleepy, confident feeling. He was safe. Everything was all right. He fell asleep murmuring, sanity is not statistical, with the feeling that this remark contained in it a profound wisdom. Well played, Mr. O'Keefe. I, I was wondering if it was a gas fireplace or those were actual logs. I was thinking the same thing while I was watching. Yeah. It means a lot more if they're real logs, James. I th- but he was smoking a real cigar in that room. So they're probably real logs. I'll Do you like how they cued it. the the fire burning sound? What oh, yeah, at the end. At the end, the end that's, yeah. you know, because uh, you know, 65% of a film experience is the sound. The sound. Very well executed. He read on this Kindle. 
I guess that's all right. Right. You're reading on a Kindle. Yeah. So you see I the mean, books on the mantle and then he's reading from a Kindle and I'm like, bro, just get a nice old copy of 1984, you know? But, and you know, if he did uh, some Glenn Becky type of uh, moving cameras, that could be very compelling, almost dramatic. Whereas yeah. just like two angles of him sitting there, like that's good coverage. It's a great video, but I'm thinking like, he's going to maybe start stepping it up because he's getting an audience. He's being persecuted in front of everybody in a very ironic way. It's very Kafka. He has a pretty big audience. I mean, even the daily the like, journalist. Yeah. There's a lot of like more mainstreamish sort of conservative or libertarian. Now on the other side, but... do you think Hunter Biden's dad's like, you know, doing this because it's logical and reasonable, or do you think he's like emotionally involved? Cause it's his daughter's stuff. I don't even know if he's aware like this. The, so I've, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I've talked to, I was talking to son in the background who uh, participates on the town hall. And she said, look, um, this seems to be a massive misdirection. Um, it's as if they're putting this in there and allowing this to sort of circulate throughout the alternative media sphere. And I wonder what else is happening in the background. Not that this isn't a real issue for James O'Keefe and Project Veritas they're dealing with and Godspeed to them and having to handle all of this and they're all the journalists. That's crazy. That got raided by the FBI. I'm not downplaying the severity of that and what they're going through, but it seems like they want to cloud muddy up the water, so to speak, with a lot of the other narratives that are going on, especially in the alternative sphere, uh, an alternative news cycle or what alternative media sources pick up from, you know, mainstream news cycle. So I wonder well, I, if that's been one speculation as well, or I tell you, maybe times, there is something legitimate because there's been accusations of pedophilia more than just sniffing hair with Joe well, Biden. A whole bunch of stuff going on. Yeah. There. A lot of crazy stuff. So that, that family is as dirty as they come. And for being a more, sort of new kid on the block for um, the Washington DC, so to speak. Power oh, Tony Wahlberg on it. All yeah. right. So um, presidents have had embarrassing moments in history. Uh, George Bush choked on a pretzel with the Japanese prime minister. Uh, Donald Trump dumped some fish food uh, in an out of context video because uh, people made fun of him. But if you watch the whole thing, he did exactly as the Japanese prime minister did. So that wasn't that embarrassing, but if they clip it, make it funny. Okay. That's his embarrassing moment. Uh, Joe Biden allegedly shit himself at the Vatican and then farted in front of the Royal family this week. So it's like an all new he fell asleep like twice too. Fecal uh, matter, low point toilet humor is not even funny at this point. I mean, he also, These are, that's a real news story. It's a sky news. Like Lisa's like, why are you, why I'm like, cause you know, I, he farted in front of the Royal family, <laughs> the future queen. It's, it's the, the wife, the consort of the future King Prince Charles. Like he like apparently loud enough to make the news. And this is not like Trump loving news that went and covered it. It was, right. you know, it was Australia looking at what's going on. Which is like the Fox News Sad. of like uh, Australia, which is Sky News. Not the Sky News from the UK or wherever else. That's a hyper-liberal progressive outlet. This is the Sky. It might be the same parent company, but for every reason in Australia, they, they play the dialectic quite well. They allow for uh, the more Tucker Carlson side. Or Fox On the News brighter side. side, the White House has embraced like the positive side of those stories, which is like it was the, the two things he expressed this week that were most clearly understood by the press. Oh, apparently, um, you know, his uh, ass had been wiped. Isn't that a thing before? His ass has been wiped. So don't worry. They are wiping Rumors of the stool they're called <laughs> in the royal family. I wonder if they help him out when he's over at the castle. All right. So, so let's go I know to... we have to expedite. I would say. I was going Jackson report it. 
Yeah, I was gonna say let's just do the Christy Lee right before. I think that was it was a really interesting. Mon- I her story about being number like is interesting. It's only four minutes. Then do Jackson report because the Jackson report will cover most of the rest of the stuff below, just in one report. So cool. those two together will pretty much cover the rest of the section. LD, will you play them back to back? Yeah, I got you covered. And that. we'll call that our we'll intro do. of those clips. Doing it live. Thank you all for tuning in, by the way. If you're watching, yeah, on actually, YouTube, thank Pirate you, everyone. Stream. This was if you're watching on Felix tonight, Rodriguez Rich. on YouTube. That's a pirate stream. Go to Rockfin. Also Rockfin, Periscope, to, uh, Twitch, um, uh, YouTube as well. Thanks. Yeah, right. Um, there's Float, like- there's Rumble, all those favorite outposts is getting some Grand Theft World. But we Rockfin's had over 300 are- people tune in tonight. It was like 312, 313, something like that. I was on the, the numbers. Um, no, the combination of both um, Rockfin Ooh. and um, and the Pirate the ones, Stream. So, well, all the other ones. So, was, you know, that's the most I've seen in in weeks. So, really, thank you everyone that's been tuning in and for all the donations and the support of the show. You, know, you keep us going so much appreciated but a big turnout tonight so it's perfect and we're going to be exp- expanding the soundboard just to entertain you guys and hey you know real quick plug um tuesday nights i run a town hall for subscribers for anyone that's interested um you go to grandtheftworld.com please tell me i'm correct on this no that's correct yeah and Click at the, the top the right community. yeah that blue box and then you get a lot of ship Besides the town hall, you get your productions, Rich. Um, so yeah, we're that- adding a ton of value behind there. Make it like offer people can't refuse because liberty needs to go fast now, not later. Yeah, it's certainly being expedited the opposite direction. Oh, LD's got on screen. Look at that. Perfect. So, you know, join up. Um, a lot of extra perks there. And you get to share in a vibrant community, a research community, um, private research community that is sharing information and having useful and meaningful discussions and trying to figure out not only for their own lives, but then for their community, how best to move forward in this uh, world of tyranny in which we live. So, yeah, it's like the, the missing link. Like you can learn about these things, but you need other people to talk to uh, about these things. And, you know, they share documents and pieces of evidence and strategies and products and services, all these sort of things that are useful as they're going through, you know, COVID plague pandemic world and, you know, people helping each other out. That's what it's all about. All right. So you can, uh, you can check the, uh, you can get an audio stream of the pre-show and a little bit after the show or be on the zoom call if if you want to do that but the there's an audio stream i'm running in the discord channel and another chat going on there just in case you're wondering and that allows people another option if they want to you know just use discord which is much lower bandwidth for some people so there's a whole bunch of different ways uh, that you can get in touch with this information. And if you like this information, there's a whole bunch of ways you can go deeper into the information through the town hall and uh, Liberty Radio. Let's give them a plug as well. The Grand Theft World After Show starts uh, 12 hours after we're done here. Yes, they, Liberty yeah. Radio. That's what, Mondays at 7 o'clock p.m., James and Phoenix. Um, they had that fantastic. They cover a lot, most, well, not most, but as much as they can of the stories that we have to, uh, unfortunately, uh, forego just due to time. And um, there's something else I wanted to mention. Oh, there's the Agora Marketplace. What, we have solutions. Oh, Autonomy um, Agora. Thank you. So we is have solutions. Dot, dot com, LD? No, LD is not on there. Marketplace.autonomyagora.com. So I have a, I have a Trivium um, course on there. If people are interested, also we'll do private consultations for critical thinking. We also have um, 
to escape the rat race. That's Lisa Manfredi and um, money. We have Parhesia. That's uh, Benny's and then Michael Badner. So you have all these solutions, all these different courses, um, all these different people teaching things that they've specialized in to help people become more autonomous. So we're also prioritizing that as well. Soon we're going to have Eddie and Delabuetti Squared's course on why government's a scam. Because uh, he can explain his picture book in more detail, give strategies on how people can use that. I think it's a good idea. We should. You know, Denny would be very appreciative of the the way he did his book, and I am too. That's a high he, compliment, right there. Yeah, it is. He he really loved. He his... split, but we're talking about him after he left. Now, yeah, he was. See, he's had a lasting impact. Yeah, someone tell Etienne that we were talking about him. I'll tell him in the meeting this week. I got a meeting with him. All right, so moving forward, let's go yeah, ahead with Christy Lee. Too. And her uh, KLIM, Christy Lee Independent Media, I'm guessing, is the mm-hmm. channel. She works, she works for herself. He can explain his picture book in more detail, give strategies. Oh, I like it when it loops like that. Oh, yeah. I was like, what was that? Called? Uh, yeah, it's control room loop. That's all right. It's all good. It's, all good. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. two in the morning already. So right. gremlins are going to work their way into the tech at some point. All right. So, yeah, let's roll these uh, Christy Lee. And then uh, the Jackson report from Dell Big Trees, the High Wire Weekly Show. I think that uh, it's probably fairly evident to those who are uh, participating uh, in this this briefing that we've got four doctors who are all very, very excited about the advent of vaccination for this age group. First problem, you have a news station holding a press conference with only one view represented. Only doctors excited about the release of COVID-19 vaccines for children. WTOL 11 in Toledo, Ohio is where I served as main evening news anchor for three years. This is how they used to feel about me. It takes years of dedication and hard work to be a leader with a commitment to keeping you informed. WTOL 11 anchor Christy Lee, the state of Ohio's number one anchor. Trust, dedication, and experience. That's Toledo's news leader. But when I tried to participate in the press conference, my former news station muted me. Knock, knock. Who's there? Shh. I guess they didn't like me challenging the now undisputed lie being propagated by these doctors. Going the route of sort of natural immunity or or let them just get the disease feels like a, a risk to take with your child when we can tell you confidently that this is a vaccine preventable disease. So the more that we can make sure that we're getting our kids vaccinated both against this preventable COVID infection, as well as for all the many other preventable infections that luckily we don't see as much today because of the effectiveness of vaccines, the better. We're in catch-up mode when it comes to their typical childhood vaccines, as well as now moving into this next phase wonderfully of having something that helps us prevent um, the COVID infection. Vaccine preventable disease? helps prevent COVID infection? What we know the vaccine does is it prevents symptomatic disease. What we don't know if it does or not is to prevent infection. Our vaccines are working exceptionally well. They continue to work well for Delta with regard to severe illness and death, they prevent it. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. I guess they didn't like being challenged on the speed of approval or making comparisons to past vaccines that don't work the same way as this brand new emergency use authorization. Well, we know without a doubt 
that vaccines really do save lives. They've protected us for years from diseases that thankfully are now incredibly rare. Diseases like polio, measles, and mumps. They're called novel coronavirus vaccines for a reason. Novel means new. Polio, mumps, measles, the vaccines we've been familiar with for decades work completely differently than something that uses messenger RNA technology. And how many times did you hear of someone getting polio after being vaccinated against polio? Now, how many times have you heard of someone getting COVID after being fully vaxxed? That's all the evidence you need that it's not a fair comparison. Also not fair or ethical, muting, censoring a journalist who was once one of the faces of your news organization because you don't like her doing what journalists are supposed to be doing, asking tough questions, especially when it comes to the safety of our children. Imagine that, being a news station that doesn't defend freedom of the press. All right, Jeffrey, um, obviously there's just so much going on now. This push is real. It's happening in so many different ways. It's affecting us all. Um, and, um, you know, here we are, as we've been reporting, so many of these things we warned about. Uh, and I feel like we probably should have named this show I Told You So instead of The High Wire. <laughs> but um, right. what do we got this week? Yeah, well, for many parents, the line in the sand was the, the children, the vaccinating of children. And uh, apparently as a country right now, we across that line in the sand. And this is what it looked like in the news. Take a look. A game changer for many parents in the fight against COVID-19. Well, this is just really exciting news that we now have vaccine recommendations for 28 million children. The CDC is now officially recommending vaccinations for kids age 5 to 11. And that is a huge, huge thing. Young children ages 5 to 11 have started receiving Pfizer's vaccine after the CDC approved the shot. The vote was overwhelmingly positive, aside from being unanimous. The research is so clear on this that the vaccine definitely is saving lives. The data that came out from Pfizer is impressive, that it protects against 90% of disease, and it looks overwhelmingly safe. I think what the trials have done have really showed and demonstrated how, what a strong immune response the kids had after the vaccines were administered. One of the most important parts of this step forward is the risks versus the benefits, and the benefits of this vaccine far outweigh any risks. Thanks so much. Get your children vaccinated. I just can't help but think, you know, mm. about when we just talked to Brianne, the benefits outweigh the risks if you throw all the risks in the garbage can, if you erase all the people that had risks and were suffering in the middle of your trials. I mean, this is this is, you know, a lack of integrity um, of, of, of malpractice by science and medicine in, in a way. Mm -hmm. As I look at this, it's just incredible to juxtapose the, the, the hearing that we just watched and that to, to the sort of jolliness of woohoo, go out, and get your child vaccinated. Uh, the moment we find <laughs> yeah. ourselves in, in the news.
And what we saw there for, for viewers is called echo chamber. That's a technique the media uses. They take one or two talking points and they bounce it around as an echo chamber. So that's why you're always hearing that. You're not seeing original investigation. You're not seeing anything like that in the news. You're just hearing talking points regurgitated to you. So one of the things they said uh, was very accurate. The data is clear. So this was the ASIP uh, meeting. The ASIP uh, was the CDC's SC Advisory Commission uh, on Immunization Practices. Yep. And they had a presentation here. And here's some of the data from that meeting. And the data appeared to be clear that myocarditis after mRNA COVID vaccines, seven day risk period, is pretty high. So looking at this chart, anything in that like orange tannish color is over background incidence. So just for, for reference, a background incidence, according to this chart, is 0 0.2, 0.2 to 1.9 per million. So we see there, there's actually more uh, uh, myocarditis, uh, higher incidences than not in this chart. So if, if that's right. not a safety signal, I'm not sure what so is. So if you're you looking at the, the potential for a 0.2 to even a 1.9, but 0.2 background rate. So that means when I'm looking at this 12 to 15 in the males, after that second dose, we're talking about uh, more than 40, could be even considered 80 times the, the lowest background rate when you look at 39.9, 69 times the background rate of what normally should be there. Uh, but they didn't dwell here very long, did they, in the meeting? It wasn't like, oh, let's really, you know, bum ourselves out with the myocarditis. They kind of just blazed right through that, didn't they? Yeah, it was only a couple hours. It, it was kind of couched in the entire two-day ACIP meeting, you know, the ones yeah. we've covered here. So it was just kind of a, a, a agenda point. Um, a lot of it was about Pfizer's presentation, about Pfizer's data, which strangely enough showed no myocarditis incidences. And remember, talking about safety signals, this is repeated everywhere. UK, the Nordic countries are reported on, across the EU, right. a, a lot of the countries, uh, Israel, they all have this myocarditis rate, this signal. So they blaze right past us at ASIP. And one of the big elephants in the room was, uh, you know, you have this myocarditis signal and you also have children. Uh, in fact, the data they, they uh, reported was 94 deaths they reported at this ASIP meeting in children since the beginning of uh, when they started taking uh, tallies on this, which is about March 2020. Uh, in this age group over, from over COVID. the course of a year and a half, there's been 94. Is that what you just said? 94? 94, yeah. That's what Total they Total yes. deaths in America amongst our children. I mean, that has to be the lowest death rate of almost any disease in this country. I mean, there right. everything else kills you more than that. And, and as they're speaking, I mean, we're at a lower point in, in deaths in cases just across right. America and at all age groups. So you have this this group of kids, low mortality. So they're thinking, well, what else can this thing benefit? Is it going to benefit herd immunity? And they, they came up with this slide as well. So this slide here is is it's titled Indirect Impacts of COVID-19 Pandemic on Children. And actually, that's inaccurate. It's a COVID-19 pandemic response on children. So right. you see here, worsening of mental and emo or emotional health, widening of existing education gaps, decreased physical activity, health decrease, healthcare utilization, uh, loss of caregivers, increase in adverse childhood experiences. That's like uh, trauma in the home, sexual abuse, et cetera. So all of these things were, you know, they're going to vaccinate the kids, get them back in school. So these things don't happen. But what's interesting so basically about this. That's what we're going to cure. We're not going to cure the disease because we have no problem with the disease. But we're going to cure all of the, the pain and agony we have thrust upon you. Your mask and all the social distancing and the destruction of your education and make you work from home and make you feel bad about yourself and afraid to breathe the air. We can fix all of that with this vaccine. That's what this vaccine is designed to do is to take you out 
out of jail is the get out of jail free card, the jail we put you in. So the only thing they can really they're speaking to is as the as the sort of success of this vaccine in children will be that it will remove all of the pain and agony they personally put upon these children. That's what it's there for. Right. Yes. And you know what's interesting was I, I saw this slide and I thought this is data hypocrisy because these uh, basically almost everything on this list was what the Great Barrington Declaration wanted to protect against. That's why right. people got together, signed the Great Barrington Declaration early on in the pandemic and said, do not lock down because pretty much all of these things will happen and it will it will be disadvantageous to kids and to elderly and to people of socio, low socioeconomic uh, income and inequality. And so but they're having their cake and eating it too. They're saying they were conspiracy theorists and dangerous for doing the Great Barrington Declaration. Right. But now because we caused this stuff, we're going to get you out of jail, like you said, because this vaccine needs to be recommended. And that's what they did. Rachel, uh, Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, did sign off on this. So it is a green light for the EUA to be extended in children 5 to 11. And shortly after that, I mean, we're talking minutes after that, San Francisco went right to work. Um, this is the headline out of the out of the San Francisco gate.com. San Francisco says children five to 11 will have to comply with proof of vaccination mandate. San Francisco has a very strict proof of vaccination mandate for restaurants, for gyms, for I guess it'll be daycare centers now for the kids. But their health uh, officer, Dr. Susan Phillip, said during a town hall meeting that was on Tuesday, just a couple days ago, that they're going to give about eight weeks, about eight weeks after the vaccine is available for kids, they're going to have to show this proof of vaccination along with their parents. So this is a first in the country because it's still EUA. A lot of states right. like Governor Newsom is saying, well, once it's recommended, then we're going to green light this thing and, and make it recommended for schools to get in schools and healthcare. So, but not not San Francisco. They're going for it. So right. uh, one of the one of the interviews I thought was really interesting, I think people should really listen to was a Yale doctor, Dr. Harvey Rice. He's an epidemiolo epidemiology professor out of Yale, and he was asked what he would do uh, with uh, this vaccine mandate if he had kids. Take a listen. If you're a parent and you have a seven or eight year old, the federal government is going to insist that those kids get vaccinated. Or if you live in a state like California where Governor Newsom is going to do that and so forth, and he has a horrific record, most of these governors do, not all, but most, what would you do? Would you get your kid vaccinated? Would you talk to your local doctor? What would you do? If the child has chronic conditions that make their risk appreciable, then there's a reason that they would should be considered for vaccination. Other than that, if, if it were my child, I would homeschool them. Honestly, I would organize with other parents to take them out of the school and create homeschooling environments. There, there's no choice. Your child's life is on the line. It's not a high risk. Vaccination is not a high risk that's going to kill every child by doing so. However, it's enough of a risk that on the average, the benefit is higher for homeschooling than it is for, for vaccination and being in school. It always makes me feel a little bit smart when a Harvard professor, epidemiologist, says exactly what I've been saying on the high wire. Get your kids <laughs> out of school, homeschooling them right now is the only answer, not only to avoid this vaccine and the dangers of it, but the brainwashing that's led so many people to their own demise because they've learned to just accept what they're told instead of actually learning critical thinking skills and how to do their own research. So for all of those reasons, I think it's an important time that you pull your kids out. They're, they are our future. Uh, and right. e even if they survive 
you know, getting through the masking and the social distancing and, and all the fears and concerns, what type of human being will they be in the future? What will they stand for? I think on multiple right. in multiple fronts, um, Harvey Reich is, is, is correct. And, and back to the ACIP meeting, there was a there was an audio clip. Uh, it, it was pretty much overwhelming um, uh, praise for the vaccine. Unlike last week with the FDA, that meeting we had some people asking some some tough questions, although they yeah. voted you know almost unanimously. Yeah. Uh, so in this ACIP meeting, they talked to one of the, one of the voting members asked a question about herd immunity. Basically, since look, there's not much of a uh, there's not much of a mortality issue with these kids. Uh, in this in this age cohort, so right. when we when we vaccinate these twenty eight million kids, we'll certainly be doing this for, for herd immunity, right? This will be help all of us. And listen to right. what what happened. Uh, when we look for herd or community immunity, when we speak of a number eighty percent, seventy five, ninety, whatever, we're looking at the total population of of an area like the country, uh, I believe. So that were we to get this five to eleven year old uh, age group vaccinated, we would be getting closer to whatever the percent is that we need for herd immunity in the United States. Is that a proper extrapolation of the discussion? Hi, it's Dr. Jones. Uh, well, we would discourage a strict uh, goal of a threshold where we think if we reach that that uh, community transmission will then cease, that there, it's, it's going to be very complicated with waning immunity and you have uh, uh, in protection against infection versus protection against severe disease. Um, and uh, I think tr uh, thinking that we will be able to achieve some kind of threshold where there will be no more uh, transmission of infections um, may not be possible. Giggles. Uh, did I just hear giggling at the end of that? <laughs> yeah, the whole reason we told you to get vaccinated. Actually, it doesn't work that way. Our vaccine is useless, will not stop your infection, will not stop your transmission. And any dream you may have, if you still are believing in the vaccine unicorn to come along and get us out of this pandemic is gone. I mean, it's shocking. It is so yeah. incredibly shocking to hear that acknowledgement that there's absolutely no reason to get this vaccine because you're protecting nobody. Uh, this is going nowhere. These children who are at no risk are going to do nothing for herd immunity by getting this vaccine. So what is the point? What is going on here? I mean, I'm, it's so infuriating and it's just downright, you know, despicable. It's like a bad Disney character, the way these people laugh at the fact that they're making us believe in something that doesn't do anything except harm us. And if you heard at the beginning there, you know, he said the herd immunity, you know, whatever, 95, 75%, whatever right. it was. And and then the guy comes in, Dr. Jones, and says, let's not put a number on it. Uh, don't put numbers on it anymore, right. you know, because Fauci tried to do that. And he was just lambasted in the media because he kept having to change his numbers. We're not going to work with numbers anymore because it's not going to get there. We're going to keep changing the goalposts. And that's what this next story looks like. Uh, we covered this in September of 2021. The CDC changed its definition of a vaccine. And this was because its old definition no longer covered what a vaccine was in this new COVID era. So kind of summarize that. Uh, 
Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey put a tweet out and that really summarized these these uh, three changes. So before, yeah. uh, basically to 2015 and before, they said a vaccine, this is on the CDC's website, was an injection of a killed or weakened infectious organism in order to prevent a disease. And then uh, 2015 to 2021, they took away the killed or weakened infectious organism and they just said introducing a vaccine into the body and we're not preventing diseases anymore at that point. It's just to produce immunity to a specific disease. But now these vaccines aren't even really doing that because they don't stop transmission or infection. So now they changed it to September. This is what it currently says. The act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce protection. How much protection? Well, you know, that goes from 90% to 50% to whatever. From well, a specific and, and disease. to be clear, because we always have new audience members. We're, we're, as you know, growing exponentially. Let me just make that very clear to you because you still hear protection from the disease. So isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. It's not protection from the infection because they give in the infection a different name. SARS-CoV-2 is the infection. COVID-19 is the symptomatic um, expression of that uh, infection. Sort of like HIV was the infection and AIDS is the disease. So all they're saying is now all it needs to do is just reduce your experience of the infection you now have and are spraying and spewing all over everyone else around you. That's how far we have dropped the ball in the, the, the bar on this. And, and frankly, I think as we watch, and I know you're going to get more in, in coming up here in Israel and around the world, we're not even seeing that protection anymore. We are seeing sick and dying at record numbers in the vaccinated group. It's a complete and total catastrophe. But before we get there, I guess let's enjoy our little honeymoon here and the idea that somehow this is even just reducing um, our own symptoms. But even that is now questionable. But so clearly right. they, they, they missed the bar. They couldn't, you know, achieve what we've known to be uh, the, the definition of a vaccine for, since like, you know, high school. Yeah, and that was a big story at the time. And a lot of people wondered, well, what was going on? And the CDC wasn't too forthright about exactly what they were doing. So now a FOIA request has uh, produced some email documents and it was posted in a, in a Substack uh, commentary here, an article, and it was titled, CDC emails, our definition of vaccine is quote, problematic. So looking at these emails, this is between the communication directors, uh, you know, some somewhat senior communication directors at the CDC. And it says, hi, Valerie, I know you're busy, so I really appreciate your help. The definition of vaccine we have posted is problematic and people are using it to claim the COVID-19 vaccine is not a vaccine based on our own definition, which it was not. So what they did was they proposed, uh, they proposed different uh, updates I love that. Does, that, does which, the updated version look okay to you? I, 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 you know, I rejiggered it a little bit. Can you take a look at that? Exactly, exactly. And these are the science communicators. So right. apparently that was good because she says in the next slide, if this is for the general public, I'm good with the change. But then they found some more issues. They said, does this definition need to be updated as well? Uh oh, we have a cascading issue. And there it and is, the one, the one that was brought up, read. the act. The act of introducing yes. a vaccine to the body to produce immunity to a specific disease to something like the act of introducing a vaccine to the body to produce protection from a specific disease. This is how it's done, folks. Little emails between um, really the PR side of the CDC. How do we do better PR? We got to change the definition because we have totally missed, missed the boat here. Right, right. And so Lovely. That, that's kind of how I guess it works behind the scenes when you pull the curtain back. Right. There's also, I mean, this is a big week for, for whistleblowers, for FOIA documents. And this came out in the BMJ, uh, really as ASIP was voting, 
on the Pfizer vaccine, we have a Pfizer whistleblower, COVID-19 researcher blows the whistle on data integrity issues in Pfizer's vaccine trials. We've already heard a lot about this. So it says in the article right. here, a regional director who is employed at the research organization, Ventavia Research Group, has told the BMJ that the company falsified data, unblinded uh, patients, employed inadequately trained vaccinators, and was slow to follow up on adverse events reported in Pfizer's pivotal phase three trial. It goes on to say staff who conducted quality control checks were overwhelmed by the volume of problems they were finding. After repeatedly notifying Ventavia of these problems, the regional director, Brooke Jackson, emailed a complaint to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Ventavia fired her later the same day. Jackson has provided the BMJ with dozens of internal company documents, photos, auto recordings, and emails. And what they're showing is basically a lack of timely follow-up with the patients who experience those adverse reactions, like we heard at the DC uh, trial by Senator Johnson, uh, protocol deviations not being reported, staff being targeted for just bringing the problems up, all of the stuff that we've heard from people before wow. and just put in this And what we BMJ just heard from, from, from the other side of that, from Brianne, right? That I was yes. in the trial, I was reporting my issues, and not only did they not deal with me, but told me to basically take a hike and maybe talk to the NIH with my issues, but we're not seeing that. We don't have a name for it, so screw you. And then you go in and see, I've been erased from the trial altogether, which is exactly, I mean, look, this, you know, an article like this comes out and you say, well, if it's the only point out there, but when you start hearing every trial participant say the same thing, I, you know, I'm in a wheelchair, I, mean, I got a feeding tube, and they reported it as a stomach ache. She, clearly, somebody on top of like these organizations and these institutes that were handling these trials were in cahoots with the pharmaceutical company and anybody that decides to do what's right based on the Hippocratic oath that they signed, uh, you're fired. Uh, go ahead and pack right. up your boxes. Get out of here. We're going to promote this vaccine and we're tired of hearing about how buried you are in people that are injured from the vaccine in these trials. Right. And it's not clear from the BMJ article, you know, there was no links to the audio recordings, uh, no links to the email exchanges. Uh, and it's not clear if there's going to be legal action moving forward or what the next steps are. But this is out now. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on what these next steps are, because this is a really big deal. Uh, these are the trials. These phase three trials are the trials that are being relied upon for the FDA and ASIP to make the recommendations. So some big news there. I mean, it, it, I, I get such mixed emotions. On one hand, you know, I know we're going to know the truth. You know, mm -hmm. as far as what we do here on the high wire, uh, we will go down in history as having told the truth because everywhere we look, we are vindicated. Everywhere we look, we are verified on what we're reporting as the truth. And if in the trials themselves in a totally controlled event where you were only bringing in the healthiest people you could find, you know, um, then and now it's going out to the public and all of those injuries were hidden. Well, now you're going to be in the public where you're not going to be able to hide this. We're not hiding. It's all over Facebook. It's all over you. doesn't matter how many times they censor people. These stories are everywhere. Now you're going to give it to innocent children. I mean, and we're just talking about the initial injuries, not none of the long-term antibody-dependent enhancement or maybe the shutting down of the toll receptors and the autoimmunity, the cancer that's down the road. I just think to myself, you know, what so many scientists that I've talked to from Dr. Andy Wakefield when we worked on Vax to recently a conversation with Geert van den Bosch, they always say the same thing. In the end, I will be proven that I'm right. 
The issue is simply how many people have had to have died or lost their lives or have been injured before the truth is actually recognized. And, and that's what we're right. sitting here. It's like it's, it's like just watching our watch. Like how long, how many innocent people are going to have to be destroyed be before it becomes so completely obvious that this is one of the right. greatest scientific disasters in history? Yes, yes. And while we were reporting uh, of of the vaccine, the vaccinated may be shedding or the vaccine may not be stopping transmission or stopping right. infection. Well, the media was out there saying it's 95 percent effective or 98 percent effective. And we're, uh, uh, Rochelle Walensky and Biden were saying this was a pandemic of the unvaccinated yeah. who are spreading the Delta variant. Now we have a study that came out that is really showing the opposite of that. This is a study out of San Francisco, an American study showing what really happened during these days that Delta was spreading. It's called predominance of antibody resistant SARS-CoV-2 variants in vaccine breakthrough cases from the San Francisco Bay Area, California. I remember when breakthrough cases were a rare thing, they would make headlines. Now it's they're right. being studied. This is a common thing. And let's look at what these researchers found. Incredible stuff. They said, quote, we analyzed SARS-CoV-2 whole genome sequences and viral loads from 1,373 persons with COVID-19 from the San Francisco Bay Area from February 1st to June 30th, 2021, of which 125, 9.1% were vaccine breakthrough infections. Fully vaccinated were more likely than unvaccinated persons to be infected with, by variants carrying mutations associated with decreased antibody neutralization. Whoa. They go on to say, quote, differences in viral loads were non-significant between unvaccinated and fully vaccinated persons. And according to lineage, viral loads were significantly higher and symptomatic as compared to asymptomatic va vaccine breakthrough cases. And this is the kicker. And symptomatic vaccine breakthrough infections had similar viral loads to unvaccinated infections. And that's a lot to say right there. It is. And we've but, heard a lot of that, right? We, we've been reporting mm -hmm. multiple studies showing same viral load in the vaccine and the unvaccinated. But what is so interesting here is that they're saying the variants where we're being told, like, obviously, we, we've been reporting correctly. We've talked about how Geert Vanden Bosch clearly stated that the vaccine is pressuring the virus, not that it's making the virus mutate, but it's selecting for more dangerous strains. If you're only attacking the spike protein of the alpha, otherwise known as the legacy version of these of these viruses that came out of Wuhan. And now, you you know, if you're just pressuring that and only leaving the more deadly or more infectious versions to be around, then you're going to have a problem. You're going to make that spread. So, I mean, here we're seeing proof of what Gear Fan and Bosch, you know, uh, I think warned us of probably was it six months ago when we first brought him on. Now what they're saying, and let me get this straight, is that when they looked at the, the viral loads, the genomic sequence, inside the virus and unvaccinated people and inside the vaccine, I mean, the, the vaccinated people, they found that the vaccinated people were carrying the more infectious strain that was getting over the neutralizing antibodies, meaning, meaning getting around or what we know as vaccine escape, right? Getting around Correct. their immunity. So, and, and more, so more of that more potentially deadly or more infectious strain as we move in the future is being carried by the vaccinated than it is by the unvaccinated. Yeah, and to really drive this point home, let's look at some of the graphs from that okay. study. So this is one of the more obvious ones right here. You see that fully vaccinated column up there on the top left, uh, antibody resistant. That's 78% of that first big Pac-Man circle in red there. They were carrying 78% of the antibody resistant uh, strains compared to the unvaccinated right next door there, only 48%. Wow. And then 
underneath in green, bottom left circle, the, the vaccinated were carrying a 85% more infectious strain than the unvaccinated, which was slightly less, 77%. But then, interestingly enough, this was, again, as the, the Delta variant was taking hold in the U.S. at the exact time, we go to this next slide here, we can see this is a really busy slide, but it's basically showing that the Delta variant is, uh, and that big circle on the left, the bottom right of that big circle, the Delta variant is 35% of those fully vaccinated are carrying those things around. And, you know, as we know, it's more infectious. So I guess we have to hypothesize right. that they were 35% were, were spreading that compared to the unvaccinated, that Delta was just a little sliver on the right there. It's 5%. Man. So this is, you know, this is scientific proof. This thing should be all over the front page news everywhere. I, mean, I, I want my Barbie should... dolls back. Like, and this is what I tried to show people just weeks ago that, you know, in the end, if you are, you know, the vaccinator carrying this much more infectious load and handing off because of the way the vaccine works, whereas the unvaccinated are filtering that out. If you saw that 13%, if the unvaccinated were the ones inhaling this virus all over, we would be keeping that as the, the lesser, you know, the lesser dominant strain, the more dominant strain the unvaccinated are dealing with is the alpha, and that's one is much easier to beat. We could have eradicated this, but the vaccine is continuing to bring in more and more infectious and dangerous variants outrage right. and proof is we right are getting it we're getting ahead of the news cycle here just so everyone knows so they can watch out for the 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 media trying to spin this this is cnbc this is their headline right now uh, a potentially faster spreading delta variant ay.4.2 has been spotted in eight states so wow. this is just the first of the reporting but if they start trying to spin this as this is a unvaccinated problem they're spreading this you can point them to this study out of san francisco showing that that may not be the case and now just think about this, folks, as you have more, you know, more and more infectious strains now peaking out. We know that they're being carried by the vaccinated. Now imagine we're about to vaccinate all of our children that are still have these incredible innate immune systems that are going to be able to block that with a vaccine for the alpha that's not even in this country anymore. It's nowhere in the world. We are literally using an antiquated and old vaccine for an alpha variant when the delta is the one that is spreading, mutating, and these kids are going to be taking a product that doesn't deal with Delta at all. It goes all the way around it. I mean, at the very least, if you believed in this product at all, you would think they would have gone giving you the courtesy to at least whip up a childhood vaccine that is focused on Delta. But clearly, you know, good science for any reason from their side, even if those were believers, they're not doing any of that. I mean, it's, it's right. obviously I'm not speechless, but this is as close to speechless <laughs> as I get. <laughs> well, as, Go ahead and pause it. As, as these vaccines are rolling out. You guys can see the rest of that clip on the highwire.com. You can go and click into the episodes. They're going to put clips out each week, uh, you know, from this week. That's what they do on a weekly basis. And uh, how much time was left in that? Like 10 minutes, probably? Yeah, it's, some, it's close to that. Yeah. Something like that. It's not a 10 minutes, and it's part of a three or four hour episode that they churn out every Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time. I believe is when the high wire goes live. And uh, <clears throat> I think what we're seeing out there is you got this Delta variant, right? And the Delta variant seems to be correlated, not necessarily caused, but correlated to places where people got vaccinated. That's where it kind of... All the variants. There is um, Richard Fleming, you mentioned he has mm -hmm. a graph on that where he shows where the variants emerge is where the first vaccine testing 
began, not even when the rollouts, the vaccine testing. All right. So, so my hypothesis, my working hypothesis of trying to understand the situation so far is that the variants are coming as part of the vaccinated who are shedding these variants. That's where they're variating in all these BSL four laboratories going inside of people's bodies. Right. And then it's leaking out. And then the hospitals are also seeing antibody dependent enhancement complications from people who have been vaccinated. So there's people that have been vaccinated that are infecting the unvaccinated with new variants. And then and the vaccinated people... for that matter. Infecting both. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And then there's also vaccinated people suffering uh, from various adverse events and effects. <clears throat> According to VAERS, there's 800,000 reports. Almost 900 now. Almost. Right. So Harvard Pilgrim says multiply that times 10 or 100. So it's somewhere between 8 million and 80 million? Yeah, 80 million. 80 million. That's, that's a lot of damage. That's, a lot of damage. that's unconscionable. It's not just a lot of damage. This and is... they're gaslighting people to make people believe there's nothing, nothing to see here. It's safe and effective. These companies are trustworthy. They're your friends. Yeah. It's like Mars attacks. Yeah, it really is. You know, when they come out, hey, and they fry the dude in front yeah, of him. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, that can't be. Yeah, LD, see if we can find a Mars attack. That's yeah. hilarious. That clip where they first land and they walk out. I mean, then they fry Kong. I mean, it's that's great. We are I guess I might as well um, send a semi this earlier in the week just for people who are kind of single dose. Let me see if I can make this a little bigger. Here's like a montage of headlines over, let's see, going from February 26th of 2021 to October 19th of 2021. Single Pfizer vaccine shot provides strong protection for those who have uh, had COVID-19. UK studies suggest people vaccinated against COVID-19 can go without masks indoors and outdoors, CDC says. CDC updates guidance, recommends vaccinated people wear masks indoors in certain areas. Hmm, that's strange. They just took away masks and they're asking masks back. They're asking for people to wear masks again. Vaccine that's protection. Double think, man. It's all Orwell. That's a double thing, right. A vaccine Orwell protection rolls against... in his grave. Seriously, man. Seriously. Vaccine protection against COVID-19 wanes over time, which we know wanes significantly. And it's not over. It's over a short amount of time, especially for older people, CDC says. And continuing on with J&J &J vaccine recipients should get their second dose as soon as it's available. Experts say three doses of COVID-19 vaccine are likely needed for full protection. Now, we went from February 26, 2021, single Pfizer vaccine shot provides strong protection to September 4th, 2021, where the headline, this is all from CNN Health, by the way, three doses of COVID-19 vaccine are likely needed for full protection. Last two headlines here. This one's from October 26 and October 19, respectively. Immunocompromised may need a fourth COVID-19 shot. And why vaccinated people dying from COVID-19 doesn't mean the vaccines are ineffective. And there we have Leanna Wen. Oh, from the eugenics and population control mm -hmm. organizations. Exactly. So yeah. that's she's going your friend. On. She's your friend. Just let her jab you. Well, jabby jab for the win. So that's a thing, apparently. It looks like they're trying to ban Let's Go Brandon. They are. What's up with that? People can't take a soft joke. Do we need to say fuck Joe Biden? You know, straight out? Jesus Christ. These people have no sense of humor, man. Oh, no, they don't. Never <laughs> met a progressive? My goodness. FJB is so much more clever than F Trump was. And oh, I know. So much of they it. I spent, I spent a couple of hours last night... I got to tell you, I put together a list of almost 40, 40 Let's Go Brandon songs on YouTube. 
a playlist. So I'll share that for people if they're interested. They're oh, not all yeah, I, great, I, but most of them. What about when Kathy Griffin held his head like Medusa, like she's Perseus, and they decapitated the commander in chief of the country while he's sitting in office? They made that right. De Niro's like, ah, oh, fuck yeah. no, Biden, or no, fuck Trump, or whatever he Trump said. Trump, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it funny was, when I when I, I had be funnier the other way. I hadn't uh, participated. I play very various video games it's like a community i play with and we, got, we all know each other spread throughout the country know each other for a long time i hopped in and the first thing he said but well, let's go brandon and i they're not political they're not in that most many of them have been vaccinated like i don't know much beyond like they tell me this they're sort of just normies but the first thing they said was let's go brandon so you know this is a meme that's transcending just the vaccine unvaccinated or the left right like it's i don't know it's it's an interesting and strange meme that's we sure. should close out later with jp because I think he has a let's go. I have it. Yeah. 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 He's got a t-shirt on and that. All right. So um, where do we want to go from here? Cause there's still a lot left to cover and I want to make sure. So the substantial... what, what I will tell you. So the, I mean, let's go Brandon that they're trying to cancel that. Obviously um, the main thing this week, obviously the big thing where the mandates are starting to go into effect. So they don't technically want to go into effect until the beginning of next year, but businesses are starting to take, notice and mm. start to implement based on the fact that these mandates exist. So there's a whole section on just the mandates. Um, I don't know if there's anything interesting out of there. There's also two Peter McCullough. Now we can probably forego those only because you're going to interview him next week. Now I just suggest to you, if you get a chance, watch the Dell big tree interview. I had it as the intermission initially, but I changed it with Peter McCullough. Cause he, he goes, oh, he was a myocarditis. He was like on InfoWars mm -hmm. and, and the high wire this past week. So he's going to be on grand theft world next week. And then we'll see, you'll probably see mm -hmm. him on Joe Rogan. So I would just, he presented some new information about blood clotting and myocarditis. I was not familiar with and most of the audiences isn't. So check that out if you get a chance and I'll, ask, I'll actually send you some questions you might find interesting that worthwhile to ask him, but scary stuff. Um, Did we find the timestamps in that band dot video McCullough issues, emergency warning vaccine created spike protein <clears throat> is deadly uh, to the human body. I didn't cause I went through and watched the Dell big tree one. Anyways, I figured since we showed a lot of Alex Jones, maybe we'll get more Dell on there, but Dell's is about equally as long, um, but we could play either one if we want to play one. Um, fantastic interviews. He's always a rock star with that. And he's been doing unbelievable work. Um, Florida has get, get this Jimmy Dore talking about Florida now has the lowest COVID rates in the nation, uh, including deaths and infection. And they've, you know, they have, are not locked down, no mask mandates, no vaccine mandates besides the federal government hegemony and belligerent actions therein. So I thought that was an interesting one. Florida's at the lowest. And there's another one by Brett and Heather vaccine immunity wanes after two to three months. This is for every vaccine, not just one, not just Pfizer or Moderna or J and J it's for all of them. And so that was a major sort of revelation this week as well. Um, the FDA, but they went over that in the Jackson report. There's the FDA whistleblower coming forward about the vaccine trials and injury that they're ignoring. And I have a picture here that I'll just get on the record because this is just devastating beyond all recognition. You see, the early mortality of fulminants, excuse me, untreated giant cell eosinophilic myocarditis also have an extremely poor myocarditis is lethal if overlooked and untreated. Non-fulminant active myocarditis has a mortality rate of 25% to 56% within three to 10 years owing to progressive heart failure and sudden cardiac death, cardiac death. 
Killing us softly with their That's what they're doing to our children. Taking your own life. John Bounds sort of goes into the vaccine. Yeah, there's a couple. I was down. Uh, let's go to. Oh, we have to go to a Greg Reese one. I want we'll, to see the Greg Reese one. Later. All right. That's, so, yeah, all right. One. So, but that's a technology uh, economics one. So I don't know when you want to. Let's go to Jimmy Dore first. Then we'll go to Greg Reese. Okay. So I want to, I want to see NBC's outrageous lies about COVID and child vaccine. Cause that's the one I think I saw earlier today. Okay. If it it's isn't, let us know. We'll find the right. And then we'll go to Reese It may be bound. The Reese one, you'll appreciate that. You'll you'll like that. It's good. He did a good job. And bound, bound always. They all did things. Sorry. Bound video. It's loading. Loading. Jimmy Dore coming at you. He's a comedian in his garage. He has a green screen. You can do this too. So this is a story about how money influences corporate news and why people turn to YouTube over corporate news and YouTube smashes us and suppresses us and points you towards the Pfizer, Pfizer-sponsored news. So COVID, children's extremely low risk confirmed by study. The overall risk of children becoming severely ill or dying from COVID is extremely low. A new analysis, so low as it can't even be measured. That's how low their risk is. Here's, an, here's from the New York Times. An unvaccinated child is at less risk of serious COVID illness than a vaccinated 70-year-old. And so you know who sponsors the news, right? by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Okay. So what is the result of all that money being spent on news outlets? Here's how they're going to report child vaccines being approved. I mean, vaccines being approved for children. Watch this. Now, you already know children are in zero, almost zero risk from serious illness from COVID. Listen to this. Let's bring in NBC senior medical correspondent, Dr. John Torres. Dr. Torres, good morning to you. As Kathy mentioned, that new poll finds about two-thirds of parents are hesitant to get their kids the shot. What is your advice to alleviate some of their concerns? And Joe, you're right. There is a hesitancy to get the shot, and it's a hesitancy that parents typically have because they're very protective of their child. A couple of things I tell them is one, from a community perspective, you know, children right now are 25% of the cases that are out there. That's from a community perspective, but parents are more worried about their own child. So here are some numbers for their child. Last week, 118,000 children ended up with Pfizer. Since the pandemic, over 8,000 have been hospitalized, a third of those in the ICU. And unfortunately, there have been 146,000 deaths, which according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, puts COVID now in the top 10 causes of death for children. Now, I have no idea where he's getting... First of all, Dr. Torres, who looks like he's ready to do a hunting commercial, that's what he looks like. But uh, 
I don't know where this guy's getting his information, but it's wrong. Uh, how bad is COVID-19 in kids? See the latest data. So here's the latest data. Of the 73 million children in the United States, fewer than 700 have died of COVID. He said 146,000, didn't he? Didn't he just say 100? Yeah. He said 146,000. Yes. So why why would they be lying like that? Why would why would they whenever they make an error it's always in the wrong way. It's always in the same direction. It's always in the pro Pfizer direction. Isn't that interesting? Because so they're here to make keep you afraid, scared to death, so you get your kids vaccinated, and kids have z- almost zero risk of illness from COVID. But that guy, if you listen to this guy on NBC, he's going to make you think. He's going to make you think that there's a big risk to your kids when the exact opposite is the case. Fewer than 700 children have died of COVID-19. Of the 73 million children, 700 of them have died. And I'm going to guess that almost all of them had comorbidities or were obese. Like they had cancer and they got COVID. Dr. Daniel Routes puts the figure into context using the number of people who can typically fit into a sports venue. Think about it in terms of a football stadium. In in 100,000 kids, one of them is not going to make it with COVID. Everyone else who walked in is going to walk out. And that one kid probably is already sick with something. So if you're already sick with something as a kid, you should get vaccinated. But not if you're healthy. According to the CDC, this is from the New York Intelligence Center. According to the CDC, among children, the mortality risk from COVID-19 is lower than from the flu. Are you going to... What? So that... Now, would you know that watching NBC's coverage? Let's go back. Let's go back to our, our... our fake doctor or our lying doctor. And so I would say, you know, look at those stats because it's important to understand that if your child gets COVID, that could be devastating. With <laughs> They just want to scare the shit out of you. They want to keep this pandemic a pandemic and they don't want it to get to be an endemic. Why? Because Pfizer sponsors them and Pfizer wants to get a jab in every kid's arm, even though it's unnecessary. Do you hear the fear mongering being done by this guy? Listen to this. So I would say, you know, look at those stats because it's important to understand that if your child gets COVID, that could be devastating with lifelong consequences. And so the vaccine itself proven to be very safe in the trials. The trials looked at them extensively for months. There were no side effects. And we know side effects occur in the first couple of months. And so that long-term concern is very theoretical. And if it happens, could be very rare at the most. But side effects from from COVID itself could be devastating. So again, Joe, the main thing is look at what could happen. The COVID could, could, could kill you, kill you. COVID could be dead. There's a vaccine, everything's up. The COVID could kill you. You know, they just stopped using Moderna vaccines for people under 24 years old in Ontario and Canada. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure Denmark and a couple other European countries stopped using Moderna for people, for males under 24. So... All this stuff he's saying about how safe everything is. 
Well, 31. let's listen to what the FDA says. But, yeah. When they this is from their meeting when they met to approve the emergency authorization. If there could be anything less of an emergency, it's children's with COVID. That couldn't be any less of an emergency. That they gave it emergency authorization. FDA committee has approved the Pfizer vaccine emergency use authorization for kids aged 5 to 11. In making the decision, the FDA connected it, conceded it does not know the long-term risk to these kids. They don't know. Now, you, you listen to that asshole on NBC who's getting money from Pfizer, and he's like, ah, everything's great. We know every, We know everything. Super safe. Don't worry. We know everything. But guess what? Here's a voting member on the FDA, and listen to what he says. This is this is they're having the discussion about should they approve this for emergency use authorization, which means it doesn't go through the normal procedure of authorization of a vaccine, which means they're hurrying it. Listen to this guy. And I think what choice me here is that it's a very sort of personal choice. If I had a child who had with a transplant recipient, I would really want to be able to use a vaccine like this. So if his kid was in an immunocompromised system situation where he was a transplant uh, patient, I would want my kid vaccinated. So would I, if my kid was getting a transplant. Listen to what he says next. And there are certainly kids who probably should be vaccinated. The question of how broadly to use it, though, I think is a substantial one. Um, and I know it's not our question, but I, I, I and I know we're kind of punting that uh, to uh, ACIP. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's a relatively close call. And as Dr. Levy just said, as Dr. Gann said, it, it really is going to be a question of what the prevailing conditions are. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Um, that's just the way it goes. That's how we found out about rare complications of other vaccines like the rotavirus vaccine. And I, I do think that we are going to, I, I do think we should vote to approve it. He just said that we don't know what the effects are going to be until we start giving it. That's just how it works. And, that's, and the and question that's is how, how broadly should we give this out? He acknowledges we should probably give it to people with comorbidities, kids. Yes, if your kid's getting a transplant or if your kid has cancer, you should probably get it. Should other kids get it if they're healthy? If they have less of a risk of serious illness than they do from the flu? I would say no. They would say yes. Why? Because the guy who was the head of of the FDA now works at Pfizer's board. It's a revolving door because this is called regulatory capture. And the last person who was in charge of vaccines at the FDA resigned over the booster shot. So that person who's the squeaky wheel, they got rid of the problem. So that NBC News report on YouTube, look at the ratio. 5,000 dislikes to 600 likes. That's worse than a Kamala Harris tweet. This video is this video is so unpopular, but it would still beat a Democrat in an election. <laughs> so the Today Show has six hundred and thirteen employees who are uh, who watch that video. That's all I can think of. 
So let me bring in Nick Cruz from the Fred Hampton leftists. So what what do you make of a bullshit news report like that? Good, Full positive. of misinformation, by the way. That was very, uh, <laughs> it was a good breakdown by Jimmy Dore. He's been doing good work for a long time, but I appreciate the fact that he's um, willing to look past the left-right paradigm that for a long time he was caught in. Um, not that he, I mean, he still probably identifies more as a sort of liberal Democrat, whatever, but I think he understands uh, the principles um, have shifted in the Democratic Party. And the I got I to interrupt this podcast for a quick deep dive. This is a book called Vaccine A. I was the reading that when I was up in April. Yeah, the covert government experiment that's killing our soldiers and why GIs are only the first victims. Now, just real quick, I want to read from the, uh, the inside front cover here. Let's see if I can zoom in and get it on screen. Let's see. I'm looking for this part right here. In Vaccine A, veteran journalist Gary Matsumoto combines skillful narrative with a deep understanding of what uh, of the history and science of vaccines to explain just one, what went wrong and why this is talking about Gulf war syndrome, but he gets into the history, which is really uh, the part that uh, <clears throat> ties it into what we're doing today. Yeah. Um, he shows how the Pentagon suddenly in 1979 became aware of its moribund biodefense program needed to be kicked into high gear and how the military tried to develop an anthrax vaccine of unsurpassed safety and purity. How military scientists gradually learned that their new vaccine, though pure, was also ineffective. And how to boost its effectiveness, they added an adjuvant, an oil called squalene, to stimulate the immune system. What they didn't know, or but should have known, is that squalene causes autoimmune diseases, chronic and even life-threatening illnesses like lupus, crippling arthritis, and multiple sclerosis. So now I just want to... Isn't lupus to- something that hydroxychloroquine just the side of yes. the trees? Yeah. yeah, I think we talked mm-hmm. about it earlier yeah. in the episode. So uh, let's see, this is page 28. They're talking about uh, they are experimenting on unsuspecting Chinese children. But you say that's okay because that's China. And then you go to this page and it reads, what was remarkable about this 21-year project, uh, talking about uh, the Fort Dix uh, USAMRDC uh, study involving all these research councils after Salk had done the polio vaccine. They're doing this uh, investigation into vaccines. What was remarkable about remarkable about this 21-year project involving the military, civilian public health authorities, and a major university is that at no time during, during its execution did any of the scientists involved publicly discuss whether it was ethical to run a medical experiment on people without telling them. So there's a long history of them doing these sort of things. Like they have uh, sprayed biological warfare on uh, the unwitting citizens of San Francisco. There's uh violation. Even talking of, about what happened with Operation Phoenix and getting into Nuremberg Vietnam Code. and all the different things they were testing in Vietnam that, you know, no one talks about at all. That was one big open playground for, the military to test all sorts of strange things. And this is obviously, you know, 30 years later with Gulf War and squalene and the anthrax and the Gulf War syndrome. And, but anyway, passport sized immunization cards from the WHO entries say vaccine A. Now they say COVID. That's the difference. And he also talks in here about how uh, Spanish flu started. It was the American flu started on the military base. And that's in addition to the other one I usually point to, which was the great influenza. In that book, too, the way they rolled out the vaccine to the troops was really interesting. Um, 
the way they forced it, the way they sort of, uh, they didn't, the, the proof of vaccination, well, the way they did the card system to show proof or not proof. Like it was a very strange, it's almost as if they, I mean, I'm speculating, but sort of knew that there would be issues and sort of just like quickly lined it up and, you know, did, did what they needed to do. And then in world war one, when the Spanish flu broke out from a army Fort base in, in Kansas, or not Fort well, I'm sorry, yeah, it was, in the, it was Kansas. In the... So uh, there's a, there's a line of parallel history. If you're into history, uh, I don't remember where I read this, so I'm not claiming it to be true, but I thought it was interesting and it should be considered. And it's that at the time that we're at war with Germany, the, the Germans had infiltrated uh, Washington DC with some spies. And one of those spies like poisoned a whole bunch of horses and it's horses that were about to be, he thought, I, I guess the Germans thought it was about to be, these horses were about to be shipped over uh, for cavalry, cavalry right? yeah. but they ended up using them for vaccines because they draw a horse serum or something like that. So I would have to like go and research, but that was my recollection that <clears throat> the vaccines that went into the soldiers at Kansas had been messed with at their source and unintentionally, intentionally, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure if that was like a LaRouche uh, insight on history of that time or where it was probably in the world war one study I did a couple years ago. Well, it begs the question because it came out of, um, a military, um, base in Kansas. I mean, that's a very strange, you would think that in a, a wartime situation where like typhus is out of control, which typhus is a, a, a bacteria or virus carried by lice then the trench situation. So excuse me for not knowing whether it's bacteria or virus on the top of my head at three in the morning, but nonetheless, you would think with all the diseases that were manifesting themselves in the trenches of world war one, that this strange, the most deadly flu virus in history emerges out of a Kansas military base. Like it's just a straight, really it hopefully would want, would, you know, horse uh, serum, albinize His, some history of vaccines. <laughs> I mean, it didn't take long. Let me, uh, let me just click this first one. I just typed in world war one horse serum vaccines and serum being drawn from a horse inje injected with diphtheria toxin. So they would inject the horse with the toxin and the horse would have an immune reaction. They take the serum from the horse and they put it in people. Yeah. It's pretty scientific. Yeah. Unless you're a horse, you know what they could do for those horses though? They could give them some deworming medicine, make them feel better. <laughs> Uh, there's, you know, I was, uh, interestingly enough, like, you know, I was talking to Senna and she was uh, born in Turkey and then uh, the ivermectin. until 94, she told me a story, you know, this is anecdotal, but until 94, the vaccine, the measles vaccine, I don't know if it was the MMR or just the standard measles vaccine was not available in Turkey. So, and her, and she's about your, your age, your, uh, your, you and your wife's age. She uh, was encouraged by her. So I guess a friend of hers got sick. And so they used to throw measles parties and she went and got sick with measles. Like we, as when I was younger, chicken pox, we had chicken pox parties, you know, a similar sort of thing. If treatments and therapeutics were easily available, people would have COVID parties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were available and they, you know, at this point they're just prioritizing. Would you rather through. take an experimental vaccine for chicken pox or just get chicken pox? If there's rather get chicken pox. if you're going to live through it and you can survive it. And, and ironically, immunity I had... versus immunity on subscriptions, one heck of an offer, yeah. but they're not well, giving people a choice. 
It's definitely not an informed choice. So they're denying choice. They're denying, denying the inform, informed part of it, which makes, you know, the non-freedom is what they're offering. And people who don't know the difference, like the difference between sand and water, the people who don't know the difference, they'll take that. But the other people who know the difference, they're like, that's not freedom. I don't want it. Correct. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I mean, I was young. I tried to contract uh, chicken pox. My sister and I just never were able to contract it. So my mom did take us when we were younger to go get the chicken pox vaccine. That's right. By the time you get uh, the shingles later in your life, you'll have uh, like nanobots from yeah, Pfizer. It'll be on your <clears throat> immunity subscription passport. I was before. I mean, I must have been what twelve years old, something like that, thirteen. So you know, that was long before I had any idea of any of this. You have a license for you, and then like sub licenses for your clones that go out and do all the dangerous work for you, like you're in uh, surrogates, something yep. like that. All right. So what's the other serious news we gotta hit before we go to uh, JP awakening us? Uh, this is Greg Reese um, first video. School blocks parents from uh, attending vaccine drive for five-year-old students. Not, it's not a big deal. It's, it's it's the, yeah, the rest of it. I mean, I think most of it's been covered um, at this point. I mean, like the rest is getting into different personalities covering a lot of the stuff we've already addressed, whether it's the FDA whistleblower or it's... The um, irony is... Like like, in my they're saying head. unvaccinated people can't fly. But for vaccinated people, you guys can't fly either because there's no pilots. Sorry. Sorry. That's the bigger issue, really. You're going to be flying out of a third world type of airport situation. You go there a day ahead of time, and hopefully you can take your backpack on a plane or something. Most airlines are not mandated. Like they're um, at this point, they're not forcing. You can still travel. Like there's a lot of gaslighting going on, acting like we're still locked. Like you know, yeah. like it's, it's a mental thing they're doing to us. It's not yeah. really the truth. Like, for the most part, you can travel pretty freely. Um, there's plenty of airlines, including European airlines, that are not requiring any sort of vaccination status uh, in order to be able to travel. There's no sort of checkpoints set up across state. They're, they're considering these things, but they don't exist right now. But they're making us think they kind of do um, by the gaslighting, the fear, and all the, the, the propaganda and the PR. And you're right. But in order to get media. that level of freedom that's still available, one has to do an inordinate amount of homework, I know. for instance. Uh, Joshua just went to Hawaii and they got all sorts of funny rules over in Hawaii about, you know, and, and when you can test. And so he, he had to do a lot of research in order to not get stuck in that situation, be able to go there, enjoy themselves, come back, everyone be healthy without like, you know, bureaucratic red tape that's unnecessary and doesn't make any sense. Cause that's frustrating. Yeah. So. That's the big thing right now is knowing whatever country or state you, you visit, um, each one's going to have slightly different rules. So you're going to understand what their protocol or procedure is in regards to COVID-19, but um, it's pretty messy. Bureaucracy is much more inefficient than efficient. And yeah. So and it's really only a problem with like, I would imagine Hawaii, maybe a couple other territory type places. Cause otherwise you can cross state lines. It's not a big deal, but you go into Hawaii, it's like you have entered Hawaii and they got rules there and you might have to you, you know, do other things. Island yeah, they might make island. you pay for extra lodging that you didn't want. You know, these sort of things that they right. do in Canada-like places in America. And right. Canada, I think, either forced you to self quarantine at least initially, they forced you to... My buddy married a Canadian girl during the COVID-19 pandemic and then went up to Canada and he had to self-isolate for 14 days. Just I'm really hoping Josh was not at the, like, the hotel pool on a speaker playing this out loud. <laughs> so it'd be embarrassing. 
But at the All beginning right. of the technology, economics, and politics, this guy, we all appreciate this one, Rich. I think you'll like this quite a bit. So, Let's go to the Reese. Uh, know thy enemy. That's the name of it. So there's more than one Reese would have Reese's. Not a, not a sponsor. <laughs> Just a fan. Enemy. One that is antagonistic to another. Something harmful or deadly. For those with eyes to see, humanity is currently under attack by an antagonistic and deadly foe. An enemy that must hide in the shadows to survive. But there is always a money trail, and money is their only real power. So to find the real enemy, we must follow the money. In the documentary Monopoly, Who Owns the World, Tim Geelan does an excellent job of doing this. While there appears to be hundreds of independent companies producing food, they are practically all owned by the same small group of companies. These companies are controlled by their top shareholders, financial institutions such as Berkshire Hathaway, Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street. This is also who owns Silicon Valley, big tech, the airline industry, the steel industry, agriculture, the textile and clothing industry, both the oil and solar panel industry, tobacco, alcohol, pharmaceutical, electronics, and banking. Just about everything in today's modern world is owned and controlled by these same financial institutions, who are also invested in each other, forming a pyramid of financial power topped by BlackRock and Vanguard. BlackRock loans money to the Federal Reserve Bank, advises them, and developed their software system. BlackRock itself is owned by Vanguard, and Vanguard, sitting on top of the world pyramid, keeps its shareholders private. But we know that the majority of wealth has been accumulated by inheritance and monopoly, and the same few families have owned most of the world for generations. Families such as Rothschild, Rockefeller, DuPont, Morgan, and Bush. Operating through nonprofit foundations, these unelected families are able to rule over the world like kings. This is the way it has always been, whether it be via pharaoh, royalty, papal supremacy, dictator, or investment banker. Mankind has always been managed by the rich and powerful. Freedom is a dream yet to be fully realized in this world. After the American Revolution, our forefathers gave us the tools to realize this dream of self-governance in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Tools that will be stripped away unless mankind decides to stand and face their enemy. Here we need a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector. With trillions at its disposal, far beyond global GDP, and with the greatest respect, beyond even the governments of the world's leaders, it offers the only real prospect of achieving fundamental economic transition. For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. Hmm. So Greg Reese wants us to believe 
that there are these rulers who are not elected, who have been ruling over us for a long time, and that it's been going on and it's going to continue to go on until we like do something about it, probably. Right? Sounds awfully familiar with the, the theme of a certain show. Yeah. Um, not <laughs> Definitely sure. not Grand Theft Auto, though. No. Something else. Um, <clears throat> the video game. LD. Yeah, it's not a video game. Dude. This isn't Grand um, Theft Auto, folks. This isn't a video game. I know. I heard you the first time, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> LD, in the uh, class chat from earlier today, I also posted a, a playlist that had what you've been missing. Could we roll like the first two minutes of that? Because I think it's almost an identical message to much of what we just heard. I'd there like to com compare and contrast. Perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Yes, we can. Just uh, Let's see. give me one moment. It's oh, just no, a few I'm, I'm... Click, <clears throat> few simple clicks away. Oh, the one thing we won't probably get to tonight is the COP26, but that that's sort of spelling out the next stage of the globalist agenda. Yeah. And obviously Prince Charles yeah, is. giving a, a sort of keynote speaker or speech rather um, within. He's all inclusive with the capitalism these days. And I am uh, you know, on it. Johnny I think Green Liberty agenda. Radio is going to cover that in depth. My sort of mentioning because James posted a video that sort of breaks down that speech. It's good. And so there's. And who's the other guy? I'm thinking of a guy. He's a South we'll African presenter. He's, a, oh. he's kind of a, he works a lot of Christian in there, but he did a bunch of videos on Walter, Walter Veith, mm. V-I-E-T-H. Uh, he did presentations about Prince Charles oh, and the United Nations and like they're taking over the world, new world order type of stuff. This is like mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is pretty wacky. Prince Charles is a fool. Like he's never going to have any control or influence beyond like he did like a couple small things and whatever we played that video i forget by the yeah. woman who produced it but tara oh. carta about how they want to um create a sort of a social cron contract around like a, a, a green new mm. deal sort of speak idea yeah. so we we played that a couple of weeks ago it's just the united nations straitjacket tony <laughs> try it on for Charles. oh you know there's an interesting elon musk called out yeah pedophilia <laughs> elon musk calls out un pedophilia so crowder had a little thing about elon first musk. off un spends eight billion dollars a year and they can't end world hunger but they go to elon musk they're like bro if you give us six billion dollars we could end world hunger and and from my take on what he said and i didn't look into it but my take was he's like um yes i got six billion dollars right here i'll give it to you if you just stop abusing children and trafficking them can you show me evidence that you've, <laughs> you've done that? And if not, fuck off. That's kind of what I interpret. He's a that. weird, he's, he's obviously a front man for, you know, DARPA projects, but at the same time, he's a little off the rails at times. Also, you know, went against the whole of anything. It's not going to be overpopulation. It's going to be. Yo, sort of dude used to go into New York, according to Greg Greece, he used to go into New York to party and have to hawk some of his dad's emeralds at Tiffany's before yes. he could go out and buy ecstasy and rave at the clubs. Right. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. And respect for that. You know, I'm not hating. Hey, it's a true you got, entrepreneur. If your dad's got yeah. emeralds and he lets you sell them at Tiffany's, go have as much ecstasy as you want. But don't go calling your your Musk a Tesla. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> Nothing Tesla so, about a Tesla. That's another right. Greg Reese video. Which one of these uh did you just wanted to play the first one in just, the playlist? Yeah, because that's got the intro that I'm thinking of that's uh, okay. juxtaposing the Greg Reese. Yeah. 
For thousands of years, the few have used knowledge as power to control the many and profit from their ignorance. Over hundreds of generations, the masses have outsourced their thinking and unquestioningly consumed products of deception. Today, as a result, the non-elected rulers continue to persuade us to adopt their limited perspectives. This series resurrects your curiosity and broadens your awareness so you can learn how to read between the lies. This is what you've been missing. The goal of this series is to provide you with the tools to understand the world in which we all live so we can learn to survive and thrive in life. Greetings and welcome. I'm your host, Richard Grove, and I'd like to begin by employing metaphor, using this box to represent the status quo so as to illustrate that the series was created to present you with the myriad of media which describes the world from the outside of this box, whereupon we criticize and review it like this. What you've been missing is an educational exploration designed to stimulate you and your potential, to resurrect your curiosity, and to inspire you to think critically so your decision-making and realization of enjoyment in life goes off the charts. Submitted for your approval, this is the episode pilot of What You've Been Missing, titled, Exposing the Noble Lie. Go ahead and pull it. All right, so maybe there's something to what Reese was saying there. Maybe this has been going on a long time, this non-elected ruler situation, and there still needs to be things done about it. What do you think, Tony? We shall tell them noble lies because the population is too stupid and needs to be managed otherwise. Um, So it does seem like, you know, not only is there a strong correlation between Greg Reese's recent video and that video now, what, 10 years ago? 11 years ago something like that but then on um but there's also the brain model that you have continued to build out that seems to be a sort of map a roadmap uh, of tyranny and i like i liken it to you know those ancient sort of medieval representations of like sea maps and monsters and stuff like that and you know where the unknown is is sort of like representate represented as sort of a monster or some sort of chaos and i'm like you pointed where all the monsters exist. There's a lot of them and how to avoid them. If you pay attention to the actual map that corresponds to reality and what did truth, what did uh, Aristotle say about truth? Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Um, so you're just trying to, you know, match your perceptions to that, which exists and try to give an accurate terrain of what we have to navigate in regards to the modern 21st century. And unfortunately no offense but unfortunately as great as your work has been unfortunately it's all it's coming true more and more and it can't be any more conspicuous and obvious at this point at this inflection point in history with the COVID 19 hegemony and moving into overt world government um technocratic transhumanistic control grid um and depopulation so i was hoping that maybe we were a little off the rails back in the day I was hoping that maybe just maybe maybe that, we were hyperbolizing it. 
because we were young. Maybe certain it was our times, youth, at certain we, things, and we got caught in some catch just, webs that weren't reasonable. But this, but the general, we need to test, talk about the ahistoricity of there be monsters on those unknown parts of the map because I think that might might not have a lot of history behind it. But it's a popular motif for such ideas, and we're using it as metaphor. Yeah, I don't know. Like I've seen some old school maps, and I've <laughs> that haven't like I've never followed up on whether that was a real map or not. But you know, uh, you know, this the point is as a metaphor is like these there are these maps that uh represent sea monsters in areas that have not been mapped out so i I liken it to that sort of like sort of yeah the notion is that the parts of the map that are ambiguous and unknown and unexplored they would paint scary things there and scary things to keep people from going there which is much the same as how media works today even though that's not a historically true observation it's a motif of history Mm. it's popularized through culture and media it's like a theme yeah yeah Mm. All right, so things left on the show card aside from JP talking to himself, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, Not a lot of people can do that. Uh, I just want to say this real quick. So I took a get lot. away with it. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> hey, I found the, intermission. I finally scrolled down far enough to find where intermission. I was going to say the intermission. I just want to give a shout out to everyone in the GTW Clips Consideration Channel. This entire intermission, which is actually a mix master Myers production, if you will, mm. I was actually pretty proud of this and a very Peace Revolution style esque uh, mixing of a lot of various personalities and short clips to provide greater context and a larger narrative that connects together. Oh, but I like this. This looks good. Able- yeah, you worked in able- Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. Uh, it's good. I have like yeah. I have Carl Sagan, Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. We have C.S. Lewis warning Ooh. against the, most of these, except for the Bonhoeffers. Uh, I believe the GTW clip consideration posts these randomly, and I put together a sort of larger narrative around it and the emerging scientism. So kudos to everyone that C.S. Lewis died famously on what date, along with what other two people. It doesn't see, it sounds like a really hard question for Tony to answer, but maybe he can answer it because he's really brilliant. Let's see. Oh, I have no idea. November 22nd, 1963. Aldous Huxley, JFK, and C.S. Lewis mm, on that, I did not that, know day. that. Two of those people were in a mythraic secret society That's of the British correct. variety. C.S. Lewis. Might they have disagreed with the killing of a king ceremony in such an open place? Maybe. I don't know. They don't like Reddit side. Leave it to you to speculate. Cult yeah, of Mithra. You know, regicide is a ancient tradition going back uh, uh, millennia. So I don't know. Maybe kings got sick of being regicided and mm. decided, like, you know, we need to. Or maybe a king was Irish, happened to be Irish <laughs> against the British. Like Not that. so much liking the Irish. But, but, back but then. shout out to or the GT. Presently. Good. Yeah. yeah shout shout out. Shout out to the GTW uh, community, um, the subscribers, because m- most of the intermission was taken from suggestions. And I put it together in a sort of contextual narrative that is useful. So if you get a chance to check that out, it'll be available for the show notes and watch it in sequence back to back. And you'll sort of get the, uh, the picture I was trying to paint uh, with the intermission. So that's all I'll need to say on that. Otherwise, I think we covered the main points. This week was huge. Last week was slow, relatively speaking. By contrast, this week was insane. Um, the levees broke, uh, the dam, the waters came rushing past the dam and inundated uh, poor Tony this week with news and the show card. So uh, we got on as much as we could, but there's a lot going on and I'm sure we'll continue moving forward that way. 
but we'll continue Liberty radio tomorrow. We'll cover a lot of what we missed. And then Tuesday night town hall, we'll go over a lot of what we missed as well. Make sure to cover. Yeah. Play your intermission in town hall. That would fit. Yeah. I could try to do that. We haven't. Yeah. We could. I'll see. I'll see. So, or hand it to Liberty radio. It's a good, it's a good outline. I'll help you execute that if you want to, if you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it for intermission. I'll, I'll let um, Liberty radio cover the cop 26 and the other cultural stuff. And then we'll do the intermission on Tuesday night, maybe be a little longer town hall, but the last town hall went five hours. So what else is now? Oh, also uh, I started watching the Aaron and Melissa Dykes, true stream media federal reserve movie. It's a good I finally logged into the Twitter. I saw I had a kind and generous invitation for me to go enter a little code and start watching the film. I watched the first part and I'm going to schedule time to watch the rest to make sure I take it in sequence and not too long in order. But it's a, it, it's a serious work of art. They do great work. I mean, I haven't seen yeah. them in a long time. I, I They popped on my radar this week and I was going to subscribe. Like, I don't know if it was YouTube or something. You remember somewhere. And I was like, I need to, I haven't heard Aaron Dykes in forever and Melissa, his wife. Yeah. So Yeah. They, and they, uh, they're real people going through real life experiences. They're investigative journalists, they're filmmakers, they're parents, parents, they're homeschooling, right? They're not funded by George Soros, who, by the way, back in 1992, he had a plan for new world order. He presented it at the NATO meeting. I have his pamphlet in the other studio. It's on the wall. It's framed because that's an artifact of artifacts. It's one of like 20 pamphlets printed for that meeting. You know how hard to, one of those things are to get. I bet you can't find it for sale online, but I did scan it in for you guys at Scribd. So if you found my Scribd account, there's a lot of juicy documents scanned in over there. It's not easy to find though, because I'm not trying to be obvious. Be cagey in these things to keep it out there. All right. Rolling at home. Do we want to go to JP? Who else we have to thank? I want to thank everyone who's on Rockfin watching, watching live. I want to watch. I uh, want to thank anyone who's watching the Felix Rodriguez Pirate Channel on the YouTube. Thank you guys and uh, spread it around. Tell people to go to Rockfin because that's where the stream kind of lives, and then it gets distributed out through uh, LD, thankfully, and Content Safe. Starting to carry a little more of the weight in our distribution here uh, because there's a lot of places and a lot of spaces where freedom is appreciated, and uh, we're getting a good amount of followers on all these different platforms because it's where people already are, depending on who they are, and they're bumping into more content that they can dig into. So being able to proliferate this cornucopia catalog of ours uh, is is something that needs to be done sooner than later. So we're stepping up efforts and we thank you guys all for the support in building out the, the technical aspects, the logistical aspects of pre and post production and the distribution and getting it to more people faster, sooner. So that the, the freedom that's living in the clips of this show, right? It's not really about what me and Tony and LD have to say. It's about, Hey, you might've missed that one clip that really makes a difference in a decision you might have to make this week. Right. So these sort of uh, gemstones along the way, because the media, the ma- mainstream media feeds you a lot of turds during the week. Here's a couple of rubies, gemstones, uh, emeralds, sapphires, you know, these sort of things, pearls that you can take with you. These are substantial pieces of knowledge you can refer to. You could talk to your friends and family about, and uh, maybe you can make them laugh along the way. Like this next guy, I think his name's JP. He keeps showing up. 
<clears throat> which one do you want to do this to this week one is um why two classes of citizens you got it okay Oops. well no no it- I, I wanted to know that answer but i have some things oh, okay. to cover before we yeah do it <laughs> yeah yeah go for it yeah so let me know which one of those. Uh, and yeah, thanks again to the Rockfin, especially Laurie Quigley, Nicholas, Occult Priestess, Chelsea, Chelsea, Roy, up in Oregon. Hey, Roy, hope you're well. Augustine, THX113 322. I don't know what he was incredulous about yet, but thanks anyway. <laughs> David Otnis, Truthzilla Podcast. Thanks so much for stopping in. Those guys are cool. Yeah, uh, Matt Green, T Can, Dallas Avad, Candyman, Petrick, and again Dallas Avad. And um, I will just say, last last night I had the pleasure of joining Monica Perez and a bunch of her listener, list, <laughs> listeners in Pasadena. Uh, we went to a really cool uh, Irish pub. Griffins of Kinsale, somebody that's been fighting the the mandates there in LA County. We had a great time, sort of a mini Grand Theft World meetup. Um, I was hanging out with a couple of uh, folks, you know, listening to both podcasts, and I just want to give a shout out to Felipe and Michelle, and to James. We had a great time. Felipe and Michelle brought seeds. They handed out seeds to a bunch of people, uh, Ingsoc seeds. Uh, I, I want to look them up on on Instagram. And James and I made plans to exchange some valuable digital information and meet up again. And had a great time. I've got my Propaganda Report shirt on. I don't know if you can see it. Prop Report. Um, Props yeah, to the Prop bit. Report. Right here. There you go. There you go. Nice. Monica sent me one, and um, it was it was really cool meeting her. She is uh, she's quite a lady, very smart. Um, looking forward to having her on the show here. That interview they did with you, Rich, was fantastic. Yeah, it was a great interview. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. She did a good job navigating because she knew just enough to be able to sort of stimulate. Um, a, a, a very meaningful discussion to go down avenues that you know you have a lot more context on but at the same time she'd done a good amount of research herself so kudos to, to both of you and of yeah. course her partner as well yeah a lot of diligent work they're putting in over there mm-hmm. they got members only stuff they got some free stuff they're well organized and uh, getting well armed for this uh, information war all right just a couple more items for me <laughs> yeah before we wrap okay. it up, uh, I do want to give a shout out to Christina, a friend of mine locally here. She joined Grand Theft World way back. Uh, she has been very brave um, standing up against her school, her employer and school. And I know she listens and she hooked us up with a bunch of tomato plants back in the spring. So I just wanted to say, give her a shout out. And then. Oh, there's someone in the community. Wasn't there that gave a, they kind of gave us a shout out for um, he presented in front of like a school board or something of that nature or yeah yeah I wanted yeah, to play I that I have that in the show card I just want to give a shout out to oh my God I'm forgetting his name it's three in the morning four in the morning four in the morning. Well, while you if you want to pull that up uh, mm-hmm. Red Pill Expo this this weekend and so Grand Theft World we're celebrating a year. 
and I discovered G. Edward Griffin and Benny Wills both celebrating birthdays today, I guess yesterday, the 7th but of November. Is it his uh, 90th birthday? I know it's uh, Ed's birthday, and I was going to record something to say happy birthday to Ed, and Benny's like, there's no way to show media there, so I just forgot about it. So happy yes. birthday, Ed. Congratulations. Hope you live many wow. more decades. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I hope you get to see that. You deserve and, uh, it. I saw Josh Sigurdsson posted this picture. Were, were we sponsoring? I don't know. He's, he's got autonomy here on his his neck, his uh, lanyard. It's wondrous how these things work. See, when I sponsored the lanyards at the Red Pill Expo here in Hartford, they obviously had extras when they ordered 2,000 of them and charged me for them. <laughs> so at least they're still handing them out. And autonomy is there by an implicit uh, behind-the-scenes sponsor of Red Pill Expo. And there's many listeners of this podcast, uh, many autonomy students and graduates down there. Uh, wasn't it in, like, Louisiana or Alabama? Where was it? It was somewhere, someplace down south right now, right? Yeah, somewhere in Louisiana. I can't remember which town. Uh, uh, I think it's, Tim, it's in the Tim town where there. Nelson lives. Yeah, but oh, my okay. student from season six, Nelson, lives in the town where red pills at right now hey good to see benny good to see josh sigerson you got any other pictures there any other um no i just have i just have my little video clip of meeting meeting benny and g edward griffin over the summer at red pill in south dakota uh it's when he had the ned flanders stash benny did yes oh there's ed and yeah i talked to ed got got my book signed jekyll island nice signed by ed so. In some place we have footage of Ed because uh, we gave him an award at the VIP dinner at the Red Pill Expo here, uh, Lifetime Freedom Achievement Award from Autonomy. But I'll have to find that footage. That's been a lifetime for him. I mean, he's. I remember seeing. I remember seeing his presence. University of Michigan, nineteen sixty-seven. Sorry, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he did some some really refined, polished work even back then. Mm -hmm. and i you know his creature from jekyll islands it's uh fantastic work obviously it's you know used to smolens now if you're watching this live and you're down there at red pill do not go to griff's room and start banging on his door and be like hey these guys said happy birthday don't do that (laughs) don't don't be that person (laughs) catch him Uh, just real quick i guess oh no finish up i'm sorry i've got it pulled up okay (laughs) oh we can roll this three minutes long if you want to preface it uh yeah real quick um just gonna get this on the record this is from the international monetary fund thank you crypto you've sent this to me a number Imp- of times and i've been trying to get this on the record but this is from april 2021 we need a new social contract fit for the 21st century we'll include it in the show notes and this is sort of the this is you know sort of the uh the general game plan, uh, and very, very generalized, not specific as how they want to sort of envision the future rollout of uh, IMF was created by people who funded Nazis that's along crazy. with the world bank. There you go. So, Please continue with that context. Yeah. Um, so they're just talking about how it's going, they're going to reimagine the world economy. Um, through this new social contract that'll be based upon sort of like the, you know, the terra carta, idea that we played a couple weeks ago um with this whole greening green agenda and whatnot um 
So my interest in social contracts grew out of a desire to understand the underlying causes of recent anger manifested in polarized politics, culture wars, conflicts over inequality and race, and intergenerational tensions over climate change. This consent is widespread, blah, blah, blah. So they go on to say, now the pandemic has served as a great revealer as it hit the most vulnerable, the old, the sick, women, and those in precarious jobs, the hardest and exacerbated existing inequalities. So this is going to bring in security. And um, you know, every society can put forward a put a floor on income below, which no one can fall. They're talking about UBI. They're talking about, um, you know, um, uh, digital currencies, uh, uh, central bank sponsored digital currencies, but, you know, uh, and also within the context of carbon emissions and all this other nonsense and in the inequality, all this stuff they're trying to roll out that first thing to everyone to get vaccinated so they can get everyone on one passport and then they can roll out the rest of their sort of, uh, Mr. Robot style, uh, monopoly. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. Not bad, Mr. Robot. Domo. Or Mr. Roboto. Well, that, you know, I thought Domo. that was all right back in the day. I know, that, I know that's when sticks took a hit. But... There's also a couple British kind of communist spies involved with IMF. Harry Dexter White, Lyle Shin Curry. Yeah. Interesting history the IMF has. It's for another show. I mean, yeah, this is the, this sums up. Is it affordable? A new social contract is not about higher taxes, more redistribution, redistribution of bigger welfare state. It's about fundamentally reordering and equalizing, equalizing how opportunity and security are distributed across society. So first they're saying it's not about higher taxes and redistribution. Then in the second uh, portion of the sentence, it, or the second sentence says it's fundamentally about reordering and equalizing society. Well, there's a, uh, I feel like we're in star Wars sort of situation. origins of the first order right now. Yeah, This is these ridiculous. people international system that enables such a transformation is essential. This means ensuring that international financial institutions have the resources to help societies invest and support minimum incomes, education, and healthcare. Also means better rules around global taxation so that companies can pay taxes where economic activity takes place for the benefit of the people where those companies operate. Sounds like stakeholder capitalism. Such as such an international system would shore up the global economy of the social contract that is both efficient and fair, and therefore more likely to garner public support. So that's what the IMF is dreaming up. So thank you, crypto. Thank you, Imp. Uh, for yeah, thank you. Imp. Thanks it, to the imp. the imp is an imp at this point. Everyone knows what it is. Uh, so, well. 1944 to present. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, um, yeah, that's a diatribe. Done. LD, any other uh, briefs for this meeting? Oh, um, Jamal Diaz and everything. So the the um. Ah. The video Sorry, I was trying to speak. Is... I was muted. Dude, okay. dude, man, Bragi. Dude, man, Bragi. Um, yeah, okay. In in Discord, he sent this video of him speaking at a uh, a what is it? My testimony at uh, October thirtieth, COVID nineteen mandate and overreach committee. So, uh, it's three minutes. I thought I'd roll that and let me know which JP. Clip Actually. This, this is really interesting because this is precisely the type of thing that students right now are practicing in autonomy. It's, it's presentation on a topic that might be like a little touchy these days. So people in the course, they go through and they pick this. He actually is not even in the course and he did it in for real life in front of people in a formal setting. It's very impressive. 
and like you know, I'm thank you for the codice. Let me read the thing here yeah. for the community because this, this meant a lot to myself and you know to all of us here at GTW. But he said, and I'm quoting now from Dude Man Guy, Dude Man Brog Guy. Um, the, he added, "Me, you, Rich, and LD thought you all might like my testimony at the state capitol yesterday. It was my first time doing any quote unquote real public speaking." So I began a little nervous, but quickly settled into it. I helped organize a rally of seven, several hundred there, as well as being the primary organizer and coordinator of the biggest rallies thus far in Wichita, Kansas at Spirit Era Systems. Brought over 400 people to the sidewalk in front of my CEO's office two weeks in a row. They're smaller now, but we're going into week four. When my job was threatened. I came out of my introverted shell and came out swinging, no longer having much to lose. So much of what I know is thanks to your hard work. So thank you all, as well as the entire GTW community. Your efforts make a difference and are appreciated. And I just want to say we're, we appreciate you internalizing and taking action on what we're trying to communicate uh, to the rest of the world at this point. So you're, you're embodying what we're trying to uh, engender through this podcast. So kudos to you for standing up and taking initiative. And that's what it's going to take for us to get out of this nightmare that we currently find ourselves in. Now, I haven't seen this and I'm not familiar with the person submitting it, but my guess from hearing Tony struggle with it is it's dude, man, bro, guy, dude, dude man, man, bro, guy, but the guy is called G U I G U. Okay. So oh. it's like, you can, you like can a graphical user interface, graphical guy. user interface. Oh, that's yeah, interesting yeah. too. Yeah. A little depth of character little right there. Yeah, All right. Bit. All right. So let's, let's see. Uh, let's see how he does. A little punish thing going on there. Finnegan's wake style. Joking. Sorry. Next, we have Sean Heald, followed by Renee Ward. Welcome to the committee, Sean. Thank you. I speak on behalf of the Libertarian Party of Kansas, District 4. I've been at Spirit for 14 years, and there is major resistance to these mandates at all levels out there. We've had a rough three years between the max grounding and COVID causing layoffs and furloughs. The mandates are being cruelly enforced around the country with many unjust denials of exemptions as well as unemployment. The effects of this are going to ripple through the economy. This was sprung on us at the last minute, giving us a little time to prepare. Most of us are not easily replaced. We already have supply chain issues. Do you guys think our supply chain or our, our economy can sustain another self-inflicted wound? We're being made to choose between our careers and our health, life, liberty, dignity, or even our soul. Whatever the reason, there's no more sacred right than self-ownership. How can we trust government to decide what must go into our bodies to qualify for civil rights? How long will these <laughs> mandates last? Are the boosters going to be required? Those who welcome this mandate may recall a time when they did not so readily trust the president's actions. Fear and confusion are key components of psychological warfare. The CDC says 720,000 have died of COVID and downplays the fact that 95% of these deaths had an average of four comorbidities, while only 5% died of COVID alone. Survival rate is over 99%, yes, yet hospital subsidies, inaccurate testing, statistical manipulation, and ever-shifting, often contradictory official narratives work to keep us confused and afraid. The same pressure applies to vaccine injuries and deaths. Those that happen after the first shot but before fully vaccinated status are classified as COVID. Whistleblowers have repeatedly exposed this pressure to not file VAERS reports, yet over 17,000 deaths and over 800,000 adverse events from COVID vaccines have been filed. That's far more than all other vaccines combined. Natural immunity has been well documented to be longer lasting and more protective against variants than vaccination, yet antibody testing is off the table. The vaccine suppression of symptoms can be done with diet and exercise, supplements like vitamin C and D3, 
quercetin, zinc, inacetylcysteine, and early treatments with ivermectin and monoclonal antibodies. The research on all this is abundant. Despite the relentless propaganda from the corporate press and public health experts, many of us know about the attempted cover-up of gain-of-function research funding. The development of these vaccines was also subsidized and rushed through safety testing. Tax dollars shield these corporations from liability and buy the supposedly free shots, which have made nearly a dozen new big pharma billionaires. This is a transfer of wealth and largely caused the inflation as 40% of all dollars were created last year. All of this incentivizes sacrificing public health for corporate profits. Around the world, millions of people march in open defiance of their government's attempts to starve them into submission. Increasingly brutal methods are used to suppress them. Human rights are under assault and the U.S. is in the crosshairs. The vaccine passport is the crucial first step towards a social credit system. It must be resisted now, before Americans are backed into corners. We cannot allow such madness in a nation with hundreds of millions of firearms and the most powerful military in history. An armed society must be a polite society. Help us resist this medical apartheid. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hilden. Next we have... You're on mute. You're on mute. I said, hot damn, son, you got some fire. I can see why 400 people who uh, would show up to hear what you had to say to follow words like that. I think you should be running for office. I think that most of the time when I hear a really condensed, accurate political speech like that, it's written by staffers in a senator's office. Not even, they don't even do that in Congress. Like what I just saw there exceeds the level of quality of most congressmen and senators other than people like Rand Paul, right? And the only difference between you and Rand Paul is he's got longer clock, you know, he can uh, pace himself out. He, you know, but you don't feel like you came across like nervous or anxious or anything like that. You were assertively trying to communicate an urgent message, given a time slot to people who don't really care what you have to say, but you're getting it on the record in the time allowed. It was cogent. It was coherent. It communicated well. There was a broad spectrum of useful facts in there. It didn't seem politically motivated. It seemed inspired by and in defense of freedom. So that's what came across to me. Uh, and I would like more people to see that clip and I would like to show it to autonomy students just to give an example of what you can do with the stand up and express yourself skills that they're learning this particular week. So it's masterfully crafted. Yeah. Extremely well, well written. And I wouldn't, unless time you and told effort, me well you were invested. nervous, I would have never noticed as Rich mentioned, I would have never noticed he was nervous. And you got good, clear video with audio like that. Yeah. Your your pacing. I mean, well all, all the things that we I teach in sort of classical rhetoric is the third portion of the trivium. You you nailed um, your pacing, um, your pronunciation, uh, your spacing, um, your cadence. ethos, pathos, mythos. Oh logos. yeah, you, you not, use logic. It's not you all declarative emotion, sentences. Right? There's a lot of good thinking, inspiring mm -hmm. parts in there. That it's not just like uh, like parroting what you've heard other places. Right. Right. A plus for original thought and application. And the fact you condense that down in a three minute, three minute and 15 second presentation or something like that, that shows the mark of a, an educated mind. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what he does next. Should get some support for office though. No one else is saying stuff like that. So they got a choice. Like you can win or they have to like do something with you. <laughs> educated decisions, freedom, 
I think is worth it. He probably thinks freedom's worth it too. Otherwise he wouldn't have said those words. He'd have stayed home and watched Netflix. Right. Right. Very well played. What a heck of a way to make an introduction of yourself too. Now we know who you are for good reasons. Not because you said something in the chat that was untoward. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to go move to wrap up this show. It being like uh, 4 a.m. here in the Eastern time, even with the time change of falling back today, it's uh, it's been a long day. Um, We're going to close with uh, JP, the video I'm looking for. He's got a hat on in one scene and have you uh, seen the black t-shirt? Black he t-shirt. plays both himself. Plays himself. Yeah, it's the uh, why it's Florida, Florida ruining everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it, it, it's working for that guy Brandon. I saw Biden a couple weeks ago. He wanted to help that kid Brandon, uh, and he's like, "Let's go," and that's where all this is coming from. So I support his wearing the "Let's Go Brandon" T-shirt. All right, we'll roll that, and I'm gonna play a quick a quick track from uh, a, a rapper. That we we played one of his tunes uh, a few weeks ago, but I thought I thought it'd be good to throw in. All there. right, and then that'll be. So it. let me, yeah, I'll tee it up then. Thank you guys all for tuning in and watching the live stream and the replay, and not dropping out. And now here's uh, JP Sears and the rapper guy from a couple weeks ago to play us out. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Peace. Always appreciate. how free people are here in florida yeah it's terrible it's almost like everyone here isn't enslaved it's a complete disaster i'm worried about everyone here because there's no one trying to control them do you think there's any hope well in the next election cycle it's possible florida could get flipped blue let's hope so i care about the future of my children and grandchildren i don't want them growing up never knowing what communism's like did you know florida is the most open state in the country people must be dying left and right the fact that people in florida have such high case rates of selfishly living makes me very worried about the mainstream narrative same i find that what's good for people is bad for the mainstream narrative and i'm very concerned that florida is putting the good of the people ahead of the good of the mainstream narrative. DeSantis is not living up to the standards of Newsom and Cuomo. Yeah, Newsom got challenged in a recall election and Cuomo got canned as governor. But at least he's no longer governor because of how he sexually harassed women instead of how he killed people. Yeah, that way it's like the lives that were lost because of him don't matter. And if they don't matter, then no harm, no foul. It's like DeSantis is doing the opposite of the respectable governors. He's doing things that save lives. Not reducing the population, do you know how bad that is for the planet? Yeah, I've watched Bill Gates' TED Talk. DeSantis is completely disrespecting the pharmaceutical industry's business plan to use people to serve itself. Right, he's allowing people to use a non-experimental drug that's very effective, but unfortunately not very profitable, called Iver... I wouldn't say that with the cameras rolling if I were you. And he's also got clinics set up to save lives with monoclonal... Also best not to say. But at least the Biden administration administration is blocking the distribution of it. Thanks, Stalin, someone stepping in to save people from life-saving treatments. Did you know DeSantis banned mandates that force people to be penetrated by a phallic object, which then ejaculates a foreign substance into their body against their will? I wonder why DeSantis doesn't support rape. Yeah, thinking people should be in control of their own bodies? <laughs> Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby 
don't agree with that. And Cosby was released from prison early, which means his way of doing things is right and DeSantis's is wrong. I'm pretty sure the only reason why DeSantis treats people the opposite of how Cosby treats them is because Cosby is black. Oh my God, DeSantis is a rapist? No, Cosby is. DeSantis is a racist. I think you're right. That's probably why he's banned schools from teaching kids to be racist through critical race theory. That guy is so conniving. Did you know Florida is offering police and firefighters who were fired in other states because of mandates, jobs and a $5,000 signing bonus? What's DeSantis gonna do? open ports so people can buy goods and businesses can function again. He's actually doing that. Oh, he's ruining Biden's whole plan. I don't want to accuse DeSantis of anything wrongfully, but now uh, I shouldn't say it. Oh, you can say it. No, I shouldn't. You can tell me. Oh, unless I have proof. I don't want to wrongfully accuse anyone of anything. Come on. No, please. Okay. I don't think DeSantis likes the idea of letting our democracy fall into socialism. That scumbag! Remember, I don't have proof. I don't want to spread any rumors. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. DeSantis called for transparency with how the Chinese Communist Party is funding universities. That reminds me. I heard a rumor that he cares about his country. It's not a rumor. DeSantis served in the military. Oh my god, it's like he's hating this country by not hating his country. I'm confused about something. If having your rights taken away gives you a better quality of life, then why are people from New York and California moving to Florida? I think it's because the living conditions in Florida are worse. Really? Yeah, you know how bugs are so dumb that they'll fly into a light even though it's really bad for them? Yeah. Well, I think humans and bugs have about an equal IQ, which makes humans do the same thing. And people are so stupid. No wonder we need authoritative people with drug company ties to tell us how we should live our lives. People and profits would be doomed without them. Until we can get DeSantis impeached for putting people before profit, do you think there's anything we can do to protect ourselves and our children that we unfortunately didn't abort? Yeah, forcing children to wear a mask while they sleep should make up for how Florida schools don't do it. By the way, who's Brandon? I don't know. I think he's just some guy that most people in our country really love. I hate our country. Well, no one hates it more than Brandon. I'm sorry to bring this up. Apology accepted. But I think DeSantis hates women. I already believe you, and why's that? Because he signed a bill banning biological males from competing against women in women's sports. That's terrible. I think protecting women is the same thing as oppressing women. Yeah, it sucks even worse for sports. Watching actual women competing against each other might put them all on a level playing field, but it sucks for the audience to watch. Florida protects women, puts people over profit, and has no regard for the well-being of the mainstream narrative. It's like everyone here is hypnotized by freedom. Stupid sheep. <laughs> Well, I gotta go. What are you up to? I've gotta go get my 93rd booster shot. It's been almost an hour since I've had one. I'm starting to feel real nervous. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your slavery. If you want to represent...
with somebody, you replace it. Everything is sexist, everything is racist, every claim is baseless, everything is tainted. I love my life, but the American dream is so tasteless. Time that we face it, I don't fear no man. Why you think they've been calling these TV shows programs? Watch the news, buy the new, follow rules, eat the fools, cop the shoes every day, cause we program. They'll pick what we choose, all the same, who is who, everything that we do, we program. Watch the news, buy the new, follow rules, eat the fools, cop the shoes every day, cause we program. They'll pick what we choose, all the same, who is who, everything that we do, we program. Hey, capitalism got us trapped in a prison, killing people over Jordans while they laughing and chilling. The liquor store and fast food got you in a bad mood, or all lives politicized, don't really value criminals, lock up citizens, killing all the Bullshit is this the world that we living in There's an app to find love There's an app to buy drugs There's no app to find us While they're spraying our crops They want you hating the cops They want you hating your moms They want you hating your pops Want us hating each other That's how they divide and conquer Sell your soul if you want an easy way to the top I've been praying to God I know we're here in the car They just play on your emotions Got you feeling it all It's love over here Not that fake stuff neither I'll deprogram myself I don't need you Watch the news, buy that new, follow rules, eat the fools, cop the shoes every day cause we program. They'll pick what we choose, all the same, who is who, everything that we do, we program. Watch the news, buy that new, follow rules, eat the fools, cop the shoes every day cause we program. They'll pick what we choose, all the same, who is who, everything that we do, we program. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or a right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. Present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Conspiracy is the story of history. It's the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at grandtheftworld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.